And drink anything? Hot cocoa. Hot cocoa. Mm, okay. Is it like an Irish hot cocoa or just hot cocoa? It's just a hot cocoa. Okay. Fair enough. What about you? Uh, I got myself uh, some sort of IPA. Excellent. Yeah. I'm trying to, you know, drink it like uh, those snooty beer drinkers where you, like, you just like inhale a little bit first to get the aroma and then you sip. How's that working out for you? Not too well. I'm mostly just sipping. I mean, what's the point if no one can see you doing it? Exactly. All right. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today. I think this might be a long episode. <laughs> might be. <laughs> Six hour <laughs> podcast. All right, this is technically six episodes, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's jump on in. Are you ready? Yeah. Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. And we're back for another week of our Lost Rewatch. Semi rewatch, you know. Not doing every episode, but we did a fair amount. We did six hours worth of Lost here. So yeah. covering our bases, I feel like. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's going. How about you? Going fine. Are you getting like uh, stir crazy at all or hanging in there? Uh, yeah, isolation or like solitude is not really a problem for me. Okay. Uh, um, I've been feeling great, as you know. That's been more of an issue for me than like being alone. Uh huh. I got your cats. I got my cats. We have many conversations. Yeah, I can't say I had a very productive weekend. I was able to swap out chairs in my room. That was. You know, it wasn't much, but that was like a big project for the weekend. Are they on wheels? No, no. For my bedroom, I have like a like yeah. an armchair that I read in. And the other one, like it's old. I think it's from Ikea. And like the leather was just starting to flake off because mm. it's not like real leather. And mm. it was just leaving these like tiny little like kind of like dark brown little kind of like vinyl-y things everywhere. It's driving me insane. So. Finally, I had I have two armchairs downstairs, so I swapped one of those out and put that one up here. But then that one was like a little bit too short for my little laptop desk to slide underneath, so that was a whole adventure changing the legs on those. Yeah, right on. I had to brave coronavirus to go to Lowe's to get some screws for that, but mm. fingers crossed. Yeah, there are a lot, a lot of goddamn people at Lowe's. And what are they buying? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I had like the greatest excuse in the world to be there, but. You know, I was also in a mask and gloves and these people are just like wandering around. I think they were like doing a lot of, uh, I don't know, Easter preparation, I guess. Easter preparation. Like they're building uh, like uh, complicated devices to nail people to. I think they're building a cross. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's got their own uh, Via Doloroso. (laughs) It is weird, though. Like, I think we were talking about offline, like. When you put the mask and gloves on, you kind of have to remind yourself again that like you still like you still need to be cautious. You know, I don't know. There's something like mentally where you're just like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm like all armored up here. Did you did you get an overwhelming sense that no one cared who you were until you put on that mask? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Huh. All right. Well, I mean, it's nice that you can take these little trips to like remember the before times. 
Well, I mean, you're allowed to go to the store. You know that, right? Just, For like essential just, items. I'm just like, well, yeah, screws. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's essential. I couldn't put my laptop stand next to my chair. I don't know. I watched. I watched a couple of Instagram stories of people who who I know locally, and it's like you know, for a week, it's like they're they're doing the thing you're supposed to do, and it's like, oh, I just got that one friend over. No, okay, yeah. we're 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 not breaking the rules. It's just like the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then that one friend is just gonna visit one other person that one time. Yeah. 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 It's like everyone is just dying to like get bit by that zombie and be the guy who pretends for uh-huh. 10 minutes in the movie that they, they weren't bit. They hide the the bite. Mm-hmm. Always yeah. the asshole in the movie. Like we're all lining up to star in the uh, prequel series, the V for Vendetta. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, what are you watching this week? Let's see. I mean, the usual shows, the end of Shit's Creek, but uh, Westworld devs. I'm caught up with devs. What'd you think of that last episode, Des? Um, you know, I, I found the I I enjoyed it. Like, I feel like the show kind of got back on track for me. It's interesting though that it's um, I think it's something we we're going to talk about at the end of our Lost podcast six hours from now, when you've got that end game where the main character is told like you will go to this place in the final act. It is written, and yeah, then the, yeah. the person's like, I'll never accept that fate. And then it's like, how do you get them to do that? Mm-hmm. It's essentially the same device. Um, I don't know. This show is fascinating. It reminds me of like the shows you used to get out of England where they would just do these, they would just green light these like one-off esoteric speculative shows um, that, that shouldn't on paper, you know, be a hit with the masses. Yeah, I'm curious to see how they wrap this up. I could see it ending in a way that where like everyone's mad, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you ever wait, end up watching uh, the rest of Mr. Robot? I think. Yeah, we've talked. Yeah, we about talked that about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was not too satisfied at the end of that show. No, I mean the more I think about it, I just think that last season was elongated uh-huh. too much, and I I don't know, man. The ending. It was just something about it. Just a little like jerk off motion, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I have to think that the last two and a half episodes would have made more sense if it was whatever White Rose's machine was. Yeah. yeah. Slight spoilers there. What'd you think of Westworld? Are you enjoying the, uh, the reveal of Charlotte Hale's new identity? Well, like I said, this is, this is what I had started. Well, you said it was Wyatt. Well, I said first. I started the season. I thought I thought it was another um, Dolores for some reason. Then I started to wonder if it was Wyatt or Caleb. Um, I'm just kind of curious with the Williams stuff. Is that going anywhere, or is just, or, just like the epilogue of Williams? Or is that just a way to write him off the show? Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Well, but like, but then what's the point of the epilogue to last season? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy it because I mean, William. It's nice <laughs> to see. Uh, what's that actor's name? It's like Hiroyuki Sonata. Nice to see that yeah, guy come back. We're gonna see him on Lost at some point. Yeah, that guy. He pops up. He's like, uh, like uh, Michelle Forbes and genre shows. He was the original like mentor character on Revenge, and then they recast him. Did um, they recast him, or was he ever like? Did he ever appear in the, the show? 
Yeah, he was on the okay. show for the first couple episodes, and then I want to say by the end of season one, they recast him with Carrie. I forgot his last name, but the guy who was in uh, Rising Sun. I mean, it, it can't be as good as that guy. I mean, I don't, I don't care. No, who but he I mean, it's it's like the other like prominent older Japanese actor that's been working in American TV and movies for a while. Yeah, it was. I still think it's a little bit bullshit that fucking Jeremy Renner. Like wins in a samurai fight in Avengers Endgame against that guy. Yeah. I think it's kind of bullshit that Jeremy Renner wins anything, but whatever. <laughs> well, at least he's got his music. Yeah, I think that's all I'm really watching right now. I haven't really watched much TV other than that. Yeah, I don't feel like I have. I mean, I, I watched some old Agatha Christie movie. I watched some more community. I've been watching things at weird times a day and thus weird moods to for what I watch. I found some new weird ASMR to watch, but that's not really TV. Watch some Nancy Drew, which I guess is my ASMR. What's your new weird ASMR? Uh, I'll say that. I feel like eventually we're going to do an episode on that and I can surprise you. Oh dear. <laughs> I don't know if anything's ever scared me more than. What are you listening you- to? You not wanting to share what your new ASMR is. Um, other than just random shuffle on iTunes occasionally, I've been listening to um, like Miles Davis at night, like trying to huh. help Miles me calm Davis down and night. fall asleep. Okay. Become one at the night. I gave a listen to that new Strokes album. Eh. Uh, 2020 is not the year for the Strokes. They're done. <laughs> The time has passed, and then it's, we've moved on from the from the the dirt bag and the denim jacket, haven't we? Come on, have we? Can I mean, we, like, can, can we, we ever? Can we really come out of quarantine and like want to go to that again? I, ask I don't you. know. I just uh, I'm so disappointed in society sometimes. Like, if we could just come out of quarantine and everyone's like, you know what, making stupid TikTok videos is dumb. There's better ways that we could all be spending our time as a society. That would be cool. But I realize that that, that's just me being old. At some point, there's going to be this this weird cultural Groundhog Day where we're going to come out, we're going to see something, and we're going to be like, yep, I want six more decades of that or not. I mean, I guess I I realize I say this as I'm, you know, podcasting, at least partly for the sound of my own voice, but it just feels like online culture is getting more and more narcissistic. Yeah, well. Anyway. Our online culture has eaten itself, thrown itself back up, <laughs> and it's now eating that. And it's smearing the puke around on their bodies and screaming, look at me. Yeah. Yeah. You read anything? Uh, I finished the original of Laura by Vladimir Nabokov, and now I'm considering rereading House of Leaves like a basic bitch. Hmm. Um, I figure since I'm stuck at home, maybe I'll, I'll read a, reread a book about a house that keeps expanding on the inside did you ever read s no the ship of theseus yeah sadly i have not still looking for somebody else to read that so i can talk to him about it it's downstairs on my shelf maybe i will all right i mean it's co-written by jj abrams i'm not sure if he has anything to do with it at all or then like i don't know he had some ideas or something but yeah i don't know Anyhow, I guess it's time to talk about Lost. Might as well start it. Previously on Lost. Uh, so we're doing season three. Mm-hmm. The episodes we're doing, we picked 
five or really six. Uh, we're doing a Tale of Two Cities, which is the first episode of season expose, which is a classic. The Man Behind the Curtain, Greatest Hits, and Through the Looking Glass parts one and two. So we really did like the back three episodes, and then mm-hmm. like beginning middle. I suppose yeah. if we wanted to like hit plot more, we probably would have done um, the one that Mister Echo dies in, which I think is right before. Uh, let's see, which one is that? Is that the man from Tallahassee where he... No, that's a lock one. Oh, Echo, Echo dies in episode five. Is that right? That seems early. Yeah, he dies early. Okay, I thought he died later. Well. He dies like... The moment... The time period is referenced in Expose. It's like right after they leave yeah. the Pearl. So Echo is met, takes a shit guy, and then goes outside and dies. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. For some reason, I thought that was later. But yeah, no, that's... The middle part of the seasons, like Trisha Tanaka is dead, Stranger in a Strange Land, Enter Seven Seven, all that kind of stuff. Poor Avion, another classic, like one of the worst episodes lost. Goth Claire, poor Claire, yeah. I mean, I like Goth Claire. It just really seems like the writers are clearly more interested in some characters than others, you know. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, and sometimes I think that pays dividends and sometimes it doesn't like Ben. They clearly love Ben this season. Uh huh. Yeah. It's a big Ben season and it works. I mean, Ben almost becomes like, he's like a, a like main a, lead character. I would yeah, say this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty up there. I mean, um, he's, you've got like Jack Sawyer, Locke, Kate, Ben. I feel like his, those are all kind of like, you know, he's the, he's the chief antagonist. So he occupies that role. I feel like he kind of like uh, demotes Kate to be under him. Burn Kate. I mean, like the last few episodes of this season alone, like Kate's screen time is a lot less. Yeah, I mean, she's in it more early, but I mean, Juliet, you know, just because it's Hollywood and you can only have like one woman at a time doing stuff like like Juliet kind of steals some of Kate's like what she would be up to, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get the one episode together where they're like chained together and dirty. On the run. Yeah, Left Behind. I actually, I watched that even though that wasn't on our list. That's a fun episode. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have like an opening statement for us? Um, I don't know, man. Like, it's hard to say with season three. Like, it definitely, it almost feels like a different show because the mystery is still there, but it definitely takes on, on new facets of this history of the Dharma initiative and the way it expands uh, and all these new characters. I remember just being, I don't know, just really enjoying the season watching it the first time, but like kind of having that feeling like the, the frog being lowered into the water that like, I don't really realize it, but like the show is just changing so drastically around me. Um, And I enjoyed it quite, quite strongly. Um, Even the, even the parts that, that don't work. What about you? Uh, let me take a look. Apologies for my long opening statement. I didn't have time to write a shorter one. Uh, it's hard to pick a favorite season of Lost, but I feel like the second half of season three, that's just got some bangers in it. Um, this is where the writers, I believe they finally got ABC to agree to an end date after the first, you know, pod of the season. Uh, so they started moving the plot along. Like the first seven episodes, they're enjoyable, but it really does kind of feel like wheel spinning some of the time. Uh, Jack is even more insane than, than ever in his first flashback. Just an absolute mess, which probably helps hide the flash forward at the end of the mm-hmm. season. Um, mm-hmm. 
one problem with the early episodes may be that none of the others are as interesting as Ju- the others quote, you know, the others. Uh, they're not as interesting as like Juliet Ben and Richard Alpair. So it's like there's like random like there's Tom Friendly and like what's the guy's name? Like like Danny or something. Yeah. And um the the chick with the, the red hair. Yeah, yeah. There's just like other others who are just blah. And so like when when the, the main ones aren't around it, Richard Alpair really doesn't start popping up till later in season two, I think. Um I'm moving into the second half of the season. Expose, just a delight. It's like a dessert treat for fans of the show. And then it's just, <laughs> Some. yeah, well, I don't want to say true fans. I'm not going to gatekeep Most like that, but a polarizing episode. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if you, if you like lost, why you wouldn't like that episode. I don't really understand that personally. Um, mm. But yeah, after expose, it's just all killer. No filler right to the end through the looking glass, legendary episode of television it might be the first time a flash forward twist had ever been done. And not only is it amazing, amazing just as a conceit, but it's so integral and compelling to the plot and to the characters, like to realize that they got off the island, but somehow everything has gone wrong. It's so fucking engrossing. Uh, completely blew my mind the first time I saw it. And then you got poor Charlie. Best death, best, best death scene on the show, I would say. And I feel bad for people who liked Charlie because I never did, but I thought the power of the show to take the character who's like one of my least favorites and give him such an emotive and interesting and poignant death scene and just mm-hmm. death arc. Um, Cause I honestly think spoiler for later thoughts, like when he's being tortured by those two babes underwater, like mm-hmm. that's his best scene. And not just in the <laughs> show that is Dominic Monaghan's best scene in his entire career. Does that include like uh, his relationship with Evangeline Lilly? Well, I mean, is that a scene in his career? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Just closing my opening statement here. It's really funny because I remember when the season was airing originally, the, the show Heroes that was having its first season. And there's all this kind of hubbub in like the TV world about like, oh, Heroes, like this is the new king. You know, Lost is like on its way out. You know, they don't know what they're doing because those first episodes were, weren't great. You know, and it's like everyone's like, oh, Heroes is the best. Heroes is going to show Lost how it's done. And I have not to like drag on the mystery. And then, like, the finales aired, like, one week after the other. Heroes went first, and it was just, like, a wet fart. Like, it was, like, a totally blah finale. And then Lost just, like, delivers an all-time classic. And I feel like that completely annihilated Heroes as a show. It's like nobody ever talked about that show the same way again. No. End statement. Hail to the King, baby. And I, I, I don't think there's a show on its own, you know, not tied into some other larger universe, whatever that got so fucking dense so fast. I mean, like halfway through season three, you could print a big fat, like lost encyclopedia. Well, and the fun thing about lost is track that of everything. not only is it incredibly dense, but the, the process of watching the show got really in, entertaining and, and intellectually stimulating. Like you'd see like Sawyer's reading, um, watership down. And it's like, okay, now everyone has to go read that book to try to figure out like if that is going to play into the show in some way. Like, you know, like you'd you'd be interested in like, oh, this character's named after a philosopher. I'm going to go read up on like who that is, you know. Mm -hmm. So like even though a lot of that stuff may not ultimately have like impacted the plot that much, it was like, I don't know, very intellectually stimulating to be a fan of Lost then and kind of week to week get up on all the interesting references. Well, and just the, they didn't have to work that hard to get you to jump 
and, and theorize uh-huh. and get excited about connections. Like Juliet's going to go work for a company that's outside of Portland. And you're like, oh, shit. And then later you see that Ben is born outside of Portland. And you're like, oh, shit. You know, and it's like it has nothing to do with anything. No. <laughs> or, or the relationship of the others to Canada. Which, spoiler, Canada's a place that like none of the others go to, but they keep constantly referencing Canada. <laughs> yeah, they do in uh, the finale. Well, and, and Ethan Rom is supposedly from Canada. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, and it was just, you didn't have to work that hard to be like excited. And, but at the same time, like I said, intellectually stimulating, but always keeping characters like emotional experience at the forefront. Yeah, the, the character work in the show especially in this season. It's so fucking good in those last few episodes. I mean, when we talk about the finale, everybody talks about, you know, the two big moments and not Penny's boat and the flash forward, but like the whole episode is fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're just like For doing, doing character work left and right, like bringing these arcs home and, you know, tying up things. It's, it's fantastic. Well, I mean, and like you, you should be really upset at Bernard at one point, but you're not cause you totally get it. Yeah. Um, hey man, he didn't miss a shot anyway. We don't yeah. want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, but yeah, like obviously lots of spoilers here. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, this is a show where it's better not to be spoiled. I still think there's plenty to enjoy, even if you've like heard some of this stuff, though, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I have a lot of top moments. I kind of cheated. I went and did like three for each episode. That's all right. Because I feel like a lot of these, there's like such obvious top moments that like it would be boring if we just said like not Penny's boat, you know, like you gotta, you gotta do more than that. So let's. Some of the episodes I have more than one and more than just the obvious, but not, not every episode. Um, well, I take that back. I, I definitely, I, I could, I don't know. I could come up with one. But anyway, so we'll start with, <laughs> we're going to do them episode by episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Jack and Juliet episode basically jack kate and sawyer are going to go home with the others um what's your top moments i have two okay i have three um let me let me say the one that i don't think is on your list okay uh this is towards the end after jack has been bailed out of jail by his uh soon-to-be ex-wife Oh yeah, yeah, and she has a couple just great lines uh, where she he's like, "Is that him?" Because he's been obsessed this whole time, like who the new guy she's seen is, and she says, "It doesn't matter who he is; it matters who you are not." Mm-hmm. Which is like, just kick Jack right in the balls. It's great. He needed that. Uh, well, in the way it plays against what Juliet's just told him in the present, mm-hmm. and the fact that Juliet is solely there because she looks, she looks <laughs> like, like his Sarah. ex, yeah. And then she kind of follows it up with uh, she talks about how uh, when Jack's father called her, uh, he was like, you know, blind drunk. I could barely talk. And she says, look on the bright side. Now he has something to fix. Yeah. Which is so like cuts to the core of Jack's character. Um, I mean, we kind of follow up with that in the finale. You know, he always has to be fixing something, even though he's a complete disaster of a person otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to cheat and almost say all the Jack flashbacks because I don't think people talk about the Jack flashbacks in this episode, but they're 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 rough for Jack. I, I think this is some of Christian Shepard's best stuff, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't have it on here, but I really want to put the uh, trip, the double or the AA scene. Oh, yeah, that scene's fucking brutal, man. <laughs> 
Um, but like my number two would probably just be the intro scene where we see like yeah. our, our triumvirate, like in this new, new arenas and our villains are like an utter domesticity or I'm sorry, not the, intro, not that scene. Um, not the intro the lost yeah. village. Yeah. Yeah. Or others village, the book club, Juliet. I mean, Juliet has such a great character intro. Tell I me, mean, tell me you don't love Elizabeth Mitchell. Oh, I absolutely love her. I was actually just listening to the commentary. Um, yeah. It's her and Lindelof. It's pretty funny, but yeah, the the downtown. I mean, they had to they had to top themselves with the hatch, you know, reveal mm-hmm. of season two premiere, and so we get her listening to downtown. Uh, she's like making muffins and she burns them, and it's like it's this whole kind of quick montage of what would appear to be the kind of you know quiet desperation of a housewife is kind of the vibe they're getting, mm-hmm. you know, like somebody comes to the door and oh she burnt her hand and. You know, it's bad day for, for Juliet here, even though we don't know her name yet, you know, and then it's like a book club and this guy's like, I mean, this is a very meta moment where he's like knocking. We don't know what book it is, but it's a Stephen King book. And it's like, it's, there's no metaphor. It's all science fiction, you know, mm-hmm. and she's telling Which, this guy off. It's bullshit. Cause he's a guy. So it's like, obviously he wouldn't get it. Yeah. I mean, in Carrie, there's some pretty, this metaphor. oh, is it Carrie? Okay. Yeah. It's Carrie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's no metaphor. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to dive into this scene more as we get through the episode because I have a lot of questions. But just the fact that you get this great experiential introduction to this character. And then you see the plane crash. Well, but then you turn her into the mystery woman, uh-huh. you know, 10 minutes later. is so fascinating to me. But yeah, you see the fucking plane crash. And just the way Ben snaps to immediately like uh, Ethan Goodwin. Your survivors, like, you know, blend in. I want, I want this lists. in three days. <laughs> yeah. And they just take off running. Well, um, seeing the plane come apart in the air like that, I mean, nowadays the effect doesn't look that great, but at the time it was like, holy shit. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's also my uh, top moment there. I have one other kind of minor moment. I don't know. What's your number one? Um, It's... it's Particularly, I, I want to cheat and say both the uh, um, the water coming through the door, but also just Jack finally asking if Sarah's happy, mm, okay. and then like breaking down. Um, just great, underrated work by Matthew Fox, who is just a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is when Juliet finally punches Jack out. I found that very satisfying, just because yeah. Jack is so insufferable in this episode. Yeah. Uh, just like her, like she, like you know, he. I think he saves her. Actually, is like how that goes down, and they they manage to shut the door so they don't drown. And then she's just like, "Bam, you fucking which, asshole." Which is wild because Jack is doing the things that you almost should do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. She's calling him out on it, and she's never she never rises to the occasion of Jack. She's always nice. She never like takes the bait with him. Um, she plays him exactly right. And yet he's just like a petulant little child who won't go sit in the corner. Uh (laughs) All right. Well, let's dive into this episode. I mean, you said you had some other thoughts on the intro here. Yeah. So we open with Juliet's eye. We get the classic lost thing where she puts on the record. Like you said, Oh, this is, Um, this is a character we've never seen before. It's just like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 30 seconds of this episode, you have to not just love Juliet, but stand Elizabeth Mitchell forever and ever. Uh, first question. What does this old woman do in the others? Good question. Yeah. Yeah. What does she do when she's not attending book clubs? Um, 
Second question, Ethan Rom, is it weird when you know that your plumber is really, really good at abducting girls? <laughs> I love the way Ethan Rom just keeps coming back. Yeah. I think they were actually in the commentary. Lindelof was joking about that. They were like, that character died so early in the show, but he just keeps popping up over and over again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got Tom Cruise's cousin. You might as well use him. Um, no one else is. <laughs> um, then the book club. The book club is such a talk about a fucking luxury in society. Just to like read a book and meet and talk about how how we all experience it and what it means to us. Are you then saying it's a guy, luxury because people don't read or because of coronavirus? Both. But just in general, the fact that like you you can stop your life for a moment, just yeah. sit and talk, and, and the art can matter. Uh, then you got this guy Adam, who just fucking loves Ben. Like he is sucking up to him so hard, and Ben's not even there. The dynamic of Ben and the others is fascinating. I'm not sure the show ever fully explored it. Mm-hmm. You know, like how exactly he came to be so hallowed of a figure. Well, it's like this guy and Mikhail will seemingly drink his piss. Yeah. They would absolutely open their mouth and let Ben piss in their <laughs> mouth. And look at Michael Emerson. He looks like the kind of guy. Well, yeah. well, um, but also did Julia just like call everyone and be like, Hey, book clubs two hours earlier today. Cause Ben is reading the book. So he clearly intends to come to the book club, except he's not there. Is he reading the book? He 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 has the book in his hand. I think, or he's no, he's, no, he doesn't uh, have the later, book. Later, later on, when the, the when we find out when she's been sleeping with Goodwin, he's complaining about the book because he's like halfway through it. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, maybe maybe she just like told him not to come or something. I don't know. Or no, he she didn't tell him anything. So yeah, she must have rescheduled it without his knowing or something like that. Just the idea that she just picks up the phone and she's just like, "Hey, everybody." So did, I, Two hours earlier, Ben can't make it. I'm not sure about the behind-the-scenes stuff. Did they build all these houses, or was this like a, a place that they found? I believe this is like a summer camp or something. Okay, because there's like one pine tree right in the middle that's like very incongruous with the rest of the foliage. I mean, they probably dress up certain things. Like later on in season four, when they like fuck up this village, you have to wonder what they're really doing to protect this location. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's literally an action scene of Lost where somebody turns over a picnic table to like deflect bullets. <laughs> Love that scene. That's definitely we're watching that episode, by the way. Whatever, it's like sure. episode nine, I think. I think it's the shape of things to come. That's yeah, with poor R.I.P. Alex in that episode. Yeah, yeah, it's a rough episode. Um, but yeah, I you know I'll allow somebody to shit talk Stephen King. I'm okay with that. But I totally buy that Carrie is Juliet's favorite book. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the way they fucking tease you in this, though, when she's like taking this asshole to task and she says, silly me for thinking that free will still actually exists on this. Boom. And you're like, whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> when you really get the the sense that Ben Linus, whoever the fuck this guy is, he just has so much power and control over these others who are also we've seen them here they are not in their like you know native gear or whatever you know like they're right. like rags and whatnot they're all just like dressed like suburban mm-hmm. just yeah just like mostly white people i think there's like an asian guy in juliet's book club but just mostly just this utter domesticity looking like they're on vacation having their book club ethan apparently is not invited to the book club he's just under the house yeah Fixing the Doing pipes some all plumbing. Yeah. 
Um, I guess Richard's off island at this point. Um, is he? I believe this is, I believe this is when he is taking the footage of the sister at the park. I believe they stroll over there right after Goodwin and Ethan leave. Is that in like her other episode yeah. that I didn't watch? Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then just the the boom, boom, boom of the editing as we pull back from this quaint little village in the middle of the island of the smoke streams and the crash plane in different parts of the island. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> Holy shit. But then you're going to see the rest of this episode. We do not go back to the, uh, you know, the rest of our crew, the rest of the, the oceanic. It's just Jack, Kate and Sawyer. Like we never find out. You know, what's going on with like Hurley and Saeed and the rest of those dudes. Which makes me very curious. Um, yeah, we don't, even, we don't even go back to this village. But like with the others, having not rewatched all of this season for this this chat, like I'm trying to remember what the impetus was for them to be on the move when they're camped out with Locke. Later well, they the they leave um, and left behind. Like all the others leave the this, you know, suburban domicile. It's basically, here. because they've been found, right? Like someone, I think okay. so. Yeah, because um, I also presume that there's like, like the temple people just don't acknowledge Ben. Yeah, that's a whole other like, thing with the temple. Let's like, let's just like hold off on the temple. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, so the two cities of the title refer to the different societies, the survivors of the plane crash and the others. Um, Title-wise, again, it's that thing where we've just made a big deal about our mutual friend and Charles Dickens, and here we have an episode named after another of Dickens' most popular books. And I feel like you're waiting for something to happen. I mean, is I don't know. Is this sacrifice himself for their brother? Is this the worst times? Yeah. yeah. Um. Also, uh, in the previous episode, when Hurley asks where they're taking them, Ben says, your friends are coming home with us, which, of course, is redubbed at the start of this to say you're coming with us huh. to preserve the surprise in this prologue. This is their home. Really? interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Jack, who boy, these flashbacks. Jack is uh, he's being a weird stalker. He's like, like drinking some coffee, getting beeped as he's watching his wife. I guess his wife's a teacher. Is that what's going on there? Yeah. Or his ex-wife, soon to be ex-wife. Yeah. And he's just like watching her like greet dudes and is like, oh, is that the guy she's sleeping with now? Imagine this guy doing surgery on your back right after yeah, this. I know. Seriously. Well, it's and it's to be clear, they're already separated and like about to get divorced. So it's not like mm-hmm. he suspects she's cheating on him or something. It's like it's over right. already. Right. And he's still like being a creepy stalker. Yeah, I, I I don't think you can blame Sarah here. Yeah. She made the right uh, call. If, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a thing, too. I think if you know how a person's going to be after the breakup, yeah, <laughs> that tells you something. Um, well, a lot of these, this episode and really the next seven episodes are all basically how can we, we're just going to like do psychological experiments and torture on our three lead characters. And just like turn the screws on them for a while. That's kind of all that happens, you know. Because <laughs> like they I, just get messed with for a while. And I, I I do enjoy this like little six to seven episode start like mini series from this season. 
It's kind of like Hydra Island itself. It's a little bit off to the side. It's a little elongated. It, yeah. Um, and it feels weird because I want to say that first episode with the other, you know, half of the cast, like, doesn't really do anything exciting is part of the problem. Well, I think there's uh, a little bit of a feeling of the others are too inscrutable. Yeah. Like, they're just constantly, like, being weird. And we never really understand what their motivations are. And even when we find out more about them later, it's like, so why were you doing that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, presumably the the baby thing is just because Ben has some, you know, abandonment issues from his own birth. But essentially, it seems like it's all equating to Ben wants to fuck with this love triangle, like you said. He wants to finally push um, Sawyer and Kate together and make sure Jack sees it to somehow then convince to manipulate Jack further into operating on his back because Ben is a tumor. Yeah. Um, Which is a, that's a real like Batman gambit there, you know? Yeah. Um, although I do love the bit later in that little bit where uh, they stick it to Jack at one point where they're trying to have him work on the one woman and he can't save her. So they just handcuff him to her body for a while. Did you watch all these episodes? Cause I totally don't remember that. No, I didn't. I just, remember. Okay. I've always loved that. I mean, but you have so much of their society that doesn't really equate to anything else. Like the funeral that they go to where they're all dressed in white and like, sending her body off into the water. And it's like, I don't really get, I mean, you're the other's culture, the actual, like almost spiritual side of their culture makes about as much sense to me as like, uh, the iron islands people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the amount yeah. of like, drowning people and bringing them back to life. Um, yeah. So they're going to keep Jack and they, uh, I don't know. Like it's like an like, aquarium. Yeah. Like for the, something where they operate on marine life. Um, and there's, there's a, Great bit there where you know there's like a glass wall that Jack can't quite see, so he walks full on walks it. right into it, starts screaming for Kate. According um, to the commentary, that glass wall actually wasn't there. That's just all Matthew Matthew Fox uh, miming the whole time. Fantastic, yeah, fantastic. Um, meanwhile, Kate will be in a communal shower with Mister Friendly, and he's like, "Wash yourself," and she's like, "I'm not showering in front of you," and he's just like, ha, 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 "You're not my type." Wink. They're, and they're like, "Hey, everyone, we have a gay character on the show." We did it. Which I almost feel like good for a loss. It's it's about as as much as J.J. Abrams ever puts gay characters into his things. Yeah, what was it like? Fifteen years later. Yeah. Progress. Yeah. Um. Well, and they keep Sawyer caged up like an animal. Yeah, Sawyer. Man, those those cages just look gross. Like that's like I don't know. I feel bad for like the Kate Sawyer shippers because like, can you really get into that when they're they're getting down? Just in the muck. But also prior to that, okay, let's say Kate and Sawyer are in those cages for a week. Yeah. They have 100% watch each other shit. Oh, yeah. Well, like, what are they using? Some leaves or something? <sighs> they wish. Yeah. Ooh, that's gross. I mean, that's one line I don't ever want to cross. I'm sniffing another. I don't need to watch them poop. You're not the uh, the type who just like, had the bathroom door open? The bathroom door. Here's the here's the beauty of how. Go on. Ladies can use the restroom. Is I don't have to see excess leaving their body. I mean, like I'll have a conversation through a door. I don't need to be like watching. Okay. I don't need to be making eye contact. Um, I mean, Sawyer already probably stinks. Like adding in the smell of the kind of shits that he's been getting from fish biscuits. Oh yeah, the fish biscuit too. Like you just imagine that smells gross. Yeah. Uh, 
I presume he's just squeezing out those like rough little pebbles that are, kind oh, of, God. you know, yeah. Um, this is, this is, uh, we're taking Toby shitting in a bag to the next level here. Um, all the, all the yeah. Jack stuff in this, this whole episode is just like, we're trying to Stockholm you basically like yeah. here's you, you're captive and we're trying to break you down and get you to behave. And Jack the whole time is like determined to be stubborn and like not give in to whatever they want him to do, which kind of makes sense. Like you've been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. You know, these people are fucking with you. You're going to do your best to like resist it, but it's not the funnest thing in the world to watch. Well, the first duty of the prisoner is to escape. Yeah. And, and she even calls out like, I know it feels like, agreeing to even the smallest thing means like you're giving something up and he's just like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Carl's in the cage across from Sawyer, which I kind of feel like Ben has no respect for Sawyer whatsoever, much like Carl. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's kind of playing out like the Alex and Carl relationship through, through Sawyer and Kate as well. I don't know. Um, Jack stands up on the table, refuses to get off of it. Yeah. And Juliet's just like, really? You're just going to be a baby like that? And he's just like, yes, I am. He's like yanking on the chain. He's yanking his chain. Um, and then there's Jack at the lawyer's office in the flashback. Jack's like showing up to like sign divorce papers, being like, hey, are you sure you want to get divorced? And she's just like, fuck yes. No, he is trying to reconcile. Yeah. He's just like, Sarah, I'm sorry that I brought us to this hey, place. I, uh, I know I haven't said it before, but I'm sorry. Yeah. We good. We good. And then he's cock blocked, if you could call it that, when her maybe new lover calls. She steps away, takes the call, and she giggles. And yeah. Jack is seething. Great. And that's when he goes into his like, I need to know his name. I want to know who he is. I want to know the name of the man who is with my wife. So you're gonna be ex-wife. What are you gonna do with that name, Jack? You fucking psycho. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, there's certain kind of breakups where it's like but you can tell he's he's so fixated. Like he's yeah. just he's set this like new bar. Like I won't be I won't be able to process this until I have this information. Then I'll have like won something, you know. I'm just saying though, like if your significant others ever like left you and then like shortly thereafter or whatever, they end up with somebody else. And it's like your Instagram stalking that person or whatever, like that's a that's a one or a two. Jack's at a nine. Yeah. <laughs> but you're on the same scale. <laughs> Um, Jack doesn't have an Instagram to, you know, stare at while oh, uh, imagine is, Jack's Instagram and he's playing. Oh, Jack. God. Um, yeah. Juliet is just perky, and fresh, and she looks like she smells fantastic. She's incredibly patient and like not rising to the bait, basically. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She's got like this kind of good, kind of inscrutable expression on her face for most of it. It, she really projects a vibe of like, she seems like a good one. I can trust her, you know, like I, I, I kind of want to do what she sells me to do. Like mm. that's the vibe you get from her. Oh, and the way she teases him with the sandwich. Yeah. Like, like she seems so reasonable, cheese. you know, I'll take that grilled cheese over Harley Quinn's egg sandwich any day of the week. Um, Kate, meanwhile, is given a dress to wear. She's escorted by the others to have a meal with Ben under a canopy, like by the water on the beach. What do the average others guards think of this a ben style it's like, i oh, don't know I, i'm not a fan of bond villain things not a fan of all this personally like it just seems well, like we have to force kate into a dress and i don't know it's i feel like there's there's a lot of the implication going on here yeah 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 well you don't know ben's name at this point like you know it's not henry gale 
I think we know uh, it's Ben because the no, opening. Gonna, well, but you don't know that that's that that's Ben. It's not. Been I guess yeah. Spelled out like it's not to the end. Um, but there's definitely like a real like Marion Ravenwood and like Belloc vibe to all of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was like in their minds when they wrote this. Oh, by the way, um, J.J. Abrams, this is his last contribution to Lost as he co-wrote and directed this episode. Did he actually co-write this too? Yeah. Mm. Um, but he's got, you know, little digs at her and she's like, what did you do with Sawyer and Jack? And he's like, why Sawyer? Why'd you say Sawyer first? <laughs> um, and I don't know. He's, he's, again, he's got the Bond villain thing. You know, he's just like, She's like, why am I here? Why am I in a dress? Why are you feeding me breakfast? And he kind of like wipes his mouth and he's just like, I brought you here so you look out the water and feel comfortable. Comfortable that your friends were looking at the same ocean. I gave you the dress you'd feel like a lady. And I wanted you to eat your food of a real life fork and feel civilized. I did all those things so you'd have something nice to hold on to. Because Kate, the next two weeks are going to be very unpleasant. And it's like, ooh. That's just like a meta comment on like the next seven episodes of this show, you know? Yeah, it's like buckle up. This is going to be rough for a while. It's like Ooh. Well, it, it just once upon a time, this little motherfucker looked exactly like a little Harry Potter. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then at a certain point, we get the flashback of Jack. And he's in the office. He's got his wife's phone bill. He's like calling all the numbers and making up a story, trying to figure out if any of these people are him. Pathetic. Oh, quick correction. Uh, JJ Abrams only co-wrote the episode. He did not direct it. Oh, okay. Is it Jack Bender joint? Yeah, it's Jack Bender joint. I don't know if we've talked about Jack Bender enough. On these podcasts yet but uh holy shit jack ben i'm amazed that he never got a movie well he did unfortunately like a real movie. Well, no he was i take that back he was supposed to direct that shitty um jack ryan movie with chris pine and kenneth Branagh. okay um probably the smartest thing he did was pulling out of that i guess i don't know just like fucking david yates graduates from the bbc to like you know a million harry potter movies and poor jack bender just killing it season after season on lost it's nothing Mm -hmm. i mean he really is like the the third leg after lindelof and Q's. um i mean or just even somebody snatching him up for like an hbo show where he can just kind of be the like producing director or whatever Uh um yeah, so you know, even Christian Shepherd has to come in and be like, Jack, this is uh, a little extreme. And then of course the next number Jack dials is his dad's cell phone. <laughs> I love the reaction where it's like Christian doesn't realize at first what's happening here. He's just like, Hello? Oh. <laughs> the look on Christian Shepherd's face. This guy, and I forget the actor's name. The John Terry? Yeah, John Terry has got a kind of magic that almost reminds me of early Peter Hastings, where he makes his face like, well, I'm going to have to deal with this now. Because yeah. <laughs> Jack is just like, why is she calling you? Well, it's like, Jack, uh, you, you seriously think your wife is having an affair with your dad? Well, but the thing is, Jack is so fucked up that, of course, he could he could place this yeah. there. Like, like, that would be the culmination of all of his issues. Um, but Matthew Fox has this great thing where he looks down. He absorbs all of the kinetic energy in the world as he's tired of hearing what he's hearing. And then he just unleashes it back on some like a fireball of his face. Um, I think uh, one of our listeners, I believe it was Heather, uh, said that uh, after Boone, Jack gets crazy eyes and never goes away. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he looks like he just like randomly freeze frame any shot of Jack in any scene in the show. And he always looks insane. He always has these like maniacal eyes. 
I think a lot of people listening to this probably found out about us from a show called Prelo Liars, is my uh-huh. guess. Um, I'll put it this way. I love Jack Shepard like I love Spencer Hastings. And I feel like that should tell you a lot. Yeah, although I feel like Spencer's maybe perhaps a little more... Refined. She can't be more refined. Refined, yeah. but also, I don't know, redeemable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love why... Jack as a character. He's a disaster of a human being. There's a reason why Jack's story ends the way it does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Christian's just like, I think I know a little something about being obsessive. And he's like, no, being a drunk is not obsessive. And Christian's like, huh, you can You can ouch. tell Christian would like to correct him, but he, that, you know, that, that hurt. Um, some fun notes from Jack's office. His name is misspelled on his degree, which is a bummer. How so? Um, like I believe, yeah, I, or something like that. I just remember writing that down. Like his name is misspelled. He's got copies of both the Bible and Prisoner of Azkaban. Really? Oh, Jack's a Harry Potter head. Wow. Yeah. Also, Jack is the kind of confident son of a bitch who does his crossword puzzles in pen. That's exactly Jack. Yeah, because he's a fucking maniac. Um, so with Jack, he theoretically he might not have never got to like Deathly Hallows, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just imagine if like. I'm trying to remember if it's like episode six or seven of this season, and it's like Mac from It's Always Sunny is just like reading Deathly Hallows. I just instead of, of brainwashing Carl, instead of the uh, like Red Sox thing, which I think is in the next episode, like the Red Sox winning the World Series, they're just like, "Hey Jack, guess what? Snape kills Dumbledore." He's just yeah. like goes insane. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah, so so that's the next scene is that one where Juliet brings Jack and the present like this delicious looking grilled cheese with that Dharma initiative bottled water. And I love her little exchange. She's like, what did you do, Jack? What's your profession? And he's like, I'm a repo man. You know, when people don't pay their bills, I go into the bank and I collect their possessions. I'm a people person, so I really love it. And she's like, are you married? And he's like, no, I never saw the point. What about you? What's your job? Making people sandwiches? <laughs> um. I don't want to be like the IMDb trivia level of relevance, but Repo Man is a funny reference just because I believe that was the movie where they were like, fuck product placement. Yeah. Yeah. Everything says beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when she walks out and like takes a bite of that sandwich over her shoulder, God, it's like, it's like, she's just like doing this dance with my heart. Um, yeah. So Carl helps I get out of his cage. They run to the woods to find Juliet. She's so chill. she, tases sawyer it's kind of a meat cute they have like these cool tasers that like they shoot like darts like i don't think they're connected to wires right it's just like a dart yeah. tases you presumably this is what they used in, in the, the last episode, episode. Yeah. yeah yeah uh so mr friendly like drags carl over and makes him apologize for involving him in his breakout fucking carl i mean we're getting a little bit of vibe like who these people are they're weird they uh you get like a vague, like religious vibe, I guess, with the like go apologize for what you did type of thing, you know? Yeah. Like it seems like the type of society that would make somebody do that has like a, I don't know, like a, a credo or like a code mm-hmm. of beliefs. They have daddy daughter dances. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was briefly then worried when we get to the brainwashing sequence. Um, just because there is the one the one slide is like in the PowerPoint presentation. It's just like God loves you like he loved Jacob. And I was like, uh, yeah. oh, no. Oh, they no. They're religious fundamentalists. 
which is would be ironic because again, church services are basically a book club. There you go. I said it. It's Easter. Um, flashback. Jack is in the hospital zoning out while telling a nurse to take out a patient's epidural catheter. I, I can you imagine the hospital staff covering for this maniac? I know. <laughs> How many lawsuits did they dodge with this guy? <laughs> like when she's just like, "Are you sure he's ready to manage his own pain?" And Jack is just like staring off into the hallway. I mean, I suppose there are certain occupations where you'll accept the uh, doesn't play by the rules, but he gets results. But like, I'm not sure if you want your spinal surgeon to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. The problem is Jack Shepard's not Jack Bauer. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, our spinal surgeon. He's he's a little bit of a rock star. He's a uh, rough around the edges. Kind of, uh, you got to be careful with him. But you know, he's he's good. He gets results. Here's what I don't want to hear use to describe my spinal surgeon. He's a maverick. Yeah, <laughs> goes off book. <laughs> oh, he's still in his scrubs when he goes to the AA meeting. Yeah, so nobody manages to make dad. scrubs look more hostile than Jack Shepard. <laughs> so he's seen his dad take a phone call and laugh. And so Jack's just like, what the fuck? So <laughs> just a phone he, call. He has no idea who's calling him, but he's like, he's sure that it's his wife. Yeah. Well, the, the common denominator is that he laughed just like Sarah laughed. Uh-huh. So being the best little cowboy of daddy issues that he is, um, he like follows his dad to a hotel. I love that he they get the valet. <laughs> yeah. They go, he follows his dad down the hallway into the AA meeting. The moderator recognizes Jack, asks them, asks him to join them. And Jack goes the fuck off. I mean, I don't want to like read every quote, but I've got that whole speech. I like wrote down so many quotes in these episodes and I really shouldn't have. (laughs) Um, And then we cut back to present day where Jack has like agreed to go sit in the corner so he can get a sandwich. But then as soon as the Juliet like goes around, which by the way, this is a terrible setup. Like for a mm-hmm. prisoner, but she oh, yeah. kind of like goes around to open this door, and Jack charges the door, grabs her. That sandwich just goes on the floor. Yeah, and they're fighting. I think her her taser slips away, so he's just like choking her out, and it's like, "Get me the fuck out of here!" And mm-hmm. he he wants to open this like door. They're like somewhere, you know, like metal hallway with like doors that have like big wheel locks on them, and she's mm-hmm. just like, "I can't open that, or we're gonna die." I think this is where Ben shows up. Mm-hmm. And he's just and, like, I swear to God, I'll kill her. Yeah. And he's just like, okay. Yeah. And Julia has a look like, fuck you. Well, to be fair, it's only slight. It's like 50% like unfazed. I like call your bluff. It's like 50% like placeholder. Like he's trying to get Jack to listen. Yeah. Um, but Jack is not in a mood to listen. But Julia so, seems, uh, you can see the betrayal on her face. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting as we see more of that relationship play out. I mean, she's basically held hostage by Ben in a lot of ways. The implication is real for her. But yeah, Jack's stubborn as fuck. He opens this door he's not supposed to. Tidal wave of water comes flooding in, which is kind of thematic for Jack's life and the end of the season. (laughs) I guess we can assume it's salt water because he seems to figure out that they're in an aquarium. Yeah, yeah. Um so Ben runs for cover, like leaving Juliet out to drown. Um, and Juliet saves Jack's life, gets him to press the button that we saw earlier. And then, like you said, she punches him in the fucking face because he kind of deserves it. He deserves it completely. Yeah. And I love, though, that she knocks him out cold. That's good. And then punch. she has to, like, hold his head above water. Yeah. Uh, real quick, back to the AA meeting. 
can Christian Shepard ever go back to that AA meeting? Uh, I mean, I feel like if there's ever a place where people would be understanding, it'd be that meeting, you know? Uh, presumably, hopefully. I don't know which step involves your like son knocking you down or tackling you into one of your aspirational <laughs> billboards. Um, yeah, so meanwhile, like in his cage, Sawyer's figured out the mechanism that like gets the fish biscuit, which you gotta like, friendly, like press on this one job. thing and then like you know throw your shoe at another paddle and then press the button. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you press just the button too many times, it like shocks you. Yeah, and Mister Friendly is like, "Good job! It only took the bears like two hours or something." So they uh, they put Kate in the Carl's old cage across from Sawyer. This is still a ways away. Like you're raising your voice to talk to that person. Oh, and also Kate, we see like she's got the handcuffs on, but like her wrists are bloody. And yeah. so it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's this weird like, oh, no, what happened to Kate thing that just I don't care for. I don't know if it's in the commentary, but I know that at some point Lindelof had said that they did those scene on the beach with her and Ben. And a lot of people took it as like an implication of something yeah. much bigger. And they're like, no, really nothing came out of that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, there's like this real tender look on Sawyer's face. Like he's relieved to see her and he's like hurt by how much they've hurt her. Um, which also she's in a dress, which should be driving Sawyer bananas. Um, and he tosses her the fish biscuit in case she's hungry and they have like a little zoo captivity date. I just can't get over how gross this whole setup is. Just like all that mud. Yeah. They're just sitting in shit. Her it's worse. Yeah. Cause she's just in a dress. Yeah. Yeah. And then not, not to be really needed. You don't need to be thinking about that, but it's like, did they give her fresh underwear? Yeah. I think she just uh, has like it, some sort of like sandals on too. She doesn't even have real shoes. Yeah. Well, then like later when they're having your like work on this runway in their <laughs> dress, Ugh. Um, which I mean, again, female others, you would be like, look, I get what we're doing here, but this is kind of uh, guys. I mean, come on. The way we're treating the ladies, this is a, uh, you know, hand wave. Not little, cool. It's a little gross. Yeah. Um, Jack wakes up back in his room. He's like listening to whale songs. Like Juliet's just chill on the other side of the glass. And he like gets, this is for the sharks or the dolphins are underwater. It's one of the Dharma stations. They call it the Hydra. Um, and he's like trying to like get answers like, oh, you're whatever, you're whatever's left of them. And she's like, eh, non-committal answer. Yeah. Jack, non-committal. Um, and she's reading his entire like life story in his this file. How much she knows about him. Um, and then we get the last flashback that I was talking about earlier where Jack gets bailed out and his ex-wife. You bet your ass Jack soon, got arrested. Yeah, soon to be ex-wife tells him what's up and you know, it doesn't matter who it is, it's just that it's not you. Yeah. And then I mean this episode kind of ends weirdly, like Jack just finally agrees to go sit in the corner and then it just ends. And or and then Juliet goes outside and Ben is just like good work Juliet, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I for some reason I thought that the Red Sox thing was in this episode, but it's not. It's not till the next one I think, or maybe even one right. after. Yeah, it's like somewhere in these like first six. Um, yeah. So Sarah's thing is it doesn't matter who he is, it matters who you're not. And then, um, like, what is Juliet? Juliet's is like it doesn't matter like who we were, it matters who we are. Um. Yeah. Anyway. And he asks, yeah, he asks about the wife and she's happy and he kind of breaks down crying. Um, End of episode. I'm going to try to just pick it up a little bit here because it's already an hour. Woo. It's 
this is going to be a long one. Sorry, guys. Um, so this next one, though, I think we're jazzed to talk about. Expose. This was such a fun episode, and people, a lot of people really hated this episode at the time because I feel like they were so dialed into, like, I want answers, I want answers, I want answers every episode. Mm-hmm. And this episode is, it's just like a little treat. Like, it's not an episode where you really learn much at all. Like, the biggest plot development is that, like, Sun finds out that it was Charlie and Sawyer who, like, you know, dragged her into the woods that one time. But otherwise, like, this is, it's the, it's not a bottle episode, but it's as close as you'd get to it, I guess, where it's just not, like, there's not high stakes at all. It's just, like, a little treat. It's, it's a meta murder mystery in the island with, like, sexy Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Um, like this episode on Across the Sea are probably the most polarizing episodes of Lost. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I found it fun. Is Across I mean, the Sea the, the Richard Alper one or the Joker, the Jacob and Man in Black one? I believe it's Jacob and Man in Black one. Are you sure? I thought that was Abiturno. Abiturno is, is the, the Richard Alper. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, the moment you know you're in for it with the across the sea is like when even the babies are given the white blanket and yeah. the black blanket. <laughs> See, I, I was not, I will get there. I was not a big fan of that episode just because I feel like it's better not to explain, you know, the explanation will always be unsatisfying. It's like, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's somewhat similar in the, the end game of this season where they're just trying to throw a nugget to explain to you how the cave works. Yeah. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know that it works. Um, so top moments. I have two. I've got Probably three. the same two as you. Okay. What's your three? Uh, Mr. Lashad was the cover the whole time. Yeah, that's my number two. Razzle Dazzle. <laughs> Razzle Dazzle. Yeah, Billy D. Williams, you're going to guess spot as himself. Yeah. On this show called Expose that's like shooting in Australia. It's great. So we it's should like, say. It's like crime fighting strip club or something. Yeah, supposedly the plan was that there would be two, like, Nikki episodes. This would be the second one. And the first one, her flashbacks would just be scenes from this episode, and you wouldn't find out to the end that it was a TV was show a TV that she show. was in. Okay. Yeah. Well, we should also say, so Nikki and Paolo, this is like a just a wonderful cultural moment when season three first began, and we got back to the others, or not the others, but, you know, the, the rest of the Oceanic 815 crew. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's Saeed, it's Hurley, it's Jin, it's Sun, and then just like Nikki and Paolo are just like walking up, interacting with the cast, like they've been there the whole time. Yeah, which TV shows will do now and then, you know. But it was like it just seemed like a little too egregious on Lost for them to be like. By the way, these characters have been here the whole time. They're just like bringing them forward now, and mm-hmm. like they just keep kept on appearing, and people would be like, "Who the fuck are these people?" You know, and then. uh Takes a shit guy. It got his name. Uh, it's uh, Hector from Westworld. Uh, Rodrigo Santoro. Rodrigo Santoro. Xerxes. Xerxes. Yeah, he would just constantly appear, either like about to go take a shit or coming from the bathroom or like the, talking about the, taking a shit. The one time it's like he needs reading material for, for the, the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and so he got the nickname "Takes a Shit Guy" by the internet, which is a, a fine nickname if I do say so myself. Which is a shame when you're like the Brazilian Tom Cruise and you're like, this is the start of my <laughs> North American takeover. Okay, so that, that brings me to my uh, another top moment here. This is a minor thing. It's when the he's pretending to be a chef for like this like TV director, producer, whoever. And uh, he says he's like the he's describing uh, Paulo and he says he's like the Wolfgang Puck of Brazil. 
which I found hilarious because like everything you heard about this uh, Rodrigo Santoro guy and like the lead up to the season is like, hey, this guy's like the Tom Cruise of Brazil. Like this is a big get, you know, like mm-hmm. you'd hear that like Tom Cruise of Brazil over and over again. And I feel like the Wolfgang Puck of Brazil has to be a reference to that. Yeah. Which is funny only to me because Mira Furlon, who plays Daniel Rousseau, who prior to this was basically like in Babylon 5, was like the like the Meryl Streep of, of Czechoslovakia yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like she's not even French. Yeah. Um, and, and like if you notice, like her accent isn't French at all. Yeah. Well, that's it's just vaguely European. Going along with that moment, the Wolf King Park of Brazil, everything about the show is like a meta like commentary on the show. This episode, I should say, like everything that happens here is kind of like it's for Lost fans, which is weird that some people hated it because like the only people who could truly appreciate an episode like this are like hardcore fans of the show. I feel like I think they hate the ending, though. Why? It's great. It's so dark. I I think that that's what they hate is that the it's this weird netherworld where are our characters blameless because they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) I love the ending. It's so fucking grim. It's so twisted. Well, but to me, this is one of those ideas that if you have it, you have to execute it. I think that's kind of the thing with like J.J. Abrams, like first Star Trek movie is. I feel like I don't think he gave a shit about Star Trek. It's that he had a weird idea for how it could interact with its own timeline. Yeah. And I was like, well, you kind of have to pursue it, man. No one else has done that. Well, so we should say um, just following up on the the Nikki Paolo, who the fuck are these people thing? People hated this vociferously, and I believe it pretty much influenced what eventually happened with Nikki and Paolo. Like the writers sense, like oh, everybody hates these characters. You know, they had that like layoff after the first seven episodes, and so they came up with expose instead as a way to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. But I, I, I like that, though, that they bring back your Boone, your Shannon, your Dr. Arts as a way to, like you said, remind you that there are these characters, these tertiary characters that just float in and out. And they really don't matter, like our main core 20 or what have you. Uh, but yeah, this episode is cold-blooded and I goddamn are you, it. Uh, uh, do you have any more top moments? Oh, I mean, I think our number one is both the ending, right? I'd so, yes, but I also, I just like, this isn't totally a moment, but just... I want to throw in just all the references to past last episodes. You've got arts, mm-hmm. you've got Shannon Boone, Ethan Rom, like all these characters are popping up who like hadn't been on the show sometimes for like a couple seasons. Um, and then just the editing work is pretty incredible. They, they mm-hmm. do an, an like a fantastic job of making you think that Nikki and Paula were in these older scenes. I don't know how they're doing it. If they're just doing like compositing or if they really did go, get like a part of a plane to like film or something like that. Cause like, it really looks like they were there at the plane crash and you know, it's like, Oh, here they are in this other scene where Jack's like doing his live together, die alone speech. And it's, it's almost like a greatest hits of loss that they're just popping up in. The only character they should have also had in here was uh, Neil Frogert. Is that the guy who gets his throat slit? I think or no, that's the other guy. He, he gets a flaming arrow later. Yeah. It's either Scott or Steve. I think who gets uh, their throat yeah. slit. Which Neil Froger, a character we kept hearing about, and then we finally saw Neil Froger. Yeah. <laughs> he dies. Um, yeah, so this episode starts with like a, a like beyond the eyeball, another usual visual motif of Lost, a character frantically running through the jungle. 
Um, so Nikki's running and she's digging. Um, Keely Sanchez was in a movie that I really enjoyed, A Perfect Getaway of Timothy Oliphant, Mila Jovovich. That's right. She was Oliphant's girlfriend, right? Yeah. 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 Um, that's the only other thing I've ever seen her in. And she's great in this. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I'd be curious to know what, what would have transpired if people didn't hate these characters from the get go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, that would be fascinating chapters of a book of just like all the things they wanted to do and time-wise couldn't. Um, yeah, basically we see so, her run out of the forest and then just like collapse in front of uh, Sawyer. Or actually, we don't even get there yet. First, we just see her burying something frantically in the woods and then like cut to this uh, flashback scene, which like it's so ridiculous that it makes sense to the TV show because it's like she's like, a stripper and a white trench coat. And then she's got like this like diamond encrusted bra. It's so alias. Yeah. And then she's like going up to like the manager's office and like, she sees like some sleazy dude in a ponytail with like a briefcase full of cash, like giving money to Mr. Orphanage. Yeah. Oh no, that's money for the orphanage. And then like, she's like razzle dazzle. And then you like, Mr. Lashad shoots her and that's it. He is the pimpiest pimp. Sorry, baby. It's just business. Yeah. And these other two strippers run in and he's just like, oh, it turns out she was working for Cobra. But fear not, he will pay. Like, presumably the other two are the stars of the show. Yeah. Her character's name is Corvette. (laughs) And then that's a wrap for her because she's just a guest star. But it's like seemingly like got her hooks into this executive producer here. It's just this dude's got to be, I don't know, 60 something at least. Howard Zimmerman. He's got like a little bit of a ponytail himself, like gray haired ponytail. This is what I'll look like in five years. Okay. Yeah. And then, then we're cutting back to Sawyer and her. They were playing ping pong on the beach and uh, Nikki well, just like so stumbles out and collapses. This doesn't exist at all, but they are supposedly filming this in a studio right across the harbor from the Sydney Opera House. Sure. Yeah. To let you know nope. it's in Sydney. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. And um, Nikki says something or they think... They're not sure what she's saying. I think at first they're like, did he, did she say power or uh, Paolo lies? No, is it power lines? It's the first thought. Is it power lines first? Yeah. Yeah. Then it's Paolo lies. Yeah. Is the like audience proxy. He's the Andrew. Cause Harley's like, dude, Nikki's dead. And Sawyer's like, who the hell is Nikki? Um, and we get the, the flashback of her and her lover, Howie. Uh, praising the frittata of the new chef Paolo, the Wolfgang Puck of Brazil. They basically poisoned this guy. Um, they're in on it together. Um, how is the kind of guy that hides a diamond bracelet for his lover in a muffin basket? Um, they find a key under his ascot. So basically he's got some diamonds and a Matryoshka doll in his, uh, his like closet. Yeah. Nikki's like, you can see that these two are like a, I don't know, like a couple, but also a crew who've been setting up this job for a while, but there's a lot of tension there because she's like, I wish there was a way that we could have done this without you having to like put the poison in the food that I was eating too, you know? And so she's, she's clearly like the dominant one. She's a little bit verbally abusive to him. He's much more submissive. Yeah. So they find Um, this Matryoshka doll with, I don't think we see that the diamonds are in it yet. They just, they find the doll and they're in the safe and they're like, fuck yeah. Well, classic lost style though. They're carrying around a fucking Matryoshka doll that they're searching for the entire episode. It's like you could not have a more losty MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah. So back on the um, beach, like uh, I think Jen uh, or not Jen, but Sun is showing up and they're kind of and Charlie. And it's like, oh, I wonder what happened here. Oh, no, Jen's there too. Yeah, that's right. 
And this will this will be a reminder throughout the end of the season. Jin does not speak English still. Yeah. Well, and like, like something happens in one episode that's like the next episode. Jin has to say, "Are you ever going to tell me what they said?" Yeah. And uh, Jack is off doing whatever. I think he, he's he's still with the others at this point, if memory serves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we get another flashback. Nikki Powell are the kind of murderers who celebrate their victory by drinking champagne while reading the deceased obituary at the airport. <laughs> Paulo's wearing a Brazil uh, like a soccer j- jacket too. That's nice. Um, Paulo's big thing is that he's like chewing nicotine gum because like, you know, this is his like acquiescence to his, his girlfriend. Shannon is smoking. Shannon and Boone walk up. They're trying to like, Oh, can we sit at your table? It's full. But Shannon's just being a complete terror. And so he's just like, I'm sorry. My sister's horrible. They really portray her like a sniping harpy. Yeah. She's, she's a little over the top here in this. She's just like yelling constantly. And Boone is wearing a crazy wig. I think she Shannon's got a wig on too here because like her hair looks kind of weird. Um, but yeah, Nikki's like, "Promise me we'll never end up like them." And he's like, "I promise." And they kiss. And like narrator, they will. Yeah, <laughs> they will end up exactly like them. Actually, yeah, I believe Shannon and them. Boone buried side by side. Uh huh. Yeah. So flashback to the crash. There's Shannon screaming. Like I said, it's an easy visual callback. Jack's helping Claire. I, Nick's, Nikki's running around through all this looking for Paulo. She's seemingly right next to Locke when he's I like just trying to stop. I don't know how they did these shots. I'm really like, like if this is composited over existing footage, it's really good. Like yeah. there's one shot where it's like that wide shot of the whole like you know plane and fuselage and wing that she's staring at. Like I, I don't know. It might just be the same shot, but just with like her composited in it. I don't know. It's it's very good. And it could just be like unused footage. But like how, though, like they'd still have to put her into it, though, is what I'm saying. I kind of wonder if they just I mean, yeah, they composite her into it. But I just wonder if like while filming the pilot and having a sense of how they wanted the first few episodes to go, if they got picked up, if they just did a lot of like B-roll. But sure, but they, they still wouldn't have had her, which right. is what I'm saying. Like some of this must be composited to put her into it. And it's some of the best work I've seen, in my opinion, because it really looks like she's there with everyone else. Mm. And a yeah, lot of it's of clever it. editing where they only have to do like a few shots of that. And then it could be more like tight close-ups, So, mm. you, you know, you can cheat, but I mean, there's a, there's a shot later in the, the finale of this season where fake water is coming in and then they, you know, do the reverse where it's real water. And it like, you really don't notice. Yeah. It yeah, looks that good. good. But yeah, so she's right there by uh, your boy, Gary Troop. Um, she runs into Dr. Arts. She runs into Boone. Frantically looking for pens. Yeah, look, that's finds, just a great little callback, like Boone asking somebody for pens. Yeah. And then she finds Paula, who's like clearly in shock. And of course, her first question is, where's the bag? And he seems like crushed that she would even ask this. Yeah. And then we cut to, you know, present day or whatever in the jungle where it's like there's Paolo apparently dead. Eyes open, staring up at the sky. It's like her, Hurley, Sawyer and Jen find him. Well, and the pants undone has to be a reference to takes a shit guy. <laughs> yeah, it's just like belt buckles undone, and they're just like, "What's going on here?" Um, so Sawyer stops him from drinking Paolo's water in case it's poison, and Jen wonders, "Monster." Um, flashback seventy five days ago, and Nikki's like, "How many times do I have to tell you there's no such thing as monsters?" <laughs> and Paolo's like, "Well, maybe it was a dinosaur," and she's like, "It's the South Pacific, not Jurassic Park, Paolo." And then Ethan so Rom shows up. 
Yeah, they're trying to find their expose bag, which has the Matryoshka doll. Um, Ethan's creepy as shit. Jack shows up, makes his live together, die alone speech from White Rabbit. Dr. Arts is there. And so are Nikki and Paula. <laughs> I just love the way they keep on like cutting between like the original scene to just like Dr. Arts or Nikki or Paula just like standing around in the flickering firelight. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that stuff is probably easier to duplicate. I thought like yeah, this is yeah. a different angle on Jack doing the speech. So I kind of wonder again if it was just like secondary camera work or I mean they did a really good job overall of just making it seem organic and it it's not like super obvious green screen or anything like that, you know. But yeah, it just it's just weird talking about this episode because it goes in like that 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 pantheon of famous TV shows with, with an episode no one talks about. Like, do you remember the Principal Skinner one on The Simpsons when it's revealed that Principal Skinner is not Principal Skinner? I'm vaguely, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> they basically Don Drapered his life. <laughs> um, so present day Sawyer Harley, Jen drag Paula's body back, laying beside Nikki. There's Here a I lot think. of shots of the like just the camera panning across both their faces as they're like eyes open staring up the sky. Yeah. Um theorizing the monster could have done this after Mr. Echo's death. Sawyer refers to them as jabronis, which I believe is a rock reference from from wrestling. And he calls them Nina and Pablo. And I like it Hurley's just like, dude, come on, show some respect. You know their names. <laughs> Um, and then we're seeing a flashback to Nikki like bouncing up in her bikini, cool. like sweet talking Dr. Arts to like get some infill from him. Hold on. The previous scene though, this show is so like mischievous though, because at one point Sawyer's like, we better get some shovels. And then we immediately just like pan over to the faces of Nikki and Paolo as they hear this. <laughs> <laughs> so I think oh. this is where Nikki finds out about the guns. Is that what's happening? The Medusa spider. Or the Medusa spider, but then like they find out something about the uh, the case They're of guns to, that was found. Yeah, but that's that's another scene of art. Is it okay? There, yeah. This is the one where Nikki has boobs, and those get uh get open all the right doors for her. Well, and, and Paolo is like jealous for some reason. Like she's talking to Doctor Arts. Well, it's funny because the show is using your feelings as an audience member and how much you dislike these characters. And it's like using these characters to also comment on the show. So they'll uh-huh. go out in the jungle. They'll find that seaplane at the drugs that's like up in the trees. Nikki's like, come on, Paula, go up there. And he's like, are you insane? If I go up there, I'm going to fall. <laughs> uh, then they find the hatch to the question mark slash the pearl. And Paula wants to go down there. And she's like, oh, so you won't go up there, but you will go down there? I don't think so. Eyes on the prize. <laughs> um, in the present day, Nikki it's Paolo, like more more detective work in the yeah. present day like checking out like uh their their tent there's like some of dr arts stuff they find the script to expose and we get like the classic uh yeah hurley's a big fan he flips to the end and he's just like mr lashad was the cobra the whole time well it's funny is i want to say i don't know i think it's next season Locke is watching yeah it's, um, at some point expose. he does yeah yeah. Uh, they also find a walkie-talkie in uh, their stuff, which they, like, like others. the others have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, flashback 48 days ago, um, which I feel like is humorous just because of the other 48 days, even though yeah. it's not the same. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Arts and Shannon are giving Kate some shit about the gun. Another, another bad Shannon wig on great, Shannon there. Yeah. Shannon has the comment about Kate and her two boyfriends. <laughs> so now they're going to go like check out that same pond at the waterfall where the guns were found. Um, so Paolo or, or Nikki sends Paolo down. To find Paolo it. has to like um, cliff dive down in there. He can't just swim out. 
Yeah. Uh, we find out that like the what they're looking for is worth eight million dollars. Um, he does find it, but he doesn't tell her. Yeah, he, sa- he says there's nothing there. He finds a bag, but he comes back to the surface and is like, "Oh, it's not here." So she just leaves immediately, and then he goes back down. Yeah. Um, in the present, they're worried about the others. Son was attacked by someone recently, which was like last season, though, right? Uh, I think it's the end of season two. I can't remember. It's when Sora steals the guns, right? Yeah. Yeah, which on this show is still like two weeks earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she thought it was the others. It was like a scam by like like Sawyer and Charlie. So Charlie will eventually tell her um, and she'll slug him. And again, she'll slug him to protect him from Jen. Yeah. Or she'll slug, she'll slug Sawyer. Anyway, uh, 32 days earlier in the flashback, Powell's got his nicotine gum. He's uh, burying his nesting dolls, worried about Nikki finding out when Locke shows up with a torch. He's just like... You should put the shovel away and save yourself some trouble. Well, it's a classic. Like, why is that? Classic lock, lock moment. You know, it's like this kind of mysterious wisdom. Yeah. Things don't stay buried on this island. Also, the beach is eroding. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Burying it like a foot of sand on the beach. Probably not the greatest idea. So, takes a shit guy, goes to hide it in the Pearl Station, um, which is like before anyone else yeah. has gone down there. He's, or, no, that's not true. It's. Um, by this point, they probably have, but it's before the scene earlier this season. I think they've discovered the other hatch by now. They've been inside the other hatch, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because this, they've already seen like the um, the videos, and that's what yeah. Locke has the whole thing. Um, the other thing I think people, Nikki, the reason people hate Nikki is that when they did this scene, which we're going to see coming up earlier in season three, she has some like brilliant idea about like the other monitors, and like Saeed and Locke both have to be like, gee, why didn't we think of that? Yeah. And it's like, I think fans. It's just like forced, for yeah. Well, it's forced, but it's like there's also like a slight like misogynistic hate towards her. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, takes a shit guy. He's gonna hide it in the back of the toilet. And while he's in there, Juliet and Ben show up to like use the cameras here to see what's going on in the hatch, and they're just kind of like you know scheming about uh, like this is when Ben's deciding to go pose as Henry Gale, basically. Yeah. Um, and convince Jack to do the surgery. And he's just like flaunting like his evilness. Like, oh, I'll just manipulate him. <laughs> yeah. And takes uh, a shit guy has no particular interest in this, but he does find the walkie talkie that they like accidentally left there. Yeah. So Hurley comes running over to fan favorite Desmond. Um, this is when Desmond's like having his flashes to save Charlie's life. Um, and Desmond's Desmond- like very like, Oh yeah, I didn't know much about those people. Um, the one, the girl was trying to get a gun from Sawyer. That may or may not be important. I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> well, Sawyer, this morning, you know, right before she died. Yeah. Anywho, yeah, I'm just yeah. a villi- I'm just a villager here in Miss Marple's world. Yeah. Um, Love the shot of uh, Vincent dragging the. Uh, they'd put a blanket over Nicky and Paolo, and Vincent's dragging it off them. Great little hint that they're still alive. Vincent knew. I mean, this episode is built for rewatching yeah. for all the Easter eggs, but especially for them secretly being alive and awake for all of this. Because the other way you could have played it is had like some of the stuff happen at the forefront and you just know like rope uh-huh. the whole time that they are. Like, I think you would you would hate this even more or people would hate this even more if that was the case. I don't know how you know, anyone could hate this episode. I really don't understand it. Um. Because I want to say that there's this idea started with there's a Stephen King story where a guy gets paralyzed and he's about to have a woman perform an autopsy on him. 
Um, and it's like at the last minute she notices that he has an erection or something, something <laughs> like that. And that's how like she eventually realizes he's been poisoned and he's still alive. Anyway, um, Charlie and son are like digging the graves, uh, for Nikki and Paulo and Charlie comes clean about what he did. And she's understandably pretty upset about that. It's basically like, fuck you, man. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm glad we didn't revisit the stuff or like law humiliated Charlie. And I just didn't want to relive any of that. Yeah. Another flashback to when they're headed out to the, uh, the question mark and Nikki's just like, let's go. And so we kind of see, you know, what we've seen before. Uh, I believe that would be the the question mark episode, right? No, this is, this this is like episode two or three of of season three. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. This is their first scene in the show. And people are like, who the fuck are these characters? Yeah. Yeah. So and then we see like, oh, Paolo's like retrieving the diamonds here. Um, and that's why he was in the bathroom. And when he comes out and it flushes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sawyer's supposedly been in the present day. He's been like doing a perimeter sweep, which really is meaningless because his gun that he had. Has, is like got no bullets. He was just basically going to go see because he's he's the better detective out of all them. He saw that, that they must have been digging something. He's found the diamonds. I love that Desmond is here for this. Just like he's not saying much. He's just like kind of quietly judging the whole time. Yeah. Well, he's like uh, like there to just quietly judge Sawyer. But you have to think like- that like like Jack, Kate, you know, Locke, like Saeed. Was this like uh, those actors like needed a break or like, I don't know, they were doing like a, one of those like double shoots or something like that where they shoot two episodes at once because they're barely oh. in this episode at all. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I can't remember if this is before or after. I presume it's after because there's the episode where like the B plot is Hurley's basically tricking Sawyer into like being the That's the next leader. episode. Yeah, that's left okay. behind. Yeah, he's he, he does a con. For a con artist, uh, uh, Sawyer can be conned fairly easily. And yeah, Hurley tricks him into like being a nice guy basically. I almost I would almost argue that like Sawyer doesn't really develop a lot of guile until like later in the show. It's like presumably he coasted as in his con artist career by being it's resting on his laurels, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, like, I could fuck. He had his That's move of it. like, let I'll leave the money with you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll fuck. Yeah. That's, that's how I, that's how I get shit done. Yeah. Um, so he like gives son a little bag of baggie of diamonds. Um, just basically like, Oh, sorry that, you know, I, ran the scam on you he's like because he figured out that like nikki was trying to bury something so he went and found the the diamonds but he's just like all right i'm you know i'm secretly a nice guy so here you go have the diamonds yeah the flashback 12 hours ago paulo joins nikki in the beach she's depressed they missed thanksgiving which was two weeks ago they're gonna miss everything you know he's glad they didn't find the bag maybe it would have torn them apart she kind of agrees he's going to go get them breakfast. And it's like maybe these two will have like a real romance. And then she sees that he dropped his nicotine gum, which had been in the bag. And the um, only way you could have the nicotine gum is if he found his bag with the diamonds. He's been lying to her the whole time. Yeah. So she goes to get the guns from Sawyer, like Desmond said. Um, he is reading Evil Under the Sun by Agatha Christie. Uh, <laughs> he tells her no because she's in too hot of a mood. Meanwhile, Desmond, again, like Miss Marple, is just over there watching all this. Um, and then as Nikki storms off, Sawyer's like, and who the hell are you? <laughs> Sawyer's just speaking for the audience. So we kind of find out what actually happened is that uh, she went and confronted him and like used the Medusa spider to poison him. 
Mm-hmm. And he had he had the uh, diamonds like in his you know, like in his underwear, I guess you know. So that's where the his pants were unbuckled. But because he's cocky, get it? We find we found out from Doctor Arts earlier that like when that spider, I can't remember what it's the air. Yeah, it's something about that spider, like you know when it's you know freed pheromones the pheromones uh, will just dry it. You know, get all the uh, the male spiders to come or something like that. So. After she buried, I don't think she's buried it yet. She's kind of, you know, she's found the diamonds and she's gloating. And then the spider, another spider comes and bites her. And so she like quickly has to bury the, uh, the diamonds and then she stumbles out and collapses, but they're both still alive. And he's trying to like warn her of his eyes. Yeah. Um, nope. Nope. And it is really like they were almost reconciled as a happy couple. Like everything's going to be fine now. But then mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, she found the gum. And then he says before he gets uh, paralyzed, he basically says, like, I only, you know, lied about it because, like, the diamonds were you know, kind of tearing us apart. You know, I thought if he thought that they were gone, that, you know, we we could be a good couple again. <laughs> and she's like, no, you're only sorry because you got caught. Yeah. So she runs out. And she gets found by Sawyer and Hurley. And we find out that it's not Paolo lies, as she tried to say, but paralyzed. paralyzed. Oh, somewhere in here, Sawyer also has a, a kind of a scene with son where he kind of acknowledges his role there. Well, and he's got a great part where he like, she's, she's told him off and he's like, Oh, I thought I was gonna get out of this of nothing. And she like smacks the shit out of him uh-huh. basically. So Jim, you know, won't have to kill him. Um, and then dun, 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 the survivors bury Nikki and Powell alive. Sawyer has to say some words and like pour all the diamonds out on top of them. Because what a good are diamonds going to do on the island, you know? And then they just, they literally fucking bury them alive. And like, you're just, you're waiting for the shoe to drop and it just doesn't. It's so glorious. It's so yep. fucking dark. And, you know, and it's a final Tom Stoppard reference here. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are now dead. Yeah. Uh, it's fucked up. It's twisted. It's wonderful. Uh... I don't know. I feel like if you're a Lost fan and you hated this episode when it aired and you haven't revisited it since, I would... Highly encourage you to watch it again. It's a really fun episode. Like, it's for fans, I feel like, more than anyone else. I feel like, though, what the fans who hate it, and I don't know, I, I don't, I haven't really checked in with them. I feel like it's the ending they don't like. I think, because the show... I never got that impression, personally. Certainly did a lot of this, like, not as cutesy, but, like, references. I mean, the whole show is built on these inserting you back into parts of things you've already seen and, like, giving you another perspective. So really, it's just like a further continuation of that. You know all, I mean? all the criticism I've seen of this episode tends to just f- focus on Nikki and Paolo were dumb. What was the point of them? You know, mm-hmm. which I, I feel like you'd have, have to acknowledge it. Like this is this is like the apology from the writers being like, OK, we're sorry. Please enjoy this uh, fun little meta episode. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So they're they're just buried alive. Lost. Boom. Never to be seen again. Uh. Yeah, I did watch <laughs> Left Behind. That's the one where Kim Dickens shows up. She's in a couple episodes as uh, she was like Sawyer's one of Sawyer's ex- big cons. Yeah, and his baby mama, right? A baby mama. Yeah. How, how do they, do becomes, they pay that off eventually? Uh, yeah. He he. Um, Kate eventually. He's Kate. He whispers something to Kate, and she either visit because she also had the relationship yeah, with yeah. Kim Dickens and she does something with her money I think to set it up for Clementine which is Sawyer's daughter and that's part of like Jack's whole like 
why are you keeping secrets, Kate? <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. I really feel like there is a there is an opportunity there for maybe a little like Kate and uh, Kim Dickens relationship happen there. Well, they have a friendship, which is um, more than Kate's allowed to have of any other woman on the yeah. island. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, because she doesn't want to bring up the Sawyer connection. Either either she's been promised not to, or she doesn't want to hurt Jack by saying she's doing something for Sawyer. It feeds into Jack's usual thing that that the women in his life are lying to him and keeping secrets. And it's like the first nail in Jack yeah. losing his fucking mind off the island. Um, yeah. All right. But also left behind is the incredible moment, if I remember correctly, where Juliet faces down the monster. Behind the uh, sonic fence, yeah. But still. Yeah, she it's, it's down pretty the awesome. Monster. Yeah, It's hot as shit, yeah. Um, yeah, so. The man behind the curtain. 320, man behind the curtain. It's Ben's story, finally. Is it 320 or is it 321? Let's see. Oh, that's 320, sure. that's right. Yeah, this is a this is a Benjamin Lyons episode. This is first episode. This is like the backstory of Ben that yep. we've been waiting for. Do we get more of Ben's backstory? I'm trying to remember. Believe so. Well, also season five has a, a huge chunk of Ben's backstory. Does it? Yes. Remember, Saeed shoots this kid in the chest. <laughs> That's you right. Well, of, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I was thinking of flashback. I was thinking of flashbacks though. I'm trying to think if he has another flashback episode. You 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 definitely get the scene where he kidnaps Alex at one point. So yeah, okay. So he, he must maybe it's shape of things. To, no, there. Yeah, he's yeah, in shape of things to come. Anyway, this is when we re- get the first yeah. kind of reveal of what's going on with Ben because he's been pretty inscrutable up until now. This episode remains inscrutable in a lot of ways, but we start to get a feel for the dynamic of the others and Ben and kind of we see how they react to like him and Locke, you know yeah there's something special well, about you, jacob that is kind of like over ben's head you're getting a little more of like how the power structure is perceived to be with ben and, and jacob and also how just how organization functions and the show is really good about you know uh, ben and jack have this special antagonistic relationship ben and Locke have this special antagonistic relationship um and this is the Locke lock version of it yeah so top moments for the man from behind the curtain i keep wanting to say the man from tallahassee has a different episode the man yeah. behind the curtain um so i have two and it's interesting that if you had asked me i think before like just relying on the memory of this episode uh-huh. they would have been in opposite order okay well, i have three i one of these is just like really just like a little little aperitif so i doubt you have this but uh it's when uh ben says to richard alper you do remember birthdays don't you richard yeah just because uh i mean they really built up for a long time the idea that richard might be immortal mm-hmm. well and as uh, a podcast i just listened to reminded me from one richard alper guest star nestor carbonal uh-huh. uh the mayor of gotham city guest starred on either beverly hills 90210 or melrose place back in the day um, he might be immortal. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't. He doesn't age. He uh, should but yeah. be in more stuff. He's great. Oh, he's fantastic! It's crazy to me how invested in this character I was that you know nothing about. 
Like there were certain characters that would just pop up and just a little bit would go such a fucking long way. Yeah. Like him and uh, Marvin Candle, Pierre Chang. Maybe he can come with us. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, be he's very so, patient. He's so fascinating. I just talk about the strength of an actor because I'm sure they told him fucking nothing about his character and the way he just makes his little moments compelling. He you know? somehow managed to project a, a vibe of this kind of like ethereality, you know, or he's like, he's just like a little bit detached from everything as somebody who is immortal might be, you know? Yeah. Well, and just in this episode, all of his episodes, cause some of the scenes he plays, he's got the mystery. He's got the knowledge. He knows yeah. the thing. Right. And some of them when even he's surprised, like when they are actually bringing Juliet to the Island, and he's explaining to her, like, oh, there's, like, a sedative in your juice. And she just, like, guns the thing. Uh-huh. And he's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly in Portland. Because yeah. she's, she's just so gung-ho to get the fuck away from her life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's your number two? I feel like we have the same one and two. I'd be shocked if we don't. So meeting Jacob is going to be one of them, you know. it's That's my number two now. It's Help the cabin. me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, fucking that, freeze frame that episode. Oh, or my that God, part tell of the me episode. about it. Tell me about it. And also, at the time, quite frankly, it scared me a little. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. It was spooky, the, the, yeah. The ring of ash and everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just the weird little details that seem menacing. Like, even, like, the picture of the dog seems unsettling to me. <laughs> the weird jars of liquids by the window. The jars of liquid uh, are always gross, yeah. And it's funny to me because now I'm watching it. This scene is so Scooby-Doo. And it's so like watching it now. It's like, I'm just like, get on with it. Like get to the fucking point here. Like this is, it's so clearly like, we're just going to like do some, you know, woo woo. Oh, it's a scary. So we don't have to get to Jacob yet. You know? Well, I just kept thinking you had like a day's hike, Ben, and this is what you came up with. Yeah. Uh, my number one, though, has to be when, yeah, the scene of his dad, but when Ben walks back in the Dharma village after the purge. I feel like there's just like like a 10-minute stretch there, right? Yeah. The yeah. purge and then the follow-up, because my, I, mine's more like the follow-up at the mass grave after the purge, where he's just like, this is where I come from, John. These mm-hmm. are my people, the Dharma initiative. Mm-hmm. Well, and just... His line, the relish of, and I was smart enough to not end up in that pit. Smarter than you. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that fucking floored me watching it um, the first time. Because mm. I just thought, shit, Locke's dead. I mean, in a way, this is the beginning of the end for Locke. He just takes L's from here on out, pretty much. Yeah. The, I mean, we'll get to it, but like. Yeah. My favorite lock moment after this is when he meets little baby Charles Widmore. Oh, is that in the flashes for your eyes or not? Not flash, uh, but when they're, when they're time skipping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the guy's just like, Oh, I'm Charles Widmore. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, what's it to you? And locks just kind of smiles. He's like, nothing. Nice <laughs> to meet you. You little cunt. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So, all that. Um, I, I, but speaking of your moment there, the shot of uh, Horace Goodspeed, it's almost peaceful, you know, as he's dead on the bench there with his like his research next to him. Even though Doug Hutchinson's a fucking creep. Yeah. Well, he's like died watching this volleyball game, which 
now I'm like, Ugh, yeah, seriously, gross. Also, it's just funny to me. There's something even creepier about the fact that he's he has another wife on the island. Like later, does he? Like, yeah, yeah. Like he has the chick. From yeah, 24. Samantha Mathis. Yeah, and then he has the chick from Twenty Four later, and it's like, what happened to Samantha mm. Mathis? What did you do to her? Did you feed her to your tiger? You creep. Um, yeah. So this is um, okay, Carrie Preston, Michael Emerson's uh, real life wife. Giving yeah. birth to him at the beginning of this episode. She also plays his ex on Person of Interest, right? Yeah, I mean, not, I don't, ex, I don't know if I'd call her an ex. It's, it's, I don't know. Because it's, he like faked it, his death, but you know, it's not like mean, they like, broke up. Well, hey. Some of <laughs> Sometimes us that, that's okay? the same thing, yeah. Some of us just do that. It's it's better than having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, this is like we're right after when Ben's been in a wheelchair. Ben is told Lockley he's a mole. I'm sorry, I'm doing the quick previously on yeah. Lost thing. Which is Survivor is pregnant. Locke is told Sawyer when he got Sawyer to kill his father for him, who's the original Tom Sawyer who ruined James Ford's life. Um, yeah, and then and then we see Ben being born in, in seemingly the jungle in a uh, in a tropicalia that is not going to be found in the state of Oregon. <laughs> Doesn't look a whole lot like uh, Willamette Valley there now. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're like, then, you know, um, the guy, I can't remember this actor's name, but he used to be in The Pretender as well. Uh, he always plays either like dunces or assholes. Yeah, he seems like I, a real scumbag. Like, why oh, Why did Carrie Preston ever marry this dude? Seriously. Well, it's like, I'm re-watching this, and for half of it, I'm kind of like, yeah, I could see where Roger would end up like this. And then I'm like, you know what? Fuck Roger. Yeah fuck him hard um hey roger you want to be more than a work man maybe show a little initiative seriously what i don't get though is how how ben grew up to be just a work man yeah seriously do they not like i don't know do some standardized testing with him or something i mean i don't think ben could fake his standardized testing to like fail that hard uh-huh. uh anyway so that he drags his wife who's just given birth to the baby and she's not feeling well to the side of the road um samantha mass and doug hutchinson pull over She's wonderful. He's the creep on the X-Files and when it got worse in real life. They are in a car that, uh, according to Lostpedia, is like uh, uh, anachronistic. It wouldn't be made for another four years. Yeah. And then uh, the wife dies. Carrie Preston dies after giving birth. Her last words are, Colin Benjamin. (laughs) So this is when... Horace and his wife are like, ah, geez, this is awkward. Uh, listen, man, you're not going to get a lot of like blood and placenta on my back seat, are you, man? It is funny. They they look very unhippie-ish here, you know. Like yeah. he's got yeah. like short hair. I mean, she's got her like her hair in like a I don't know, like a handkerchief or something. Yeah. Well, like I'm trying to remember, are the good speeds? I don't think they're brought up at all in the orientation video of like Alvar Hanso and the other guy. The, it's like the University of Michigan. Yeah, the DeGroots. Yeah, I can't remember when the good speeds are first mentioned, but somewhere around that. It seems here. No, I think they I think they've been mentioned already by this point. Okay. Well, it's funny because we'll find out later that that it's uh it is Horace's cabin. Is it? Okay. Right? Yeah, like like later Locke will see like a memory loop of Horace building this cabin. That's like right, his, yeah. His yeah. retirement home. Um yeah, so now Ben's reflecting on the fact that it's his birthday, they're in like a tent. Um I want to get into in a minute the logistics of the others moving camp. It seems like a lot of work. Not only do they pack up the tents and everything, they've got furniture. 
They've got bottles of whiskey. They've got glasses. I mean, the Romans moved every day, so maybe they've just got it down to a routine. It's the furniture that gets me. Like, mm-hmm. does that table fold up, or like two guys just like carrying a table? A lot of a lot of this looks like camp furniture. It looks like stuff that folds yeah. up. So, okay. So yeah, it's Ben's birthday. Richard Alper shows up, and this is the moment you're talking about, where he's just like, "You remember birthdays, don't you, Richard?" Which is either a Richard doesn't care about birthdays because he's immortal or B he doesn't care about Ben. I mean, yeah. imagine this workplace sitcom on oh, Richard Alper always has like just the slightest hint of eyeliner and like these kind of like button up shirts that just look a little too slick. Like they're perfectly tailored. Yeah. Cause the man's in incredible good shape. I mean, like is that like season five when he walks in to the uh, Dharma camp with the, uh, the torch and like puts it down on the ground. Like it tingles a little bit, right? It oh, moved. Yeah. He, um, I don't know if there's this one shot where it's like him standing kind of like him and Tom friendly or flanking Ben. I don't know if Michael Emerson's tall or if it's just like a perspective thing because they're behind him. Cause Richard Alper looks super short. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Mr. Carbono is a very good looking man. You don't need to put him next to Tom friendly. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine with it. No, Destry Carbonell's 5'11. Carbonell's 5'11, so maybe it's just the angle. Well, we don't need this uh <laughs> this stark display of contrast. So they, they made camp. Um Ben's on his way to talk to Tom Friendly, like about I think the uh the tape cassette for Juliet when like Locke struts in of his dad's dead body over his shoulder. Well, Michael Emerson um, is 5'8, so that's some real force perspective there. Hmm. Uh, reminiscent of when he brought the boar back to the camp in season one. Also, it's a little bit Errol Flynn as Robin Hood bringing in the deer. But I tell you what, man, I don't want to drag a dead body on my shoulders. Also, like that dude is pretty big. Like original yeah. Sawyer is a big guy. Well, I know I brought this up in a Roadhouse episode, but I feel like Kevin Tighe, like whole career was leading up to playing Locke's dad. Six yeah. one, by the way, Kevin Tighe. There you go. I like that you have this website up. <laughs> it's like in case uh, people ever left the uh, like movie stars feet website. Just how tall uh, they are. I feel like the poster boy of that movement, of that curiosity is Tom Cruise. Is that right? Oh, I wonder what I'm going to get if I look up Tom Cruise here. What do you think? I'm going to guess five. I'm going to guess that he's listed as five eight. I think he's really like five six. Let's I think it's probably 5'4". Oh, it's got him at 5'7". Okay. So he's not too not too arrogant. Yeah. Um, does you have it up? Actually, how tall was Alan Ladd? Because I always loved that Alan Ladd had to stand on boxes in his movies. Alan Ladd is 5'6". Okay. Uh, wow. Still okay. taller than me, motherfucker. <laughs> he's also Alan Ladd. Um, anyway... Locke has been told by Ben that if he killed his dad, he'll like learn all the secrets of the island he's here to collect. I mean, do the other others just think, yeah, that's how it works? I guess the implication is that there's some sort of vibe that everyone else has, that there's something special about Locke. And so people like, I don't know, they they give Locke a lot of leeway among the others here. You know, they they seem to think he's important for some reason. I get that you joined this group because you believe in something special. What the the potential for revolution that I eventually see is that you would eventually learn, hey, we're not all being graded on the same scale. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: like, what 
if you had to like summarize it, what is the goal? What is the motivation of the others? What are they doing? I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, he's clearly got them doing some kind of either scientific research or he's maintaining the scientific research left over by the Dharma initiative. I, I think my, my vague impression, my vague impression is they're, they're trying to solve the baby issue that like babies can't be born on the Island. So like, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of like not the main goal, but like, that's a big concern of theirs. I right. think that they, they exist in general as like protectors of the Island. I think that's their theoretical mandate is that there's this entity on the Island, Jacob, who has like ordained them, the protectors of the Island. And they like recruit, people because they can't have babies yeah i I feel like even in this episode it probably wasn't totally clear to the writers which makes a lot of what the others do seem sort of inscrutable or just sort of like bullshit you know it's just like you're doing it just to fuck with people type of thing yeah i mean seemingly it's the whim of ben yeah ben ben has somehow got himself in charge and speaks for jacob to them Somehow he like I don't know he like prudes himself in somewhere that he like speaks for Jacob, and because of that they trust him. I need to as we go through this be refreshed on. I remember a lot of the big dramatic moments of when he usurps Charles Widmore in like season five. Yeah, yeah, but I don't remember quite how he does it because I mean, meanwhile, you've got Richard Alpere. Richard Alper is like, I don't know, like permanent, like XO or something, you know, he's, he's never the one who will be in charge. He's always there as like the assistant or something. Yeah. He's like the primary consigliere, but like, it's not clear to me. And it's my previous thought that it was this, and I don't think it is where that he would actually go to Jacob and come back to Ben and give him Jacob's wishes. But then it's like, then what does Ben just order Richard to go do his own version of that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, Cause seemingly Richard's the only one who actually knows where, where Jacob's housed. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, a lot of this is I, I, I suspect that they just didn't have it clear at the time, which is why it seems inconsistent, you know? Yeah. So they're in Ben's tent. Ben's pouring them the glasses of whiskey and Ben's just like, look, man, even I have a boss. And Locke is like, I would like to speak to your manager. <laughs> Uh, he tells him about it's like, look, man, I, I know I said I tell you everything, but we got like three more seasons of this show, so I'm gonna have to drag it out. Just cool your fucking jets, man. Can you just cool your fucking jets? Yeah. Uh, but he tells him about Jacob. Locke immediately calls a bullshit on this notion that only Ben can see or talk to Jacob. He says, I think your people are idiots if they believe you take orders from anyone. Um, we get, you know, of course. Another Wizard of Oz reference here of the man behind the curtain. Yeah. I mean, um, would you say that this is Locke's, I don't know, like period of uh, like his, 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 he's lost his faith here. He's kind of been going through this for like a, a season or so now, like a over, little over a season, you know? Yes and no. I mean, because Locke is on a high when he blows up the submarine. Like he really thinks he's he's on it. Yeah. You know? And so it's like the stuff of his dad and the the man from Tallahassee and all that shit. I think that's fucked him. I guess it's just kind of. I guess it's more like he keeps on being disappointed with like new people he meets that he thinks are going to like solve his, you know, like not solve his problem, but like kind of help him achieve his enlightenment. You know, he thought that the others like were the real shit. And now he's like, oh, this guy, he's like bullshitting everyone. 
which is fair because honestly your heroes are just people who are you know mm -hmm. faking it until they get there or whatever i don't i don't want to actually say fake until they're making it but i did um it's funny to me though. I, I I wanted to actually mention this last week with "Live Together, Die Alone." When Michael's given his list to snatch up certain people, he does snatch up Dorothy, the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man, and the Scarecrow. <laughs> uh, so flashback, we get our little Harry Potter motherfucker of Ben Linus Jr. Our little Ben Linus. You see, like the Dharma Initiative in all its glory here. See the Ben lied about being born on the island. Is this the very beginning of the Dharma Initiative? I don't know where we are in the timetable. Well, I mean, I would think that they're. I mean, there's already buildings there and stuff. Yeah. So. But it's wild how much this episode sets up season five. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. We get season another. Five, like two seasons. Another video of Dr. Marvin Candle there. I can't remember if he uses his name in this video or not. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Um, but Doug Hutcherson is horse good speed is like full native hippie. I mean, they're handing out like lays. They're doing the namaste, namaste. thing. He's like constantly touching ben linus like rubbing his shoulders in that kind of like joe biden way <laughs> um he's oh the the orientation video of dr pierre chang he's warning them of the value of the sonar fence that keeps out islands local wildlife which to be fair roger's like what fucking wildlife <laughs> roger just needs to calm the fuck down man you arrived here in a submarine it's gonna be a little weird you know what i'm saying <laughs> Yeah, you're you're a janitor in Shangri-La. There's worse things, man. Um, Every, Annie, who's everyone's constantly getting uh, the like little hypo spray injections. Yeah, yeah. We meet Annie, who like I think there were like a million theories about Annie. I don't think any of them went anywhere. You know, Roger's an anti-vaxer, right? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, Annie gives him an Apollo bar. Uh, we never really find out what happens to her. I want to say it's inferred. That part of the reason Ben fixate on fixates on Juliet is that she looks like grown up Annie. Either that or she looks like like Ben's mom. I mean, she's got dark hair, so Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, your hair can change. I usually it goes from blonde to dark, not the other way. Like I don't know if but you've seen don't... pictures of me when I was a kid. I used to have like platinum blonde hair. Like it, it goes the other way. Mm, mm. Your hair's been a lot of different colors though. Yeah. So have your stripes. Um, yeah, but we don't know what actually what happens to Annie. I don't think we ever actually see her again. No, no, like I said, a lot, lots of theorizing, but I don't believe it's ever concretely followed up on. Like, I don't even think she's in season five, but I could be wrong. I don't think so, no. Yeah. Um, so now Sawyer's gone back to camp. He tells Saeed about Juliet. Um, at the other's camp, Mikhail comes running in. Mikhail just Mikhail. runs in. <laughs> He's frantic about Naomi. Unkillable He's Mikhail. Yeah, he's lucky to be alive because the sonar pylons weren't sent to lethal. Um, he's shocked to see Locke there since Locke's the one who threw him into the fence. And Locke just like shits on Ben's game in front of everyone. It's, he's like, sorry, Mikhail, Ben can't do your fucking thing because he's going to do my fucking thing and see Jacob. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, what? Yeah, he's putting Jacob's name out there for everyone to hear. Well, but and it's, this is like a challenge to Ben's leadership here. Yeah, Mikhail's clear really a true believer because he turns up at one point and he's like since when do you explain yourself to him so mikhail's protesting some more so Locke just beats the shit out of him <laughs> and like like ben is like wants people to stop it and then like everyone else is just like no we're gonna watch because i don't know if you if jacob's name leaves your your lips you're important somehow so well, it reminded me of the the scene we watched last week where uh saeed's like no no 
this is between them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like primal law we have to work out. Yeah. Um, so Ben has to do this. He has to take the lock because he's been called out and he can't think of a story apparently. So I love as they're filling up their canteens at like a pond or whatever, like Alex shows up and she's like, Lock, I hear you're going to see Jacob. You're going to need this. And she just hands him a gun and stick it to her dad. And then she turns, stops. Oh, and happy birthday, dad. And Ben is looking at her like, what the fucking fuck? <laughs> they have a lot of fun moments here. This uh, non-father's daughter duo. Yeah. Uh, so this, this next scene should be on my, one of my top moments too. Dharma school flashback. Well, just the vision of Samantha Mathis and her like Dharma jumpsuit, like getting a, like a shotgun out and being like the hostels are here. Everybody lock the doors. Yeah. Yeah. They're like doing like a volcano thing. And then like, yeah, like, like Annie's like chaining up the doors. Um, I love the kids. Like they know the drill. Um, and like little Ben is like the fuck. And he's even like, don't worry, Ben, it's just a hostile incursion. And this is, I think also what prompted everyone to expect like a volcano reveal at some point on the Island. Yeah. Like yeah. that was going to be the, the big end of the show would be a volcano. Like Jack's going to throw a bomb into a volcano. Yeah. Well, he kind of does, but it's a volcano made of time. Yeah, um, this, this rifle she has is like the Oswald rifle or something where you got to like, kind of like do that little hand crank to like chamber around. Nice. Hey, she looks good doing it. Man, Samantha Mavis had a weird career. Like, it's like a non-career. She's an American president. She's in that movie with Christian Slater and uh, Travolta. Yeah, I was going to say, she's in uh, Broken Arrow. Um, So later that night, Horace has come to visit Roger, who's at home, and he's a loud drunk. Ben's watching. He's he's a creepy kid who also has a rabbit, like a white rabbit with him. Yeah, yeah. Ben is, is... Got some developmental issues. Like he doesn't talk a lot. I mean, quite frankly, he doesn't talk a lot. He sees a ghost of his mom in the window, you know, development issues. You know who Ben is? Ben is Ben Solo. Ooh, I don't know who should be more insulted there. It's, it's dead on. He's got like a supernatural entity fucking of his life from a young age. In, in some respects, he doesn't have the lineage that Ben Solo has. He doesn't have that pressure on him. He doesn't also have Ray. Yeah. (laughs) But he doesn't he doesn't have the expectation, I guess, is what I'm saying. But I mean, you also had that scene in the finale when he finds out that Charlie's at the looking glass and he hears Charlie say, That's Sith technology. <laughs> but yeah, somehow. Which... <laughs> oh, which actor on Lost would you want to hear say somehow Palpatine's returned? I just somehow Charlie has returned. <sighs> which he does. That that'd be um, that's like pure Saeed right there. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh shit. He's got his dead mom outside his window. JJ Abrams. Could you not get Naveen Andrews in a star Wars movie? Come on. He had to bring in fucking the Hobbit instead. Seriously. What? I mean, I feel like Naveen Andrews just kind of fell off the radar though. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I got to look at his IMDb because yeah, I, I mean, he was in like a, that, uh, Robert Rodriguez death proof movie, uh, not death proof, no. but the other one, uh, planet of terror grindhouse. No, planet terror. Yeah. I've never seen Death Proof, but I have seen Planet Terror. Really? Anyway, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. So Ben's hand was shaking earlier. So as he's like walking, lock, walking with Locke in the present, he's like trying to window dress why that was. You know, Jacob's not a man you just go see. He's a man who summons. Locke is being sassy. He's like eating some fruit. They're just—they're they really the hand, writing a lot of checks that Jacob's going to have to cash later on the show. 
Yeah. And, and quite frankly, can't. Yeah. Um, as they're strutting out of the camp, he gives this like, what's up nod to Mikhail, who's like pouting with like dried blood all over his face. This <laughs> is the lock that I love. He's just like, I see you, bitch. I gave you that broken nose. Um, and those busted eardrums. Meanwhile, yeah. back at the, I keep, I, what is the name for these people? The 815ers? Um, back at, I, I would say survivors because 815 sounds it, funny. Yeah. Back at the survivors camp. There's a lot of drama over like whether or not Juliet can be trusted because they like found this uh, like recording tape recording where Juliet's like dropping the dime on them to Linus. And then Jack will show up later and be like, I'm insane. And I knew this the whole time, which is why I have like a new totally insane plan to fix this. That was the scene that everyone for like another season. were like, oh, shit, you guys, Jack has got some kind of plan that we're going to flash back to. And it's like, no, we get the plan. Yeah, we get the entire plan. The, the yeah, whole Jack plan is dynamite. Yeah, yeah. Jack's been a little mysterious since he got back. He's been a little pouty. Right. He's like only he's just gotten back from like the uh, the Michael Scott Paper Company. I, I should be clear. I should be clear. When I say his plan is dynamite, I don't mean like it's an amazing plan. I mean it's <laughs> it's literal dynamite. It's kind of a insane plan. Okay, so like, Naveen, Naveen Andrews is on Once Upon a Time in Wonderland as uh, Jafar. Ooh. He was on Sense Eight, and he's on a show called Instinct that ended last year, I guess. The one of Alan Cumming. I don't know. Anyway, um, flashback. Any gives Ben these crude little dolls that she made out of wood. Uh, he comes home, his dad's like passed out on the couch. <laughs> ben should like, just be like, these dolls kind of suck. They don't look yeah. anything like me. But that's all. Once you learn to carlittery little girl, he should say that. Mm-hmm. Um. He's doing the thing where he has to like take his dad's shoes off for him. Because he's such a drunk. Yeah. And Roger's like, it's your birthday. Sorry, I forgot. You Kinda killed your mom. You yeah. killed your mom. Um, Carrie Preston deserves better than that. I mean, number one, at what point does the Dharma General Store start cutting this guy off? Yeah. Like, what do they do with this guy? Like, at a certain point, they're like, hey, man, it's not working out, you know? Because he oh, sticks okay. around for like, what, 10 years at least? At least, yeah, yeah. Or no, Jesus, I think they're implying that adult Ben during the purge is like 30. No, he looks way younger than that. I don't know. Like, it's, yeah, it's at least 10 years, but maybe. I figured, I thought he was supposed to be like, I don't know, 18 or 20 or something. Well, to be fair, this is probably the 70s. The season five takes place in the 80s. I don't know, whatever, 10 ish years. But like, he does mention earlier that he got $30,000 for this gig. Okay. According to Lostopedia, I don't know if this is correct or not. Um, they arrive on the island in 1973, and it's 1992 when the purge happens. Jesus. Yeah, it's rough. So how old is he? This I mean, that would have been like late 20s, I guess, you know, early Oof. 30s, somewhere around there. Oof. Um, that's That's patient, for sure. Yeah, that's... Lose your fucking mind, patience. Um, but yeah, so I was like, what is what is that 30 grand? Is it like a year total? Oh, what? like is there a Dharma general store that you're like spending your company script at? Or like like how does that work? You know? I mean, presumably, right? Like yeah, but like he, he specifically well, said, if it, it was 30 grand 30, and room and board, like that's not bad, you know. I don't know. I mean, and, 30 grand in 1970s wages. 
Like it's like thirty grand. We're going to put it into account. It's going to accrue interest while yeah. you're on the island. I don't, I don't know. But like uh, he says, another thirty grand for hazard pay. So that's why I'm assuming thirty grand is the base. I don't mm. know. Anyway, so in a fit, um, Ben runs out of the house. He goes to the perimeter, sees his mom on the other side of the fence. He's about to cross it, and she stops him. And she's like, "It's not time yet, Benjamin. I'm only a guest star." Um, and then she just like so, walks into the woods, all creepy, and Ben's crying. Yeah, which is. It's the monster, right? This has to be the man black, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like again, this thing has been manipulating both Locke and Ben for a while. Mm-hmm. And like playing them off of each other to eventually fashion them into a weapon against Jacob. And that's patience. But now it's night. Locke and Ben hike through the woods. They cross this like line of salt or sand or I whatever. Think it's ash. Or, or ash. Yeah. Something that in mystical circles would would presumably keep something in it's like to ward out to word out an evil spirit or ward in yeah yeah uh, this is the scene you're talking about where everyone or jack shows up and he's like i decided not to tell you guys yet and so it's like yeah and jack's like because i hadn't decided what to do yet but dynamite spawn <laughs> jack says that like he, like it's really impressive you know because i yeah. hadn't decided what to do yet oh naomi's here by the way r.i.p naomi yeah. naomi the only time I was really interested in Naomi is in I think it's season four. There's the like the recruitment flashback episode with like her and the team from the boat. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, didn't she yeah. have like a um, she had like a bracelet that Saeed found like the like the sister of and the Economist. Yeah, we're, we're doing that episode right? by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it seems wrong, but I feel like we could do a whole episode on season four or just season four episodes. You know what I mean? No, I think we have to, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think they, whatever we do on our next podcast is going to be season four. Yeah. Season four is very interesting because you have the writer's strike. So it's truncated, but also like just the hits just kept yeah. coming. Like I feel like you had this like tidal wave of, of shit and information, um, which is kind of interesting only in today's context where you have a lot of like shortened seasons that they didn't see coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so little Ben is packed up in a flashback. He's got the code for the fence. He even sends one of his little bunnies to hop through to make sure it won't fry its brain. Goes just, in the you got to watch out for a kid that carries a bunny around. I'm just saying. Well, to, especially to a test, like <laughs> uh, brain-melting sonic waves. Yeah. For sure. Uh, it goes, goes in the jungle looking for his mom. Instead, he finds Richard Alpair. Maybe he can come with us. Maybe. Yeah, long hair, dirty clothes, looks like a pirate. I presume he's chilling in the temple during this time period. But like uh, venturing out here and there, yeah. Yeah. Richard's like, you know, like kind of curious, like, what are you doing out here, kid? Ben's like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And Richard's like, LOL, try me. <laughs> I'm immortal. Try me. <laughs> I once drank some mystical wine. So, yeah. Only we find out that, uh, or we don't find out, but he tells Richard Alfaro that he saw his mother you know and she talked to him yeah and that intrigues him because well, I, I think it's it's the also and she, and, and she talked to me mm-hmm. um so then now Locke and ben are getting closer to get to this rundown cabin it's spooky as fuck i really love the little detail where like Locke has his flashlight and ben's like you're gonna want to turn off your flashlight john and he's like why because jacob feels the same way about technology as you and i was just like rubbing my palms together like what's ben, this gonna be ben has a real vibe of like just remember you wanted this yeah yeah um 
because he even says, once I open this door, there's no turning back. You sure it's what you want? Lock way, gets in this place. We should do that uh, movie at some point. I've been telling you that. Okay. Not the second one, though. Oof. No, no. Just the first Jack Reacher. Uh, anyway, there's something fun about cocky John Locke in this. They get inside. We talked about the accoutrements. It's an empty cabin. It's got weird shit in it. There's um, ben, just an extended sequence of Ben staring at an empty chair. And be like, I told him, but he refused. He insisted on coming. And Locke's just like, what the fuck is going on here? He's like, "Are you, do you seriously believe, like think I'm going to believe that you're talking to someone here right now? Can I make the obligatory joke? Sure. In this moment, we're it's us reliving watching fucking Clint Eastwood at the Republican National Convention. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Um, Clint Eastwood, a little known fact, he watched this episode right before he went out there. Yeah. Yeah. So Locke is watching all of this and he's just like, man, fuck you. He's just like, God, I thought there was like a secret dude named Jacob and there was like mystical shit. You don't know anything. You're a complete fraud. You just went full Scooby Doo on me, you asshole. You pathetic. And yeah. he turns his back to leave and then we hear, help me. And Locke's like, the fuck did you say? And Ben's like, say what now? And then like, Locke turns on the flashlight. And Ben's like, oh no, technology. Cabin starts shaking. Things are rattling. The rocket chair is rocking. Suddenly there's Ladder. like brief flashes of an actual person in that chair who's definitely not uh dude who ends up playing Jacob. No. Um, so if you look at the freeze frame of the guy, he's like the prop master on Lost. Yeah. In profile, the dude has the same profile as Terry O'Quinn. Yeah, yeah. So I with hair thinking, though, yeah. Fuck, yeah. Um, the lantern flies off the table, catching on fire. Windows are breaking, and so Ben is like turning back to the empty chair, like that's enough. You've had your fun. It's a real line he says. Locke uh, Lock just like runs out and is like freaked out, and then like a, you know a few seconds later, Ben comes out, just like this disappointed look on his face, and he's just like, "Well, thanks a lot, asshole." Yeah. Which I guess Locke has to come back. To this, it's the end of season four. Because this is where he gets the marching orders to move the island. Yeah. So presumably this is also the Man in Black. Yeah, I think it's all the Man in Black. I'm I'm not sure if we ever actually are encountering Jacob until the sixth season. Yeah. Um, and so I like that, like, as Ben's outside, like, <laughs> Locke's like, what was that? And Ben's like, well, that was Jacob. <laughs> I couldn't believe how well that played into my hand. Like, what does Ben think happened? I mean, did he hear anything, I guess? Presumably no, because presumably no, Locke, yeah. what did you hear? But I mean, like, is Ben like, oh, wow, a spooky earthquake. Couldn't have, you know, lucked into that any better. Uh-huh. So the next day, they're walking through the woods. Locke's, like, not having this shit. Can't wait to get back to the others and tell them their leader's full of shit. Ben's thinking of a different way. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily announce my plan with the snake yeah yeah um yeah so he's like you know john you're not wrong ben's the kind of guy you want to wait to shoot in the back you know yeah you don't want to come at him from the front some of the things i told i've told everybody i told you are simply not true and he's like well like why he's like well for starters i wasn't born on this island i'm going to show you where i came from uh so flashback adult ben who's like late 20s early 30s he's zipping up his own workman jumpsuit as an adult he's a little bit punk rock though because he doesn't have a dharma logo on his um they they drive out in the um, picture here yeah annie's seemingly gone they they drive out in the van that hurriedly will later find and restart which 
I don't think in that episode there wasn't like a skeleton in the car, right? I think there was. I don't don't they find a Roger Workman skeleton? I thought that was where that was from. Oh, I could. I know they found the van and all the beer. I'm pretty sure they find the the body in there too. I could be wrong. Okay. But. Um. Yeah, so they're basically just doing like supply runs via Volkswagen van. They're going to the Pearl, I think, right? They're going to the Pearl, and then they're going to go up to the Mesa and drink some beers, have some father-son time. They're listening to some, some Shambhala, some Three Dog Night. And Roger is like, score, another reason to drink on the job. <laughs> I mean, if you're on an island, I guess you don't have to worry about DUIs that much. I mean, worst case scenario, you drive into a tree. Yeah. Uh, Although I want to say, doesn't Roger have like a pretty insane encounter of Jack in season five? Oh, yeah, maybe I, I man, I don't remember a lot of that. Season because season five is really two seasons. It's very weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So Ben's just like, "Do you really blame me for mom's death?" And the best Roger can muster up is like, "Eh, what do I know?" Yeah, and he's like, "Well, I'll try to remember. Try to remember your birthday next year, though." And Ben's like, "No, you won't, because I'm gonna fucking nerve gas you to death now." He's just like. Pulls out a gas mask and puts it on. And I don't know. Would would you react as slow as somebody did this next to you? I guess you probably would. You'd just be confused. Like, what are you doing? As he like pulls out this gas canister and like so, pulls a pin on it. I was going to say, I'm waiting. Um, I guess I should tell you. Because any day now. Oh, you ordered a gas mask? You are going to tell me that you bought a gas mask. No, I have not bought a gas mask. No, no, no. You will, though. Oh, I know okay. You. Okay. You've talked about it so much now i don't know i feel like i got a pretty good look with my current setup that i think you will buy a gas mask and then i will ask you to go hang out with our friend steve no i don't, don't want to go see him not 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 during covid i would wartime. need to be in full protective gear to go see that not, asshole not during covid wartime but if we ever get back to like quote unquote normal mm-hmm. i want you to hang out with steve and then just be like you know steve for as long as whatever. Oh, so you're saying I need to I need to Put get a gas mask. mask and I need like a fake gas canister that I can yeah. ignite. Yeah. Yeah. And just see how long it takes him. I like it. I like it. Um yeah, so I love that when 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 Roger's just like, I'll try to remember next year. And he's like, I don't think that's gonna happen. And he gases in the death. <laughs> so both of Ben's parents died on his birthday. Yeah. And then we, uh, we come back to the Dharma Initiative, like camp or not camp, but I don't know, like dormitories village. or whatever village. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like a bunch of fucking bodies. Like all these people like collapse where they were playing volleyball. It's pretty Bloody brutal. Noses. Yeah. There's a guy still holding the water hose and uh-huh. the water running. Um, Horace Goodspeed on the bench is staring off. Uh, ben closes his eyes for him because maybe Horace is like the one person who is nice to him, even though it's like a Joe Biden way. And I guess we can sort of assume that. Ben provided them with like the gate code to get in most likely. Right. Like yeah. he, he kind of facilitated this. He's been, they, they built up to this for a very long time to get like the, you know, the supplies necessary to do this. Well, I was fascinated because I remember you found, do you remember like, so season five, one of the things is like, there's a treaty between the Dharma initiative and the hostiles. That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you found the screen cap of the treaty and like one of the items was that the Dharma Initiative couldn't dig more than like so many meters into the ground. That would be a violation. Mm-hmm. Um, so presumably the others have just fucking had it with the Dharma Initiative because they've violated the treaty. Yeah, enough. Well, enough times. I mean, they've yeah. done it 
multiple times. Uh, so the others come strutting in, including Richard Alpair's shorter hair. I like that he's, of course, the first one to take off the gas mask. I kind of smell the air because mm. he cannot die. Um, then he's like, you want us to go get his body? And Ben's like, no, leave him out there. Fuck him. And then we find out where Ben came from, a mass grave. Yep. And Which he, is very real to what's happening now. Yeah. And then he shoots Locke and he's like, I want to know what Jacob told you. And Locke's just like, help me. And then she's like, God damn it, Locke. And he's like, no, literally he said, help me. And he's then, like, well, I certainly hope he helps you. <laughs> Peace out, motherfucker. And I was like, shit, they just killed John Locke on this show. Um, when the movie first, when it first aired. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. After this, I was like, I don't know. This Ben gives you, he's creepy. He's a villain, but he gives you that kind of villain that you can understand his motives. And it's like, I, I can and imagine. I guess there's like a calculation to him that you appreciate. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, Locke, you kind of fucking set yourself up to get shot there. You idiot. You know, you, you, I'm not saying you totally deserved it, but you kind of did. But there's also something about the performance that can articulate that side of you that's been hurt and wants to lash out very, very precisely. Um, like you kind of, well, after, after season three, I think you kind of root for Ben when he becomes kind of one of the upper echelon sure. leads. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that Locke continuously like confounds Ben, his plans, his expectations. It's kind of sad that half of the time it's the men in black, like using <laughs> Locke as a vessel so that's why the men in black is like really like snoking these two guys. Um, I mean, he's in a jar the whole time because he's a clone. Of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, both of them had to kill their fathers to join the others. Um, also, here's my favorite detail. They both have mothers named Emily. Why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? Also, my last note in this episode, I want to highlight again the incredible music of Michael Giacchino, especially the fact that Ben's theme on the season three soundtrack is called Dharma side. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! It's called Dharma side. All right. Well, let's get a move on because we are almost two and a half hours in, and we're just halfway through. So I'm going to negate a lot of the jokes I have in my notes for the next episode because for some reason I keep thinking Charlie's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> it's from so, Manchester or something, right? He's Manichaean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, this is basically part two of the four-part finale. Greatest Hits is the name of this episode. And I, I think as we said before, Charlie is not our favorite character. He might be one of our least favorite characters. I love this episode. I think it's a great episode. I my, This is my theory on this episode, is that this is the only time we get happy flashbacks for any character. Every other time we get flashbacks for a character, they're super depressing. And his are all like these happy moments, which I feel like goes a long way to uh, endear us to him before he like makes a sacrifice. Yep. I mean, writing is on the wall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think while you're watching it, you keep thinking that they're going to find a clever way to get him out of it. But like in retrospect, you're like, no, this is perfect. Yeah. Uh, so I have four top moments. Okay. Um, well, why don't you go first? Thing, Cause I have three. Uh, my number four is a small moment. It's as Charlie's like making his like number four entry in his greatest hits list. And uh, Desmond's like, well, how long can he actually hold your breath for? Because he's told Jack that he mm. like won some championship. He can hold his breath for four minutes. And Charlie's like, does it matter? So I actually kind of have that on my list as part of something else. But yeah, agreed. Okay, great. It just the look on his face. It's like, doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Even though in season one, Charlie emphatically tells Jack he can't swim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, this is a cheat, but I'm just kind of putting them all together. All of Charlie's flashbacks. Um, just because okay. it's the only time we see Charlie happy. Specifically, I really like the one with, uh, um, what's her name? Um, Nadia. Where oh, he yeah. like rescues her from mugging after he's playing Wonderwall. Yeah. Like two other people walked by yeah. and saw what was happening and you're the only one who stopped. Yeah. Well, and the fact that like both Charlie and Locke encounter Nadia, you know, before, uh-huh. before Saeed, before they even meet Saeed. <laughs> um, that's your number three. Yeah. Okay. My number three is, um, Charlie and Hurley's goodbye. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. I mean, uh, he's, he's like a dick at first, but then he feels bad and he goes over and gives him a hug. Yeah. And it, um, it's, it's, it hurts because it's like the first of two times where somebody makes a snide comment about Hurley's weight as why he can't be part of the action. And it, it really feels like somebody like throwing a, a rock at a dog to get them to run away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there is just kind of this like sweet banal like hug and it's just like, you know, I love you. And he's like, yeah, I love you too. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so my number two I guess I'll just kind of combine with the, you know, how long can you hold your breath is just the dive down to the looking glass mm. and like the way he has to psych himself up. He literally just starts crying, you know, because he's, it's, he's sacrificing his life and he knows it, you know, and it's, he's made his greatest hits and it's like, all right, well that that's it. Now it's time to go die. Um, it's a, and just the dive down, like watching this for the first time, I remember just thinking like, holy shit, like, you know, super tense. Is he actually going to die here? Like what's going to happen? And you're so relieved when he uh, breaks the surface of the moon pole and he's alive. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's such a, it's such an interesting cheat because like I said last week, you had to be really worried about certain characters when it was their flashback episode. Cause they might die at the end of it. Uh-huh. And it's like being, this is part one of the finale. It's like, well, he will, <laughs> we're just, we're just, you know, putting the gravy on the meat. Um, my number two is uh, his meeting Claire. Okay. As far as the flashbacks go, like I feel like this is the icing on top of them, and it's it's um it's like very minor. It's like not a huge moment. It's just it's just sweet enough. It's exactly what I think of this couple. Um, was it one of our listeners named was it Sarah? I can't remember whoever commented that they uh, their favorite couple was Charlie and Claire. Okay, which is not a um, yeah, it was not a uh, reaction I had remotely. <laughs> um, but I, I thought this was just just sweet enough, just yeah. perfect enough. My number one, it's a minor moment, but it's just a moment of say being awesome is when uh, Carl is like you know paddled up on his like uh, catamaran canoe or whatever, and he's like running towards our survivors. Close and Saeed just fucking tackles him. It's so awesome. Yeah. Um, and then my number one is is kind of the moment you mentioned where Charlie dives down into the boat. But prior to that, just the they did this in like 24 even. But it's it's like Desmond's just like, brother, I'll go for you. You know? Yeah. And Charlie's like, oh, yeah, sure. Great. Good idea. And then he like whacks him with the oar, kind of like Hannah and Lucas. Uh-huh. And it's like, of course, this is how. Or he's like, you know, it has to be me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like a stealth, uh, really good Desmond episode too, you know? Yeah. Cause they're, 
the episode or the season started like with them being slightly antagonistic. Like Charlie thought Desmond was like moving in on Claire. <laughs> but it was like also you had had the big ending this season two, and I remember being thrilled that Desmond was going to be a regular. But then the question is like, what the fuck what do you, you do, do with Desmond? Desmond? Yeah, yeah. And then I remember thinking like the for most of the season, I remember thinking that the the flashes that Desmond keeps having to save Charlie's life were weird. Uh-huh. Like it didn't, it didn't fully gel until all of this. Yeah. So um, what's your number one? Oh, it was that. It was, it was that. that. Okay. That, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So this episode, I'm going to try and pick up the pace as much as we can here. Um, we start with Carl. It's like these like kind of quick cuts of him, like making a run for it to this like canoe that he's buried under some palm fronds. He's got to get in and paddle away as hard as he can. Doesn't it do like a 12 hours ago or something like that? I can't later. remember. That's later. Yeah. Later we get that. Yeah. It, it's weird to me. It's it's the only downside to the elegant structure of this yeah. episode is we get this Carl and Alex flashback. It's, yeah, it's like again, a very intensely cut, like oh shit, man, this is a big you know thing going down. Carl's in a hurry. What again? If it's if it's not an eyeball that we start with, they love. Here's a guy in yeah. profile running through the jungle. Yeah, so Jack's leading everyone out to the jungle to show him his plan, which basically involves the <laughs> French woman and blowing shit his, up. His plan is dynamite. Um. So his plan is essentially like we keep hiding from the others and they keep coming. So I'm going to blow them all to hell, which, again, Juliet should have been able to tell him best case scenario. You maybe blow up 10. Yeah, there's at least 100 of these people. You're just going to piss them off, Jack. While they're walking there, we get the moment where Desmond seemingly has another one of his flashes because he kind of like blinks and looks back at Charlie. And Charlie's like, hey, did you just have one of your flashes? Desmond's like, no, no, it's fine. But clearly, yeah. he, he had one. Which, you know, again, begin the endless theorizing of is Desmond lying about his part of his flash? Yeah. Could because be. Claire does not get on a helicopter. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we get the first of the greatest hits flashbacks. The drive shaft van is busted down on the side of the road in the rain. Like Charlie's quitting. The album's not selling. They're a joke. And then you all, everybody. I feel like this is very, very, I don't know if relatable is the right word, but it's like you totally know where they're at here. You know, like hearing your own song on the radio, like they're going nuts. Also, the drive shaft van has a vanity plate that is supposed to read out loud as you're too old. But if you read it backwards, it spells out losery. Okay. <laughs> so here's my frustration with this episode is he's writing that out. That's flashback. That's a uh, greatest hits number five. Uh-huh. Then Naomi comes over and they bond over being Manichaeans. Um, she's talking about what a big deal it was. The plane crash, the dead rock star. Oh, drive shaft put out a greatest hits album because of it. So everyone's made a fortune off Charlie's death. Desmond's like watching ominously killing Charlie's budge. And then my, my thing is like, if she had said that and then he started writing out his greatest hits, you could argue that like it inspired him to do that. Well, just, I mean, it I, seems like a weird coincidence. I guess the idea is that Charlie knows, even though Desmond denies it, he knows something is up. And so he's, he's already thinking about his greatest hits. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like to have her then specifically come out and be like, haha, greatest hits. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was just like a title drop more than anything else. Yeah. So, um, Whatever. Desmond's watching as the grim reminder of fate. Uh, Said has to like give like the tech lowdown to Jack on like how this uh, how Naomi's like cell phone works and like I what they need to like, do. I need a moment of your time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the the gist is going to be 
even if her sat phone worked, they can't transmit because of Danielle's signal, which has been broadcasting for 16 years. Thank God that Juliet's here because she could say, oh, by the way, we've been jamming that this whole time. Saeed just strolls up and he's just like, that's great that you've been having your little soap opera issues with like, will they, won't they, you, Juliet, Kate Sawyer. I need a moment of your time to like tell you where, you know, what shit's going down right now. Also, the next three episodes, there's going to be so much emphasis on the couples. Yeah. And the romance. I mean, not just the the love quadrangle and not just Charlie and Claire, but like Sun and Jin and Rose and Bernard. There's like the weird line where like Rose is just like, we all know it's because of your man, Claire. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they've been jamming Danielle's signal the entire time. The Dharma station called the Licking Glass. It's underwater somewhere. It can block all signals off the island, which doesn't make sense unless it just started doing it after the plane crash. Yeah, don't ask too many questions. Because, again, they talked to Richard off island. Anyway. Um, yeah, so Charlie tells Claire he's going to protect her and Aaron. Everything's going to be fine. I don't think she looks convinced. Um, and then he's he's finally Desmond comes over and he's just like um, – gonna tell him the, the deal it's like yeah i, like I saw you like, die again but the way that you die like saves everyone and claire gets on a, a rescue plane so you kind of have to die charlie there's a lot of like great moments in this episode because otherwise desmond's line sorry brother but this time you have to die <laughs> would like be on our list um flashback charlie and his dad at the pool when he's a kid i really wish that charlie's dad had been played by chief o'brien i don't know why I just, uh, did your dad like abandon you right at this moment? I feel like there's like better moments he could have come up with. I don't know. I feel like it's he learned to do this on his own, I guess. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um also I mean, maybe if it's like his dad like died the next day or something, you know. I know we get some kind of flashback with the dad and the family during the whole fire yeah. and water thing, but yeah. I don't care. Um in the background you can hear someone scream, Desmond, come on. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so Desmond spells out the vision that Charlie's like in a hatch. He's surrounded by consoles or whatever. There's a yellow flicking light. Charlie hits a button and then he drowns. Um, and I'm just like, let's do it. Yeah. I don't remember where they get it from, but Saeed has blueprints for the looking glass. I think you might've gotten them from, uh, the Inter 77 episode. Maybe. Oh, they did grab a bunch of yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's connected to an island via wire, which is probably the same wire that Saeed found in his walkabout. In I love that one. they they like went back to that and like kind of looped that in because that was always like a fascinating discovery. It's just like this cable going into the ocean. I'm just curious. What does that cable do? I guess it's like power. But I mean, OK, it's a very small cable, but like that's a big you're cable. You're telling me you're telling me they didn't find another way to like do that it's just a cable coming from the jungle onto the beach into the water i mean if you need to power a whole like you know submersible station it seems like the way to do it i don't know it's connected to the giant hamster wheel in the center of the island and it's also probably running like an antenna cable you know so they can talk to people inside maybe yeah so uh, station is a moon pool so someone can swim in flick off a there's, switch there's a lot of um can we trust Juliet? Like, I feel like it just keeps coming up in these next few episodes. Like, is she really trustworthy? And they have to like prove something They're like, no, actually Juliet already told me about that. Or like Juliet's going to give a new piece of Intel to, so that like you, you know, she's on their side. 
Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I feel like it never it doesn't really have room to pan out too much. I think if you're watching this in series with all the other episodes before it, it would probably impact more, you know. Yeah. I mean, to me, it really leads up to the point where she reveals to Sawyer that there are no guns. Yeah. Um, there's like a cute moment with like Rose and Bernard tying knots, which is that old, solid, married couple. Um, Jin has to finally ask, like, son, like, what was mentioned last week. <laughs> He's like, hey, uh, so I could definitely tell you were talking about me. What's going on? You didn't tell everyone I'm shooting blanks, did you? As long as you didn't tell him like, that. No, man, your boys can swim. And he's just like, fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. They high five. Um, um, he's happy here. She saw the ultrasound, blah, blah, blah. Carl comes ashore then. Like you said, tackled by Saeed. Sawyer vouches for him, which sounded funny to me. Um, Carl lets them know their timetable's off. The others aren't coming tomorrow night. They're coming tonight. They're coming right pauses. now. <laughs> Boy, everyone pauses. They do that thing where they know they're on a TV show and they have to make a face before they go into commercial. But Carl doesn't get it. And he's just like, they're coming right now. Why aren't you freaking out? Uh, so six hours earlier, Ben's at the other's camp. He's in a mood. He gives Alex her gun back. Alex is slaughtering tonight. a uh, white rabbit, I believe, right? Yeah, take that, Ben. I don't know what's going on there, but yeah. I like Alex. I, I feel like it's a shame we didn't get more of her. Yeah, yeah. Um, Richard Alpera shows up. He's like, what about Locke? And he's like, Locke had an accident. <laughs> and it's like, everyone's just like, okay. <laughs> so Ben picks Ryan Price to go out tonight, take 10 of his best dudes. Uh, one of which is Tom Friendly. Um, I don't want to be that guy, but like, if you guys are going to give Hurley shit about missions. Maybe he's like a good shot or something. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's gone on other missions. So I, you know, like, yeah, he's put ta- him on a boat. tactically familiar. Like, I like are all these others capable of doing this or are some of them better than others at, uh, you know, like the wet well, works. Well, seemingly good speed. It's a doctor. <laughs> I mean, the others, others. Yeah. But I mean, good speed was a doctor and he's just like, obviously cause he was Juliet's, you know, side piece, but it was like, yeah, man, you're on this mission. Go you mean, for it. You mean Goodwin? Sorry. I'm sorry. Goodwin. Yeah. yeah I was that's... like, good speed. <laughs> yeah. I think I was accidentally saying good piece too. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's, he was Juliet's good piece. Yeah. So Juliet's going to like mark the tents of the pregnant women that are going to get taken. And Ben's just like, if any of the men take all the women, if you have to, if any of the men get in your way, kill them. So that's when Alex sends Carl off in the outrigger. Jack's just up. like, get your own women, man. Yeah. We need these women. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Alex just, immediately betrays Ben and goes and tells Carl. Love it. Yeah. It's just weird to have this flashback right in the middle, I think. Anyway, so Jack comes up with a new plan. It's not enough wire rig up the explosions. They're going to have to shoot the tents out, which means everyone else is going to march up to the radio tower in hopes of being safe, contact Naomi's boat. Charlie will go on a suicide swim. Desmond will accompany him. Um, then we get the flashback to... I, I like how he like has this little, oh, yeah, I was like, you know champion of like north england or you know whatever he says you know, like whatever bullshit you can hold my breath for four minutes i just love how you know even as he's saying that it, it that it's bullshit you know and jack does not believe him clearly clearly i don't he's think jack like, cares though he's like whatever well i think jack's just like yeah i don't really want the plan that I, on you. i think jack's like as long as you've convinced the other people that's fine yeah. with me well because jack is yeah he's like very adamant like i really don't want a lot of decisions put on me right now I'm uh, I'm barely holding it together. I don't know if anyone noticed. Yeah. This next flashback here, I like that his his greatest moment here isn't waking up in bed with two gorgeous women, but it's that he's getting a ring from his brother. 
this is their second tour of Finland, uh, by the way. Oh, that's, that's like a, a retcon to like explain the ring. Yeah. Also, Liam hops up onto the bed, recognizes the two sleep, sleeping women, and he says, oh, these are the birds from Road 2. Yeah. Also, Charlie has red highlights, which would not go into my greatest hits. Uh, I do. I have to rocker. say, I do love Charlie's like rock star look. It's really? like it's it's just enough where it's like, yeah, I could see a rock star being that. But it's like a little try hard at the same time where it's yeah. like this definitely isn't the cool, like Liam's the cool guy in the van. But Charlie's like doing his best to fit in. Yeah, because Charlie's also like four feet tall. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it, the ring is a family heirloom. It looks super cheap. It's for Dexter Bloody Stratton, which is why they named their band and ridiculously drive shaft. Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, so Liam doesn't think he's going to make it to 30. So Charlie's supposed to hand it down to his kids and grandkids. But it's one of the lost, like, ironic little O. Henry short stories here where Charlie's not going to have any fucking kids and Liam does end up having a family. Mm-hmm. Which he sees him. I wanted I wanted Liam to be like, give me the fucking ring back. <laughs> um anyway, that's number three on the list. Um so of, of, of Charlie. Charlie's greatest hits, yeah. Yeah. Um top five, countdown. Um Claire's upset that Charlie like just made this decision, didn't tell her. He spends a moment with Aaron, Claire and Charlie kiss, he goes off. Is this the only um, time we see him kiss? Probably not, but I don't know. I think they kiss at the end of season two finale. Maybe, yeah. And I think that might be the first time they kiss. I think a lot of people inferred more of a relationship oh, than they never, actually in the text. They never really went there. Like, I mean, with Kate and Sawyer, for example, we see them have sex in the cages, you know. We yeah, see we Jack and Kate hook up eventually in the flash forwards. Yeah, um, With with uh son and Jin, it's like they're married so you know you don't need to do too much math there but yeah you just kind of you're never quite sure where the relationship is between charlie and claire is is he just like a good friend or is there like something more there let's talk about all the characters we don't see get the smash saeed and shannon well you see them like kind of like the start of that don't we they like go have like a little picnic and right. and like a fireside thing i'm pretty sure I mean, presumably Hurley and Libby were going to smash at some point. Yeah. Tough break for Hurley. We're, I mean, if I were Hurley, though, I'd be like, guys, can I tie a sock on like the Swan Station door? <laughs> Seriously, man. Please don't make me it's go like, get sand. Hey, guys, I don't ask for a lot, right? I'm Hurley. Yeah. I'm the guy who doesn't ask for much. I'm calling uh-huh. it a favor. Yeah, I'm the morale of this fucking uh, ramshackle organization. So, yeah, flashback, Charlie's busking at Covent Gardens. Uh, this does not geographically exist where he is, but he's performing Wonderwall. Maybe you're going to be the one who saves me. And he happens upon Nadia, saves her from a mugging. She calls him a hero. How, Charlie's like, how incompetent? How incompetent is this mugger that, like, it took him that long to try to mug someone? Also, he's got a knife. Yeah. He just stabbed Charlie in the eyeball. He doesn't, though. He's like, oh, no, a rock star. And he runs off. Yeah. Um, now, Desmond's making a weight belt to help Charlie get down to the looking glass quicker. This is where the uh, can you really hold your breath for four minutes? Doesn't matter. Moment comes. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're having a shooting practice with the survivors. Bernard's pretty good with a shotgun. <laughs> I like Bernard as a good shot. I wouldn't have minded if this could have been one of the women on the island. I don't know. I feel like yeah. it's like whenever it's time for adventure time, it's like either Kate climbs a tree or it's dudes, you know? It's kind of shocking that it's not Kate, to be honest. Yeah. 
just because I needed all the Kate scenes on the hike. But I, mean, I do like the, I like Bernard being more involved, you know. Yeah. But like it maybe didn't need to be Jin. Like, why is Jin a good shot? Well, even though we've seen no proficiency for it, like, what if it was Sun? Well, shouldn't it be like Juliet? Like, she like knows Latin and can do like karate. Like, shouldn't she be a good shot as well? Yeah, she's like a fucking secret agent in the three years she's been on the island. The I mean the the problem is you have all of these scenes with Sun, Rose, and Claire like worrying about their men. Yeah. It just feels very weird. They need to. Um, they need to cut. It's like I think it's in the next episode, but it's like there's you know two explosions, not three, and it's like cut to sun, uh, cut to Rose, like worried about their men. They need to cut to like the other fifty survivors who are all worried about Saeed because they're like, oh man, yeah. if anything happens to Saeed, we're fucked. Yeah, yeah. Saeed's on like a fucking like death wish mission <laughs> in this though. Um, yeah, so this is where yeah, Hurley so, comes up and wants to come with him, and Charlie has to be in an ass to him and criticize his weight, say he can't come, but then he gives him a hug, which is a nice moment. Yeah. There's a great bit where like Jack is like sassing Rose because he's not even gonna pretend to like dress it up for her. Yeah. <laughs> um and then so Said asks Jack an, uh, a question that basically sets up Jack's like on island arc for the finale, which is which do you want more, Jack, to kill the others or to get off the island? Mm. Um, yeah. So they're getting ready to move. I mean, they, they spend forever to get ready to they move. Leave, There's a funny the part dry here. shaft ring is like stuck in the crib. She doesn't even take it with her. No. Yeah. I mean, well, I think that's like your like dun 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 yeah. tragedy's coming. Uh, there's a great bit where as they're getting ready to move, Jack's very concerned about the hydration of everyone. He's just like, You got water? You got water? What about you? You got a bottle of water? You got water? Imagine if they said no, Jack would lose his mind. I mean, if I was on that island, I might leave some of the higher level stuff to Jack and his like band of uh, leaders, but like I'd keep track on the water myself. You know, I, I wouldn't need to be reminded about the water. Well, imagine if one of these people said, "Oh, hey, Jack, I forgot to get water." He'd be like, "Why did I not fucking tell you about the water?" He starts like punching this guy into the ground. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Harley wants to help Claire. She doesn't really need it. She like packs up Aaron's shit. Um, that's what he said to see the ring. I'm like fascinated that they are like pack up all of your possessions for this hike. Oh, they've got Vincent too. Vincent's still here. Yeah. Um, where were people's Vincent theories at this point in the show? I wonder. I mean, Vincent was like the man of black or Jacob for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be good. Well, I mean. Vincent could die and very well be the man in black for all we know. Anyway, so Charlie and Desmond find the cable. Um, it's still connected to the station. I love that they they get in the boat and they don't even have to paddle. They just have to like pull themselves along uh, yeah, the cable. Yeah, it's pretty the cool. Well, and so, I, I kind of think like a TV show shooting on water is insane. Yeah. Like every like every disaster of a, uh, a movie shoot is involves the water. Usually how it's like, like water world, you know, like jaws. Or, yeah. It's always like, like such a pain in the ass to shoot on the water. And like, here they are shooting on the water. Like it's nothing. Supposedly they filmed a couple scenes in life aquatic before they realized that whatever was on the wrong side of the boat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So flashback again to night of the crash. So we don't see Shannon screaming. Um, this is when Charlie in his hoodie sees pregnant Claire um, and they've got some some cute little moments there where he, like he's like, giving her his like blanket. And he's like, "So, first plane crash, 
And she's they're, like, what gave it away? And he's like, I can spot the newbies. They're very much more like cute than like hot, you know? Oh, they're not hot. No. Yeah. She's hot. But it's, it's she, this isn't like a, like a lustful relationship is the vibe you get, you know? Well, also season three, Claire, it's like, Hey guys, we're not putting Emily to Raven in like the, uh, the pregnancy suit anymore. We're going to find her some clothes that like are tailored for her. She's going to look good. Um, yeah. So on the boat, number one, the night I met you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all meant for Claire, which out of context, I feel like this is going to, be odd like maybe this needs i can't remember does he deliver the greatest hits does desmond ever do that i don't they go in his shirt pocket yeah i can't remember i can't believe that charlie's sharpie works later well i what i love about the sharpie is that they've been like carrying along that sharpie since pilot yeah yeah that sharpie's come a long way yeah it's you would have thought it would run out of ink how much he uses it um so yeah he gives it to desmond and she's just like he's like what is it he's like the five best moments of my Sorry, excuse for life. My greatest hits. And Desmond's like, uh, whatever, brother. Um, so this one, I, mean, I like, I like the conceit though, that, that that's something that you would do if you knew you were about to die, you know? Yeah. I would just maybe spell it out a little bit more. What? Um, like Charlie. an explainer at the top. These are my greatest hits. Well, letter. You got some time. Sure. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's, he's more of a music man. It's just going to hit some bass notes for Claire. She'll get it. Yeah, so Desmond Offer takes the place. Charlie knocks him out. You and I both know you're not supposed to take my place, brother. Charlie takes the dev boat. He goes underwater. I just love the the way he stands there and he just starts crying. Like I feel like that's captures the essence of this moment here that he knows he's about to die and he's kind of looked back at his life and those are his best moments. You know, that's what he has, and now he's going to go die. Yeah, um, not a uh, not a dive that I could do. What do you mean? You couldn't swim underwater? Or? I couldn't do this dive, I don't think. What, what <laughs> like about the, it could you not do? Uh, I'll just put this way. I'm not the guy who's going to volunteer for this mission. Okay. All right. Yeah. I like, though, there's a bit where he, he takes the weight belt. He gets under the, the looking glass, which is basically like a like an offshore oil rig. but like Yeah, it's shorter. like from the abyss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a great moment of tension where he's underneath the thing, and he's like, fuck where's the moon pole <laughs> uh which is a different shape under the under the station than it is inside the station but yeah so he gets in it's not flooded and he kind of like ah i'm alive i'm alive and then two uh two ladies come in the room with guns including tracy mittendorf they're like both Charlie from deadwood in. or something is that right i well so tracy mittendorf is like an actress who's like guest starred in probably every show yeah she's the blonde the other chick, Lana Perilla, eventually becomes the evil queen on Once Upon a Time. Okay. Um, I don't know that her look here is doing her justice, but this is uh, this is my fantasy. Two hot women tying me up underwater. And sure. One of, them's, me. one of them is definitely more the good cop than the bad cop. Yeah. Yeah. And he's I like, I'm guilty. alive. And then they're just like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, ah, Charlie Face. Yeah. Hands up. Yeah. And it's like a fascinating, just like end of the episode. Charlie's yeah. alive, and um, and then it's time for through the looking glass. For the longest time, I thought this was through a looking glass. Is there like another TV episode that's through a looking glass, or am I just insane? Well, I think if it was through a looking glass, it would be misrepresenting the Alice in Wonderland 
Sure. Okay. Quote. All right. And then it is time at last. I mean, is this the best episode of Thoughts through a looking glass? You and I've had this conversation many times. To me, it's tied between this and the, and constant. the season two finale. Yeah. No, the, well, oh, season the, two finale. Okay. Mm, I don't know, man. I feel like the constant is higher than the season two finale for me, at least. Mm-hmm. But. This one is for reals the most momentous. I feel like this is an actual, like, historic moment in television. Like, what they do here, mm-hmm. they planted a flag. They're the first to do this. Yeah, I mean, as I said last week, I remember not sitting, standing at the TV with my jaw hanging down when I first saw the monster. Uh, The end of this episode was another one of those moments where it's like the show had been off for 10 minutes and I was Mm -hmm. still staring at my TV trying to collect myself. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this episode, you know, but we don't know that going into it. We know that Jack is just going to go all the way down the rabbit hole. (laughs) So do we want to do this like part one and separately from part two or how do you want to approach this? I would, would do part one and part two again. Cause that's how they kind of break it up. Okay. So I got yeah. three for part one. I mean, I probably have a shit ton, but really that opening man. Yeah. Jack can't even kill himself properly because there's always somebody to save. Yeah. Yeah. What are your moments? Uh, so, I mean, that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have a, uh, Charlie's conversation with Bonnie and Greta is just like really funny. I think you mentioned earlier, just like where they're like, what are you going to do? You're going to turn off the button. And he's just like, yeah. And they're like, and then the, it floods and he's like, uh-huh. And they're like, but you died. He's like, yeah. It's yeah. Like just kind of like Frank discussion of like determinism. Basically. He's like, yeah, I know yeah. this is what, this is what's going to happen. So that's, you know, I'll, I don't know if there's a code, I'll figure it out. <laughs> that's what the group from devs told me. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, He's cocky at one point. He's like oddly serene at another point. It's it's a career highlight. For well, it's actor. as though if you, on the one hand, you know you're going to die. That sucks. But on the other hand, you know exactly how you're supposed to die. So like nothing these ladies can throw at you is going to phase you. Yeah. Right. Hey, it's your death. Have fun with it. Yeah. And then my last moment, I believe you mentioned this as well, just when Juliet reveals the story that there are no guns. Is that in part one? I believe it's in part one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, she's so good. Well, she's sassing him left and right. He's just like, you sleeping of Jack yet? And she's like, are you? Yeah. She's like, yeah, there are no guns. We had to clear out there to allow Jack and Kate to have their moment, you know? Yeah. Or just, she's just like, he was never going to let us go. Come on. Juliet knows her men. Jack's kind of a creep, though, in his moment there. Which moment? Well, we'll get into it. Okay. Are you talking about when he almost kills himself? No, no. Jack's kind of milking both cows. Oh, when he's like the Terrible. because I love you, like that thing? He's just smooched with Juliet. Milking both he's cows. What a, what a line. I know. That's terrible. Um, but he's he, Jack likes that milk. <laughs> yeah. He's got to pee on them both. Anyway. Perhaps. So, sorry. I've had like four beers now, okay? What do you want? No, you're doing great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jack's on an oceanic flight. He's got an incredible grief beard. In no way did I know that this was a fake beard watching it the first time. Really? It's impressive. The, you'll see, 
the beard that he has in the season four premiere is a different beard and it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But this one is pretty good. If you can get past the fact that like Jack would clearly have to dye his beard. Because he's well, no, so gray. There stomach. are some close ups where it's like it's definitely gray, like cl- closer to the temples, you know? In the beard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Because I was saying, like, you see his stubble up close in this. Like, I was like, day. I was looking at it like, and I'm like, did they just like tell him, like, hey, like, we're going to like, you know, it, production's over, but we need to get you to come back in a month when you have a beard? Like, how do they do some of this? Yeah, yeah. I was like fascinated when I was watching this. I was like, wow, how did they get in the grow of beard? Oh, this um, is this is all set up by Jack being a complete fucking psychopath and all his other flashbacks that like it's like, oh, was there a moment when Jack was like really, really hard up and he had a beard and he was just like a complete mm-hmm. fucking junkie? I could kind of buy it like it never entered my mind. That this was a flash forward until Kate walked up at the end of the episode. Even though there's a lot of little hints, there's a lot of little hints, but it just it never you know, my mind just that was not on the table. I never considered it. Well, in the cute little irony of the show, here's a here's a flashback where Jack's just on another oceanic flight, uh-huh. finished his drink, wants another one. You know, rather than giving him a drink, the steward just gives him a newspaper. So he's like, "Fuck it, I'll read it." Notice there's an obituary there that destroys him. So he pulls over the side of the road of a bridge. This is apparently they did film some in L.A. This is a real bridge in L.A. that they yeah. tore down four years ago. Um, he breaks down, climbs up on the, the railing there, or first he calls, what we're going to find out is Kate. He calls someone. Yeah. We don't know it's Kate yet, but yeah. Hey, it's me. I just read, uh, (laughs) I, I just, I hope I can one day be as emotionally damaged as Jack Shepard is. The best, the best voicemail though, is the outgoing one from wedding crashers though. (sighs) Hey, it's John whatever whatever (laughs) um so you're supposed to think this is like sarah's wedding announcement right i don't know what i don't know what i was thinking in the moment i guess that's one good possible you know possibility there for what it could be if it was the past yeah so this is like i guess the la river because like jack is gonna fall to pure concrete oh yeah (laughs) and he's like forgive me and then I love the way this is played because you they can't afford it. You don't need to see it. Yeah. There's a car crash behind him. We just see this light of the fire played out as his face. And Jack, the doctor, has to rush over to help. He's got to. Yeah. So as they're leaving the beach in the present, Jack's making eyes at Kate. Jack checks in aside in the shooters. It's Bernard and Jen. It's Isla Side's line. They're both excellent shots and highly motivated. <laughs> um, uh, Said's like, no matter what happens, keep going. You know, I'm I'm. I'm willing to give up my life if it means securing rescue, but I'm not giving it up for nothing. Do you understand? Are you going to fuck me over us. on this, Jack? Are you going to fuck me yeah. over? You are, aren't you? That Saeed is the badassiest badass of all time. Mm-hmm. Does that mean like these people honestly have just let Saeed down left and right? Yeah, seriously. But he's still like willing to give his life for them. Another cute moment for Rose and Bernard. Has you worried we're going to lose Bernard? We see. Well, her no, I like the, the bit where Rose makes Bernard say, I'm not Rambo. Yeah. Um, as, as, uh, Hurley's holding Aaron, we see Danielle's watching that baby. She wants that baby. Uh, son and Jim have a cheerful goodbye. Finally, everyone's moving. We're doing like our March off the beach, our big Exodus music, leaving behind our hunks of guns. Yeah. We got the classic, uh, like lost traveling music going. Um, I love that, that Naomi's just like, uh, Hey Jack, in case I die, 
let me tell you how the sat phone works. <laughs> Sealing my fate. Seriously, what are you doing telling people about that, Naomi? Also, also, it's crazy how much she doesn't die at the end of this episode, too. What do you mean? <laughs> well, she, do you remember? She, like, drags her, like, knife sticking out of her back ass around the island for a while in season I four. I do not remember that at all. Wow, okay. She doesn't okay. die here, yeah. All right. I was just going to point out, <laughs> like, should. we go into credits with them walking up the coast of the island with, like, the beach on their right. And then when Gorgeous. we come back after the commercial, the beach is on their left. What is going on? Hey, man, this island's missing. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, on the, on the looking glass, these two babes have like Charlie tied to a chair. They're beating information out of him. I have had fantasies like this. Uh, it's Charlie's chance to be tough. They're going to call Ben. Um, he watches them go into like a little like uh, control room. What have this you? This is where the button is. Yeah, he realizes this is what Desmond saw. Um, we even get a flashback of Desmond describing it. So we all know yeah. that this is this is where he needs to be. Yeah. Uh, at the other's camp, Ben gets that call. In the background, Richard and Mikhail are playing chess. Uh, Charlie mentioned Juliet, so they're all starting to suspect something. Uh, Mikhail's a little butthurt by Ben lying about the looking glass, but not much. Is Ben like writing his memoirs here or something? He's got like a journal open that he's been writing a lot of texts in. Apparently he's writing the wrong date. He wrote down like September something. It's actually Mm. like December. Yeah. Um, It's here that I realized that Mikhail is like early Dwight Schrute from the office. I feel like Richard is Toby. Oh, so he's the assistant to the regional manager. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know who else is who, but uh, I don't know. Maybe Tom Friendly is like uh, Kevin. I guess he's Jim. Who? Uh, Tom Friendly. You think he's Jim? Uh, who else is Jim? I don't know. I don't know who Jim is. I mean, I think you could argue uh, Carl is like the really boring Jim. Oh, yeah. Pam. They're Jim and Pam. Okay. And then Friendly is either Oscar from one way or he's Kevin. I don't know. Anyway, so the others on the beach fall into the trap for the most part. The first two explosions go off nicely. Jim misses his shot. It's like you're wondering who's going to fuck it up. It's not Bernard. It's Jim. Yeah. Yeah. This is almost like the first time in these episodes that we see Rose and Bernard at all season three. So it's kind of nice to have them back. Mm-hmm. And they're around this whole show, too. Uh, so eventually the three of them are taken hostage by uh, There's like Price's a group. gunfight, but, you know, they, they get the others get the drop on these guys. They kill seven of them, we'll, we'll hear. But yeah. uh, there's still people left over. Yeah, so Jack and the others can watch this from elsewhere, worry that something went wrong, since there are only two explosions, but they're going to keep going. R.I.P. to um, whoever this other other lady is. She gets blown to bits. She's cute. Yeah, All right. Yeah. now she's in pieces. Also, we see one of the bodies later. They are fucking toasted. Yeah, man. That's It's like <laughs> they got hit with a death ray or something. They are fucking... You could serve them to people, and they wouldn't know they're eating human. Um, look kind of tasty. Um, yeah, so flash. We think it's a flashback. It's a flash forward. Jack's in the hospital getting stitched up. This is the uh, Grey's Anatomy set. Oh, real quick, I did really like the shot of them seeing the explosions in the distance at night. That you can just see like yeah. the smoke, and it's like it's like you know the sun probably just set or something. It's a really cool shot. Yeah, it's a long fucking hike. Yeah, it's like a two day hike. Yeah, um, which again, this show 
later on would do the the Game of Thrones thing where it's just like, hey, we got the fast pass. Yeah. I love the little detail here. I love that Jack's ex-wife who shows up because she's on his emergency contact still because he hasn't changed yeah. it. She's pregnant. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it's, it's never pregnant. commented on, but you can just kind of do the math for yourself. Yeah. Um, so she's visiting him, like you said. Uh, media wants to talk to him because he's a hero. Uh, Matthew Fox does such great stoned acting or a certain kind of stoned like pill stone he's all about them opioids my man she's asking why he's drinking and he's driving around at 2 a.m and he's like can i get a ride home and she's like no that that would be inappropriate ouch yeah pre-uber man that's rough he's got to figure out how to get home just like in the premiere she is not going to give him that ride home yeah uh so jack's like now in the present day trying to talk to these women freak to get them to stop freaking down freaking out uh rose is like if you say live together die alone to me jack i'm gonna punch you in the face so they move onward naomi's thing is not getting a signal uh we kind of match cut from her blinking light to the blinking light in the looking glass control room which i kind of liked also kate's in a hoodie here i just want to point that out oh yeah probably got it from her boyfriend <laughs> possible pregnancy hoodie <laughs> Ooh, Sawyer kind of fails the test in this in this moment coming up, right? Yeah. Oof. I mean, he fails. Kate's I mean, like, I, I, Kate's like, I'm just gonna do a little heat check. Oh, never mind. Yeah, ice cold. So the others on the beach. Ben here's with the walkie-talkie. There, they have captive. He knows exactly how to play it. You knock out Saeed. You fuck Bernard. You marry Jen. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you knock out Saeed. You threaten to shoot Jen. Bernard fucking spills all. Well, they, there's um, like a lot of like uh, walkie-talkie drama happening in this episode. It's, it's impressive they get as much tension out of it as they do. Yeah, um, Bernard even spills about Carl, which gets Ben like eyeballing Alex. It, I like though. This is also where you get the uh, the Charlie conversation with uh, Tracy Mittendorf and the other one here. Yeah, Lana Perla. Yeah, like I like that though. You can tell that Ben is like he's going to exact some kind of vengeance upon Alex, but he's not going to hurt her. Yeah, not physically. Uh, so Ben's going to go meet with Jack and his people and talk him out of this. And Alex like gun ho to join him. He calls her bluff and he's like, okay, you want to see Carl again, don't you? And I love that part of his day is just having to out manipulate his own daughter. <laughs> well, let's say got some, some hash to settle. He's like, yeah, yeah. I didn't want you to get pregnant. I suppose I overreacted. <laughs> <laughs> I, the only thing I miss and or the biggest thing I miss that we're not rewatching is the brainwashing scene. That's so true. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway. I did. I did watch not in Portland, uh, even though it wasn't our list. And that I believe is where you see that. Yeah. Yeah. Only fools are enslaved by time and space. Um, so Kate and Sawyer talk by a stream. There's some interesting notes woven into their conversation. Kate wants to go check on their people. He's like, of course you do. There's always someone to go back for. Isn't there Kate? So she brings up the possibility that she might be pregnant based on stuff with Juliet. He's like, well, let's just hope you're not. Never mind. Also, briefly in the previous episode with uh, Benjamin Linus there, it's more of Richard Alper being like, are you sure you want to do this? Like just like his his leadership mandate is, you know, dissolving, it feels like. Yeah. Well, and, and none of those others are particularly interested in joining him. And I think he knows it. I believe he sends them all to the temple at this point. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. They actually reference the temple. Mm. I would have liked the scene had they not had to make this detour to deal with that outlier Jack. <laughs> Him showing up and dealing with that guy at the temple who's just like, I don't like you. Yeah. 
but yeah, so Sawyer's thing is, you know, I think number one, he knows Kate's life could be in danger if she's pregnant. He doesn't think a lot of himself, you know, as a father, but also it's he's being shitty. Oh, well, he, um, he has that natural reaction to lowers lower everyone's opinion of him whenever it seems like things are getting good. You know? Yeah. 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 He's been basically like Sawyer's thing is he's been super quiet and mopey and extra self-loathing since he killed uh, the guy who killed his family. Uh-huh. Um, we see Naomi still got the radio still flashing red, no signal yet. And the shocking thing about Sawyer is that he's not been utilizing nicknames. He's calling everyone by their real name. He calls her Kate. Yeah. That's yeah. Later. He'll that's call so Hugo, Hugo. Yeah. Um, Desmond wakes up on the outrigger, realizes what Charlie did. He's got to go after him because Mikhail's on the beach <laughs> shooting at him. <laughs> Mikhail's just got like a fucking rifle. He's shooting at him. Yeah. Um, cause again, Mikhail is, is Kenton. Um, yeah, he really he's, is. He's the thing that's got to bring this to bear. So, um, Desmond dives down there. We see the logo for the looking glass is a bunny, which I didn't notice before. Uh, Desmond gets on board. He has to go hide because Charlie's talking to him. And they're like, who are you talking to? It's like, I'm just singing to myself. Yeah. Uh, flash forward. Jack's in the room of the woman he saved handshaking going like, full house by like popping some pills like right as his boss walks in love it love it i like this other doctor too this other doctor like really walks that line between like he's concerned for jack but he smells some bullshit (laughs) yeah yeah like he starts off of like i'm brand new i'm your boss you haven't met me yet i've got some reverence for you is he his boss he's the chief of surgery i guess maybe that's his boss i guess the way i read it is that he was like not necessarily above Jack, but like at least on the same level as Jack. And so like, it was like even more awkward because of that. I, I, I think he's going to be the new boss. Okay. He's going to, he's also like, cause you know, Jack's just like, I want to do the surgery on this woman. And he's like, no, Gary Nadler's <laughs> going to do it. And like, Jack's like that bitch. He's like, Hey man, have you looked at yourself in the mirror lately? You're going to do surgery. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Jack could be standing here with like his pants, like undone or something. Like he's just so, yeah, he's so out of it. Um, so meanwhile, in the present day, the love quiet Drango has a powwow about going to the beach. Sawyer wants to go back. He doesn't want to go with Kate. Juliet will take Sawyer. Kate gets to watch as Juliet and Jack kiss. It's a very awkward kiss. Yeah. Is this yeah. like their first kiss? Presumably not, but. It's the first we see. I mean, they, I, they're probably like smashing in the woods, right? I would love to know. Mm. I really would. Like, it. It's hard to see Jack being romantic. Yeah, he's so intense. Yeah. Like, unless he just gets dirty, then he's just like, I want some puss. I mean, he kind of needs to get caught in a net for, like, you know, the vibe to arrive. Yeah, yeah. (sighs) There's always someone to get caught in the net with. Um, It's on the looking glass. Just when the girls are going to discover Desmond, Mikhail shows up. It is kind of funny to me that, like, it seems like they were trying to set up like a maybe Jack will like get with Juliet thing and it'll be like Kate Sawyer. But like the way the show goes, it's kind of reversed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> from the beginning of the show, you want Jack and Kate to get together and like the show is going to make you pay for that. <laughs> Shows like you still want it. You still want it. Let's keep going. You still want it. Or uh, there's a line that I always like from um, where the gun which is uh, God answers all prayers, but in the order they're received. Ooh. 
yeah, so Mikhail's just like shocked to see these ladies because like he was told they were on assignment to Canada. Like he, Charlie's trying to like uh, uh, Trace Amender was right about to discover Desmond when he pops up. Yeah. Charlie's like trying to sow distress with questions like, well, why did Ben tell everyone that the station was flooded? Why are these two jamming transmissions off the island? Which again, I would presume they've been doing this since just after the plane crash, whatever. Um, so uh, there's a phone call. Um, like Mikhail is like going to take it. He's like doing the thing from Clue. He's just like, like I should go into the room and shut the door and take the call from, <laughs> from Uber. Um, ben wants Mikhail to you know, kill Charlie and then Bonnie and Greta. Yeah, it's it's Ben's just like, I need you to trust me. I know you're upset with me because I lied with you, but I'm not lying to you anymore. So you have to yeah. do what I say. And Mikhail's just like, fine. And he's just like, so you got need, needed to kill Charlie. Oh, and uh, just to make sure nothing gets out about this, you're going to have to take care of Bonnie and Greta as well. He's secretly Rough. promoting him to assistant regional manager. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Alex the whole time is like hearing this side of the conversation, just being like, Jesus. You ass. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So with the survivors, Jack stops to see Kate has got a rock in her shoe and he's like defending Sawyer. Who says it, he says Sawyer's just trying to protect Kate. You know, Jack works out. Um, well, this is uh, why do. are you defending Sawyer? And he says, because I love you. Yeah. It's like, dude. Yeah, because you're like dropping that like platonically, I guess. Like, I don't know. What is that supposed to mean here, Jack? Well, just like, like Jack, I scenario, just saw you kissing another woman. What are you trying to say to me? Best case scenario, he's just like, look, I love you. I can't be with you because you're obviously with Sawyer. So I'm with Juliet. But I just wanted it to be. It's like there's no way where this doesn't feel a little strange. Yeah, seriously. But um, it was kind of murky was the whole thing where Jack was with the others for half the season. And so this is why he told her. We just kind of don't see Jack for a few episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is hilarious to me because he's playing like football with Mr. Friendly for a while there. And then like this episode, he's just like, I'm going to fucking kill you. (laughs) Um, So Sawyer and Julia walk back to camp. He's giving her shit. She's giving it back. We're talking about this. They've got heat. They do. Vibes. I wonder if this was like the, the initial ignition of that ship. I mean, yeah, I mean, retroactively, you feel it when she tases him. I mean, that's a very sexual act. These two uh, are yeah. just a little bit healthier together. They are, though. They, like, manage to bring the best out of each other. <laughs> Jack yeah. and Kate, they bring the worst out of each other. But, you know, that's par for the course for them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, but I don't. Like, I think Jack would have been better off with Juliet. I don't know that Kate and Sawyer would have been better off. I don't know if Jack would have been better off with Juliet. I feel like that would just be a replay of his uh, first marriage. Yeah, probably. That's the thing is, is she wouldn't necessarily be able to ground him long term. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Hurley wants to come with them and you get another one of those, like, just look at you, Hugo. So Hurley's going to go get she's the band. Like, Hurley's just like, what the fuck, man? You yeah. assholes. Yeah. Uh, get some more Ben and Alex. Get Locke in the pit. His legs I, aren't working. I think this is where we have the conversation about, uh, you know, I didn't want you to get pregnant. I may, perhaps I overreacted. Yeah, um, his legs aren't working, which I guess is like a, a sign of like when Locke loses his faith in the island. Yeah, yeah. So he finds a gun on one of the bodies. He considers like shooting himself. He's we about to shoot whispers. himself. Yeah, yeah. We hear some whispers, and then 
Walt shows up and he's like tall. He's clearly older. And he's just like, what uh, are you doing, Locke? Get out of there. And, Locke, and Locke's just like, why? And he's like, because you got work to do. Dun, dun, dun. End of part one. Locks. Which uh, I know it wasn't like in the, the press release, but it was frustrating to me that like uh, Malcolm David Kelly's name was in the opening credits. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So through the looking glass part two, we are going to get it's time for the snake in the mailbox, which I believe is a color of night reference. The snake in the mailbox. Yeah. What is that? So remember they codenamed their finale twists. Oh, did they? And this, okay. And so this was like the snake in the mailbox. Like everyone get ready for the snake in the mailbox. Hmm. Do we want to talk about our top moments for looking glass part two? Uh, yeah, we do. I've got four. I've got five. You just have to have more, don't you? Sorry. That's all right. And some of these are just like, you have to put them in. It's impossible sure not I'm, to. I'm sure I'm missing tons. What do you got? So minor moment, but, uh, it's like three seasons in the making. When Danielle finally meets her daughter, Alex. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely missing a lot. Uh, mine are all pretty basic bitch stuff. Uh, number four is Jack talking of Dr. Hamill in the hallway at St. Sebastian. Why don't you bring my father down here? And if he's <laughs> drunker than me, you could fire me. Excellent. Uh, my number four, I'm going to go with Saeed killing a dude with his legs while he's tied up. He like breaks the dude's neck with his legs. It's so awesome. Yes, God, say that's rules. Yeah. yeah, with his not even with his legs, with his ankles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number three is uh, Jack and Ben are talking, listening to gunshots, and Jack snaps. Oh, he just starts beating the shit out of them. Yeah. So my number three, I didn't remember this moment rewatching. I really liked it. It's when Sora kills kills Tom Friendly. And Hurley oh. comes up and he's like, dude, it was over. He was surrendering. And Sora's just like, I didn't believe him. Love that line. Because like, I feel like you kind of know what he means in that moment. It's like, yes, on the one hand, he was a defenseless prisoner. But it's like, yeah, Sawyer, you just you can't believe the others. They're too fucking shifty. They lie constantly. I actually like the line right before that instead. Which line? He's like, you shouldn't have taken the kid shouldn't off the Shouldn't have taken boat. the kid, yeah. I just I don't know I didn't believe him I I love that that's a perfect line from Sawyer. Would you say that we had the same one and two? I mean, don't we have to? It's not Penny's yeah. boat, and we have to go yep. back. Those yep. are yep. all time moments and all of television top moments. Like this show, I think I said this a lot last week, but like, not Penny's boat is such a big moment that we almost don't even deserve. We have to go back. It's like, oh, and my number one top baseball player is Babe Ruth. You know, like, it's just boring. Yeah. You know? Oh, my number two is Jackie Robinson. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know. <laughs> People you probably haven't heard of. Um, yeah, it's like, even if we didn't have that flash forward ending, it's like we would still be talking about Not Penny's Not Boat. Not Penny's Boat is incredible. Just that that whole sequence, the way the, the, way the whole sequence is directed. Um, Scored. That they've yeah. been building up the Sharpie for three seasons long and he's finally going to use it for something useful. That's going to have like a huge impact. And it's like a huge plot discovery, you know, moment where it's like, this is, this is like an important thing going forward that the people are not from Penny's boat. Like we can't trust these people, but then like that, that he makes a sacrifice to do it. That Desmond's there to witness it the way he signs himself. Like what a classic Mm -hmm. death move. 
Um, well, for this character anyway. For, yeah. for this character, but it's you know so much more impressive in death than in life. You are Charlie. Um, right. Yeah, it's just it's like what an incredible moment. Like best death scene on the show by far, I would say. And it's got that classic thing in any movie or TV show where Charlie clear, could have clearly gotten through that door. Why? Well, uh, yeah, he could I, have shut it from the other side. Well, no, no, the, the the handles are on the inside. I think that's the thing. Is that the the latch or the you know thing he turns is on the inside? So I'll give him that. What there's a version of it where I feel like he could have survived, but like in that's, reality, that's not the way like air pressure works. But fine, you know, you just got. But I mean, also. The thing is, though, they have been Desmond's been beating fate yeah. into his head yeah. for weeks. It's like, of course, he's going to take this. This is my moment. This the way it's Desmond. all shot, like the slow motion running of Desmond, the way Desmond sees Penny on the monitor behind Charlie for a split second, you know. Well, and just the little thing of like, he's got the hand up. Desmond sees it. They look at each other and Charlie nods like, you understand? Yeah. You know, and Desmond's like, yeah, brother, I understand. And Charlie's just like, good. And he just kind of like floats mm-hmm. back. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking, man. I don't know. Um, it, it reminds me of uh, an, a very different book, but in Anathem, a certain mm-hmm. character knows he's going to die. And so he kind of draws a symbol on the ground and stands in it. Like this mm-hmm. kind of feels like a similar moment to me. Um, just like the sign in himself is like his his sign off of life. Yeah. yeah. And of course, we have to go back. Holy yeah, shit. It's a flash forward. Didn't see it coming. And you're, you're left with so many questions, like the good kind of questions. It's not, it's, it's like these, these are questions that will surely be paid off. He's not like, right. No one's writing any ke- uh, checks. They can't cash here, but it's like, what happened? They got mm-hmm. off the Island, but somehow it didn't go the way they, you, you know, the happy way we all hoped. Well, cause it's a TV show. So you've spent, all of the end game here of season three thinking, okay, what's the wrinkle by which this doesn't work out? And we spend three more seasons on the Island. Uh-huh. Um, and you find the out they way, do get off the Island and it just, something went wrong. But I always love those, those things in like, uh, there's an episode next generation where a ship from the past, like comes into the present day. Uh-huh. And then like you see this kind of ripple go over the bridge of the enterprise where it's like suddenly converted into this alternate universe. And your brain kind of does that as you start to recontextualize all of these flashbacks. I mean, I'll be honest, even saw. the first moment I saw Kate, the first, my first thought was like, wait, had Jack somehow met Kate? That doesn't yeah, yeah, make you're, sense. You're waiting for like, what's yeah. the twist where they, where they met each other. And then I mean, I had the craziest theory going into season four. Which was? Which which was, it was kind of similar to the LAX episode where I thought like something's going to happen where they're going to wake up and they're all going to remember life on the island, but like seemingly that never happened. Interesting. Okay. And there's like something going on where like they're all connecting with each other where they all have these like shared memories, but like. That's kind of season six, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of what I was thinking and and whatever. It wasn't that thought out. But yeah, my God. But you're you're still like wrestling against like, wait, is Jack just that stone when he's like talking about his dad? <laughs> you call my dad down here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and like the little twist though. Hey, that guy's a hero twice over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the fucking the golden ticket, the golden pass that they got. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, anyway, we'll so, just yeah, we'll get there, but yeah. 
God damn, that's awesome. So part two, flash forward back. Uh, Jack's driving around, blasting some Nirvana, doing that, that foot thumb thing. He's got like a cool Jeep that like seems like it could have been made anywhere between like 1970 and 1990. He's got a car that you wouldn't think that a millionaire doctor would drive. It's a Ford, apparently. I, mean, I don't know what kind of car. Maybe it's like an old Bronco. I don't know. But it's like, I don't know. It, it suits Jack's vibe here. He's yeah, he's also yeah. he's got the new cell phone. That's like another hint that his cell phone looks like more technologically advanced than what would exist in 2004. Mm. Stops at the Huff's Drawler funeral home. That's a real hint just, if uh, you plug that into your anagram generator. Yeah, yeah. He turns the flash forward. Uh, the employee there is like, uh, or Jack's just like, did anyone show up for the funeral? He's like, there was no funeral, only a viewing, and you're the only person who showed up for it. This is also Jack just like walks right into traffic crossing the street. Doesn't yeah. seem to care. Oh my God. Like I, at a certain point watching this episode again, I was like, well, maybe Matthew Fox did pop a bunch of oxy right before filming it. <laughs> maybe he's method. Yeah. Cause he's just like floating like a ghost through these scenes. Um, overhead when he stands by the coffin, uh-huh. he's so tiny looking. Wasn't, I think you and I had the theory that, that it was Aaron or something. <laughs> Well, I think at one point we did theorize that it was locked, but that his legs got cut off. Yeah, I remember. No. Okay, I'm, I'm mixing up my uh, my mystery coffins here. That's a PLL thing, uh, not a lost thing. But yeah, yeah, I, th- I remember the legs cut off thing. Yeah. So standing over this coffin, Jack pops his last oxy. Oh, no. All that oxy. He's slamming this stuff, too. <laughs> what a hero. Which... Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I dance with the oxy, not not as much as Jack has. Like, uh, I don't think you're taking it. <laughs> I don't think anyone's taking it to this degree and functioning. I'm also amazed. Like, you read about people with like, you know, oxycodone habits or whatever. They're taking like, you know, bottles a day. Like, I don't understand how they don't just die. Like, I mean, like I, I had hurt my back like not long after this, and I remember they gave me a small prescription for like a week and yeah, I, uh, I definitely wasn't driving around to Nirvana. You take like two of those and you're fucking out. Yeah. I don't Yeah. I guess yeah. you build up a tolerance really quickly. Yeah. Or you just <laughs> Jack fucking shepherd, baby. Uh-huh. Just cruising. Like I was born for this shit. Uh, so now Jack's talking to Danielle as they march towards the tower. It's only about an hour away. Boom, boom, boom. Right in front of them is Ben and Alex. And uh, real quick, Ben's like, before we get to Ben and Alex, there's just like this wide shot of them marching across the island. It looks incredible. Like that's yes. that's one of those things you can't fake. It's just that's what you get when you have a good location. Yeah, yeah. And not, you know, as much as Hawaii is developed, like it's not like other parts of the world. Like there are places you can go and film this show very easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Ben's just like, hello, Jack. We need to talk. <laughs> I like the way Kate kind of like edges off to one side and like does a little circle to track check their tracks to see if there's anything anyone else with them. Yeah, I forgot because like Kate's like an expert tracker. Sure. Yeah. Um. So on the looking glass, Mikhail puts on his eye patch. It's like he's <laughs> getting down a dirt eye patch. Was that like in his pocket? You know, like yeah, I don't know. So. Um, he's kind of he's kind of fascinating when he comes out and he talks to like you know Bonnie and Greta and like the ones just like we have to follow the rules. It, if we don't follow the rules, everything falls apart. He's it's like, like he almost a good point. it's like he almost talks them into their own execution. You know, with, yeah, they don't yeah. realize it. 
Yeah. I can see Dwight Schrute doing this. So right before he's been to finish off, I think it's Bonnie, Desmond pops out of the closet and shoots Mikhail with a spear gun. So Charlie points out, you know, we need Bonnie to get the code. It's a rough end for Bonnie and the other one here, Greta. Yeah, they're just Greta's they're just being good soldiers. Yeah, Greta's just iced out immediately. Well, it's like Charlie probably would have turned Greta. Yeah. Got her questioning things enough. Um Bonnie's a little dramatic, I think, even in death. Anyway, so Jack goes to talk to Ben. Uh, we flash forward to the pharmacy where Jack is an all-star trying to get his pills re- refilled. Which, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess on the one hand, you're like, don't try this move and there's like 20 people behind you in line. On the other hand, maybe that's the best time to try it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they play that game at pharmacies, though. Um, nor do they play the game where the one guy like is like, hey, lady, give the guy whatever he wants. I mean, I don't know. What is this? Like 2007 when this is airing, well, I think. Things were, things were a little cooler with the pills back then, right? Yes and no. I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's hard to, for me to partition in my mind because I know like my mom was a nurse. And so I would hear about drug seeking behavior from her and sound like mm. they're really on it. But apparently they were not. You know? No, interesting. Yeah. I guess it depends on just like where you go. Well, yeah, apparently you can't just like pull out your dad's prescription pad. Well, that's why I like I would I've never asked for painkillers, even going to the dentist. It's like if they if they recommend it, I'll be like, okay, but like I'm afraid to ask because I've like had it drilled into my mind that like you don't want to exhibit like drug seeking behavior, you know? Yeah. I've only ever been prescribed painkillers from the dentist when I didn't need it. I th- I just had it for like um uh root canals. Didn't they give you some and, um, braces? Uh, they do braces? I don't know. I had it for wisdom teeth. That, I know I, I know I had it for said, wisdom teeth. I thought you said you, they did for braces, but then you would end up taking it too quickly because of the pain. I don't know if it was for braces. I don't think so. But I, I around the same time I had braces, I also got a tooth extracted, so it might have been for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a couple times that they prescribed it to me, I actually had no pain. Where I wasn't feeling pain, I didn't need it. Um, and there are a couple times where it's like, oh man, I'm really sore after this. They're like, nah. Though I didn't, I don't think I asked for it. Anyway, yeah. Jack and Ben talk. Ben's trying to convince Jack that Naomi is not who she says she is, that she works for people who are actually the bad guys, trying to find this island for a while, which is true. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, discover more or less that that's true. I mean, Maybe if you were to elaborate, Ben, while you have the floor here, you might have actually convinced Jack. Instead, instead Ben plays his card too quickly, which is yeah. going to basically give him a one-minute ultimatum to bring in the sat phone. He's going to have Saeed Bernard and Jin shot. I I really love this little like monologue he has, which I'm going to do quickly. Let me ask you something, Jack. Why do you want to leave the island? What is it that you so desperately want to get back to? You have no one. Your father's dead. Your wife left you. Moved on with another man. Can you not just wait? To, can you just not wait to get back to the hospital? Get back to fixing things. It's twenty seconds now. Just get me the phone, Jack. Like everyone has Jack's number by this point. He just wants to fix things. Yeah. So then they hear the gunshots, and it's like you played your card, bitch. I mean, talk about bringing piss to a shit fight. Like, Jack is going to charge him and beat the shit out of him now. Well, he needed to build that up a little more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is this is Tyler Jordan fucking up Jared Leto in Fight Club. 
everyone just like oh, oh, oh I was gonna say everyone watches, but no, they're not watching right now, right? He just like drags Ben back. Yeah, he just drags him back. Yeah. And then later Kate's just like, dude, your knuckles are fucked. <laughs> and Alex's theoretical, you know, adopted daughter is just like, huh. Yeah. Um this is when Jack gets on the walkie talkie to Tom Friendly and he's just like, I'm going to get my people rescued and I'm going to come back and fucking kill you. He's got full on crazy eyes. Yeah. Also, he's like, he's got like, I don't know, a week of stubble at least here. He's shown some gray. Yeah, he's got a lot of gray. Yeah. yeah. Him and Locke have almost identical stubble. We see later. Um, Looking Glass, Charlie convinces Bonnie to give him the code before she dies. It's the notes to Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. Because it was She's programmed like, by a musician. Which I feel like should mean something more than it does. I can't remember if it ever comes back or not. but um, it, it, I don't think it does, but she's like, they're notes. Notes programmed by a musician. But it's like, okay. What I do like is that this is why it has to be Charlie. Because he is yeah. the musician. He's the only one who'd be able to figure out the, the tone. What I don't yeah. understand is why it's like a 16-digit keypad that always like, drove me nuts. It should be a 12-digit keypad because... There's only 12 octaves, but whatever, you know, yeah, or yeah. 12 semitones in an octave. So uh, Jack brings the bloody Ben and Linus back to everyone. Alex looking at Ben. <laughs> Daniel comes over and regards her intensely. She's like, you're Ben's my like, daughter. Well, no, Ben's just yeah. like, Alex, ugh, this is your mother. And Alex is and like, then, well, I'm fucked up now. Well, like as she's like, Daniel like, starts like caressing her face in the Joe Biden way. And then she's just like. Do you want to help me tie him up? <laughs> <laughs> Which that should be on my list of top moments. Um, I'm just picturing Joe Biden at like the Democratic National Convention now, like doing this. Just caressing people's faces. Just caressing someone's face and saying, do you want to help me tie him up? Yeah. And Not that we'll even wearing, have a convention, but yeah. I say, well, they're all wearing masks and gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack tells Kate that, that what, you know, what really happened, he's trying to hold it together. Again, it's like, don't tell Rose or son. Not that he made the call. He wants Ben to see it. Um, on the beach, their characters are alive. Sawyer and Juliet don't know what to do. Because um, they, they have the, no guns. The others just, like, fired bullets into the sand. Um, Hurley comes driving at that Dharma van. Like, he, uh, he like, hits, runs over Ryan Price. Saeed breaks the dude's neck of his ankles. Tom it's, Friendly surrenders. Saeed yeah. doesn't just break a dude's neck of his ankles. It's amazing. It's while he's tied up. Yeah. Too. Tied and gagged. Well, he does it well, while, like, like, like sitting down. Well, it's like, if I remember correctly, it's like Sawyer's about to take that guy. And Saeed's like, no, he's mine. <laughs> like, Jin and Bernard both look at each other like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. This dude's Which, cool. Though... As wild as this is, it's still like the number three most badass Saeed moment. At least. Number yeah. one is still dishwasher full of knives. <laughs> well, I mean, the international. The economist? Or the economist, sorry. Yeah. 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 Just that whole episode. He's hanging and banging. Um, yeah. Flash forward Jack stealing some oxy from the hospital supply closet. Is that that they killed Tom Friendly? Yeah. Um, Jack is a sloppy motherfucker. He's just like knocking shit over. I'm just amazed Jack hasn't raided the oxy sample, uh, you know, closet yet. I'm also amazed that they have samples of oxycodone. Do you really need samples of that? Well, what cracks me up is that when Dr. Hamill comes in, he then excuses a lady because Jack wants to talk here. Yeah. And it's like, I kept thinking, like, did this nurse just see Jack steal all his pills? <laughs> 
so the, 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 his boss tells him, you know, basically like, yeah, the woman came out of surgery just fine. Also, she told us how she got into the car accident. She was distracted by a man who's about to jump off the bridge. Just how did you get there so quickly, Jack? Yeah. And how much have you had to drink today? He's like, drink? Well, technically nothing because I'm high on opium. High as balls. I'm off the sauce, though. Yeah. Uh, this is when Jack's like, you know, I'll tell you what. You get my father down here. If I'm drunker than he is, you can fire me. And then, and then the kicker, don't you look at me like that. Don't you pity me. <laughs> I mean, he is like way too close to this guy at points. He's at weird angles. His body's like a curvy line. Well, and we're all assuming that this is just like a dark chapter in Jack's life before yeah. Oceanic yeah. 815. Um, but it makes total sense now that like, oh yeah, he got back somehow and it's just like a complete mess because of it. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, I love that Jack takes us into the, uh, the hallway to get like an even bigger audience. And the guy's like, I'm trying to help you. You can't help me. <laughs> uh, so maybe yeah, you're also thinking, I think I'm trying to remember what I thought watching this live, but like, this is who Jack was. Yeah. This is how he responded to something. He can only lead these people now into ruin. Seriously. Um, so Jack gets the call from Hurley in the walkie-talkie. Everyone's alive, including Saeed, Bernard, and Jen. Everyone's relieved, especially Jack. Jack's just like, well, I didn't see that coming. I like how in the background, Sawyer's drinking beer. Yeah. Which the, the van should still be full of. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's like an infinite, an infinite amount of beer in the back of that van. Yeah. Like in the video game terms, yeah. I mean, does beer go bad? I think it goes bad, right? I wonder if it's like medicine and it kind of loses its potency. Isn't that like a thing where like you get like uh like bad beer if it's old? Oh yeah, if it if it expires, it'll turn into a caveman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it on a TV show. Sure. Um so I'm looking glass, Desmond's gonna get them some diving gear, Charlie's gonna type out good vibrations, Desmond hasn't got any visions, so they're like, hey, this everything's gonna be great. Um, he types out or he hums out and then he figures out the, the code for good vibrations. Is there a he's better like, yeah. song he could possibly have to, you know, play here on the keypad? It just feels think, right that it's good vibrations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the closest you can get to, you know, feeling good visions, whatever. And he's like, so much for fate. And then as he starts to leave, boom, incoming, incoming transmission. transmission. It's Penelope it's Widmore. Yeah. Hey, I love how he's just like Desmond. She's just like, did you just say Desmond? Yeah. So she's thrilled to hear that Desmond's alive and with Charlie, but also she informs Charlie that she doesn't, I don't have a boat. And she doesn't know who's who Naomi. Is. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, fuck, what's going on? Because I mean, yeah. the whole time, that's what you're assuming is that, that that's where Naomi came from. Um, and also, the, the score right now is just, it has this like percussive, like, constantly as like Desmond's like outside looking around sees that like oh those two bodies are still there but no mikhail just a blood yeah. splatter well and and with the boat thing too you spent this whole season like wondering what was that epilogue to uh-huh. season two about uh-huh. and they finally so, paid off here there's mikhail outside the porthole like like outside i don't think he's got he's got goggles on but i don't think he has like breathing apparatus no it's like he just swam out with a grenade and it's like fuck you i'm dying you're dying too He's got almost a Jack Shepard level of insane grin <laughs> on his face. So Desmond comes running over to Charlie, sees Penny in the view screen. Charlie like shuts the control room door. Mikhail blows up the porthole. 
Yeah. And then Charlie's got to get his Sharpie out and write not Penny's boat on it before the water consumes him. And I I like the way Desmond kind of just like nods and puts his hand up like he understands what's happening. And then Charlie dies, signs off. Desmond's also got really filthy fingernails. Yeah, rough. I was was like screen capping these. I was like, oh, I better not do the fingernails. That's just like not a good look. I like that we both noticed that. You would think the swim would have like clear those things out for a little bit. You'd think, yeah. Um, so Charlie makes the sign of the cross. He dies while Desmond watches. On the island, baby Aaron is crying as Claire's in Claire's arms as she as she carries him. And like thus starts a thousand theories about Charlie being reincarnated <laughs> as Aaron. Yeah. Aaron, like three months later or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh there's a funny bit here, Ash, this moment where in front of Claire is this old guy carrying one of those old like hard shell suitcases and like struggling to carry it. <laughs> well, like not Penny's boat is so good that it's almost like, it's like a code word among fans of loss. You can just walk up to somebody and say, not Penny's boat. And it's like, if they're, if they're a fan, they just like nod and smile. Like they know exactly what you mean. Shibboleth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Naomi points out, that, that Charlie the rock star just got them rescued because the lighter sat phone is not green. There's a detail with Naomi because Naomi's kind of a non-character really where I noticed that she's, and, and maybe it's partially the writing or maybe it's, I'm assigning more character to her. She's constantly like not just coming up and saying the thing. She's like trying to ingrace herself. Like, Hey Claire, what was the name of that rock star boyfriend of yours? Or, you know, Hey Jack, what did you do before this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like she's constantly asking questions. Um, so she shows Jack, they make the call or they want to make the call. Resource transmission. Doesn't matter. They're here now. Great overhead shot of the radio tower. I think it, they, they earn this because it's not too tall. Cause you're kind of wondering how do they never see this place before? It's not yeah. that big. Like you see like the landscape that they're in. It's like, okay, I could see how like you maybe wouldn't notice that. Yeah. Like if it was on like a plateau. Yeah. So they get inside. Daniel takes out, tells Alex that the, she recorded this message 16 years ago, three days before Alex was born. Crazy. And then she turns it off. Um, so Naomi can't get the signal outside, of course. She goes outside, starts getting the signal. And then she gets a fucking knife in the back. Oh, Ben's pleading of Jack, telling him it's a mistake. Making that call is the beginning of the end in the season four <laughs> episode title. Yeah, Knife in the Back by John Locke. And then Locke's oh. got his gun that he stole from the mass grave. And he's threatening to kill Jack if he doesn't put that phone down. And Jack's just like, fuck you. I'm, I'm full. I'm on such insane energy right now that I would just like walk directly into a bullet and it wouldn't phase me. You're done keeping me on this island. Yeah. Oh, I mean, because the fucking hardcore moment in season four premiere. You put a gun in my head, Jack, and you pulled the trigger. <laughs> yeah. It's not loaded, Jack. Well, because that's the thing is. Between the two of them, when it comes to each other, Locke will relent. Like he, and Jack will not. <laughs> yeah, like Locke is so desperate to to have Jack on his side to believe in him. It's kind of fascinating how little these two characters are together for how they are kind of connected. Is it is it that he needs Jack to believe in him, or is that he just I don't know wants Jack to be with him, or something of those two? Yeah, you know. I mean, it's it's like they constantly like that's their conversations. Um, and Jack's just like constantly like fuck you. <laughs> Seriously, I'm insane. Yeah. So Locker relents and he's just like Jack. You're not supposed to do this. And he kind of slinks off. 
So Mikowski gets on the line. Jack takes the call. It's appropriate levels of like, it sounds slightly shady, you know, like not, not too mm. much. You're not like, oh man, that guy sounds like totally creepy, but he's just like, yeah, we can come get you. He doesn't exactly sound like Fisher Stevens yet. Yeah. Um, Jack proudly is like, I'm one of the survivors of Oceanic 815. Can you get a fix on our location? The guy's like, hell yes, I can. So Jack has like a happy gasm. Like, I don't think Jack knows what to do with all this. Everyone's like cheering and happy. And yeah, Jack's just like, I'm going to cry. And then we're going to cut to just fantastic imagery here. We've got a sink full of dirty dishes and also like a Guinness bottle and like a Jack Daniels bottle and some other liquor bottles. And then we see like a bunch of charts of uh, oceans and maps and like an oceanic uh, like ticket. like one of those like little pam like little folders that they put your ticket in, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and also an oxy bottle. That's nice. Several. There's several on the table, but like just empty bottles. Yeah. And uh, place is a shit show. Yeah, and then it's like we see Jack slumped against the uh, wall, and it's just like maps and charts and just kind of like detritus everywhere. And he's got well, his and, phone and out. The universal uniform of like the, the trodden down man. He's wearing a wife beater. Sure. <laughs> so he pulls out the phone. He calls that number and just listens to it ring. Like he, I love how he like holds it away from his face. And like he's like surprised when they actually answer. And he's like, hello, it's me. Whoa, whoa, wait. Don't hang up, please. <laughs> I think they called this like the Moto Crazer was I think the name of this phone. I remember wanting this phone. So it's not the Razor. It's a Crazer. Yeah, it was like thinner. Mm-hmm. I think I had the razor briefly. I just felt like the razor was basic. Well, I was like, I was like really into like researching like the perfect cell phone to get back then in like the mid two thousands. I got like this one Sony phone from Europe that like you couldn't get in America. Which was the one that you took into the hot tub? Oh, that was another Sony phone. Yeah, that I got that phone like very very soon after it went to the hot tub with me. R.I.P. You were so excited because you could make your own ringtones. Uh-huh. It was a cool phone. It was like one of their Walkman phones. I remember we were in the hot tub. We were, it was the first time I've ever had, what was that shit called? Sparks? Oh yeah. Like the alcoholic energy drink stuff. Yeah. And I remember looking over and looking down and I was like, why is your pocket glowing? Yeah. RIP. Um, We had that razor. I think was my third or fourth cell phone that I then replaced with the Palm Pre. Nice. I had the yeah. Sony, I think it was called like the S 500 or something. It was a slider phone. It was oh. cool as shit. It was so awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So they're going to be at the airport. He's like, you know where, so we got to the airport at night. We're like Jack parks his Jeep, like at the end of the runway, just to be a dramatic bitch. Yeah, I mean, he's not quite, like, pushing tin, like, on the edge of the runway, where you, like, f- go flying in the air when the plane takes off, but he's, like, there. Um, he's probably, like, if he laid on his hood when the plane took off over, he'd probably feel it in his groin. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, car pulls up behind him, and, like, it's this great thing where it's, like, this person is shrouded in shadow for a moment. They're shrouded in shadow him. unless unless you watch this on 4K TV with oh, HDR, yeah? and then you're, like, oh, it's Kate. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching this on my TV on Hulu, and it's like when she steps out of the light, you get that great—I don't know what they call that—like riff, that score that they use. Yeah, the the, the mystery, the mystery reveal yeah. score. Yeah, it's like oh shit, it's Kate, Kate with makeup, and you're just Kate like no freckles. You're just like what the fuck? 
Yeah, yeah. She's like, well, then, and then it's hitting you right away because she's like, saw you on the news, still pulling people out of burning wreckage, huh? And he's like, huh, old habits. I just peed myself. Um, we were not supposed to leave that island. Yeah. Yeah, but little things like, you know, enough small talk, why'd you call me? He talks about the funeral. He's like, I was hoping you'd heard, thought you'd go to the funeral. And she's like, why would, would I, I go to the funeral? Yeah. And he and talks about like he's, he's been using the golden pass. He's been flying, just gets on a flight to Tokyo or Singapore, or Sydney, gets off, has a drink and flies back. He's hoping every time there's turbulence, he's hoping it crashes. Yeah. Doesn't care about anyone else on board. All he cares about is getting back. Jesus. So he's sick of lying. They made a mistake. She says uh, um, she has to go because he will be wondering where she is. Whoever he is, I believe we find out later that that is Aaron, right? Yeah, that kid doesn't know shit. Yeah, kid's a dunce. Um, Kate walks off. Jack's freaking out, and we get the "We have to go back, Kate." We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back. back. And the plane takes off over Jack's head, and everyone's mind just explodes. Holy shit! Secret flash forward twist. They got off the island. What the fuck happened? All summer, you're like, well, this changes everything. Yeah, it really did. It was completely mind blowing, and it was like, you know, the the flashback episodes were starting to get a little stale, and this was just the perfect antidote for that. It's yeah. just like, hey, yeah. we we got to fix. We're gonna do flash forwards now. Well, and the flash forwards and flashbacks, and sometimes both. Yeah. <laughs> And then you got the idea of the Oceanic Six. And I love that it's worthwhile. Like we still, it didn't feel, it felt organic to me that we still spend another season. On the island. You know, yeah, on the island to the moment they get off. I think Bleep Jack also says here, I'm sick of lying. We'll find out later, like, you know, why they lied. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking great episode. Mm -hmm. What an all-timer finale. But I mean, like where it goes with the timelines and everything, it's kind of what I was talking about with like Westworld, whereas I feel like if this show was on HBO, it would be even harder to follow in places because they could do certain things. I kind of wish that sometimes Westworld was on it was on a network where they kind of like forced them to streamline it a little bit. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that was through the looking glass. Yeah. Any complaints? Uh I think the bigger one would be, especially out of these last episodes, is the not having, like we said, not having it just be the three guys who are the shooters. For me, I feel like Juliet was inscrutable longer than she really needed to be. Mm-hmm. Like she was inscrutable for the show, less for the character, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the entire life of Juliet you know, pre-season five, I feel like we're always like missing one more episode of hers. It seems like they always wanted to be able to have one foot in both lanes so they could pull back if they wanted to, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I just think she just never, she was never going to be Kate. So it's yeah. like they never gave her all the tools. Uh, Kate got a million episodes. Yeah. And not all of them are great. No, some of them like the one with the horse. Yeah, that's what Kate did too. Yeah. <laughs> I think the problem there is like after you find out what Kate did, you're just like, I got it. Yeah. 
I'm good. Well, because they kept setting up. Like, it was like, this is a big mystery, what Kate did. And quite frankly, maybe Kate should have gone to jail. Yeah, otherwise complaints, I think I already mentioned, just the, the bit with Kate in the dress on the beach and, like, you know, the implication. Like, I just I cut that and it's not needed. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if we were going through the whole season, there's probably a lot in the middle where you can tell they don't really know quite how things are going to shake out. And they don't know entirely what they're doing with the others yet, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Make one change. Uh, it's it would be um it's not an episode we watched but uh, not the tattoo episode. <laughs> he walks among us, but he's not one of us. Yeah, it's what it says. It's not what it means. That's like the only good part of that episode. Yeah, yeah. He like forces the woman into like giving him a tattoo, and they all come and beat him up. It's so fucking weird. Yeah, it's weird. I was like, this is Jack on vacation. Yeah. Um, so I thought of this while watching the man behind the curtain. I don't know if this works, but what if Jacob and the man in black were the same person? I mean, the problem with that is I know how the show goes. Yeah. Elaborate. Rather than there being this other man in black entity, in addition to Jacob, if they were somehow the same person, so that sometimes when he's, you thought like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like a split personality or I don't know what, but like, so t- sometimes when he saw the monster, it was Jacob and sometimes it was a man in black. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately what, what I think we find out is, is, sorry, my cat's clawing at something. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob's whole thing is like non, non-interference, like non-involvement. Yeah, it's almost I guess, like never him. Yeah, that's that. I, to me, I guess that's a problem. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost always the man in black. I mean, they only know about Jacob presumably from Richard Alpair because uh-huh. none of them would have ever encountered him. I guess I just want Jacob to be a little present. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you're you're fascinated by Jacob. I mean, we've been hearing about this guy since I think season two. We hear about Jacob's lists. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, power rankings. I've got 20. I could have spent a lot more time on this. I only have 16. I feel like I'm, I must be missing someone here. I tried to double check, but I feel like, like I almost missed Hurley and then I remembered him and put him on here, but I don't know. So at number 20, I'll I'll go through mine and we can get down to your 16. I've got Nikki and Paulo. Of course. Wow. That low, huh? Well, I mean, where do you put them? You know, (laughs) The Wolfgang Putz of Wolfgang Putz. <laughs> the Wolfgang yep. Puck of Brazil. That slip was almost Freudian and it was dead on. <laughs> uh, number 19, I got Tom Friendly, RIP. Yeah, yeah. 18, I've got Sarah, Jack's ex. Oh, yeah. Sarah Schmidt, Julie Bowen. Name. Getting it Just, done. Getting out. I think. When, it, when getting was good. I want to say. Modern Family was just starting when this show was yeah, when know, she was doing insane. this and it just ended. <laughs> uh number 17 I put Alex and Carl together. Oh yeah. Let's say that Alex and Carl are my 17. All right, what's your 16? My 16 is Rose and Bernard. Oh, okay. I've got Mikhail at 16. 
Okay. Maybe not fair if you're counting the whole season. I guess I'm kind of only looking at these episodes, I guess. I mean, Mikhail, I feel like is one more episode away from being like a much more interesting character. Not that you needed to do that. You wouldn't have minded a Mikhail flashback episode. Yeah. You know, it would be interesting. Yeah. He's got his cat named Nadia. <laughs> not named after Saeed's ex. Yeah. All right, what's your 15? Sun and Jin. Okay, I've got Claire at 15. Yeah, Sun and Jin, not, especially not in these episodes, just not in it as much. Not the ones we watched, yeah. Yeah. Although I feel like, I don't know, some of this, if we'd watched different episodes, I think they're more present and they just start to feel like the kind of the core of the non Jack Sawyer Kate, you know, situation there. They're like kind of like the heart and soul. Well, the the thing is, though, like a lot of I mean, they, I know they still dredge it up with some of the flashbacks, but like the drama on Island for Sun and Jin is is different now. It's more yeah. about like Sun's pregnancy. It's not between them. Well, even the flashback stuff kind of felt like just like they needed new stuff to add, you know? Yeah. Like we yeah. really didn't need the secret affair that, that Sun had and all that business. Like we were kind of fine how they ended in in, in translation there. Which I feel like we spent 10 minutes trying to remember last week. Yeah, <laughs> That's the thing is it's just not important. It's like we we got their entire story in House of the Rising Sun and in translation. And we knew mm-hmm. who they were. And then it's all about like the drama on the island of them kind of, you know, reconciling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so 14, I have Claire. Um, I feel like. Claire's on the verge of being a much more interesting character that the show just won't have time to do something with plot wise. Yeah. Yeah. I've got uh, Danielle at 14, the French oh. woman. Yeah. She didn't make my list. She should have though. Um, 13. I've got Mikhail. Um, he's a memorable fucker. I mean, <laughs> just, the little details I didn't even really notice, just how much he's like, why are you explaining yourself to them? What do you mean that these two women are actually here? Like, I didn't even really register that when I first watched the show. But just the glee on his face as he just free swims to the outside of the station. And it's like, Woo-hoo-hoo. Also, we didn't mention it, but he's like, you know, sans eye patch for a lot of those episodes. The last yeah. finale there. And it's just like gross scar tissue. Yeah. Well, it could be worse. Yeah. I think it'd be open. Because, yeah. I mean, the presumption was that he was the glass eye guy, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where are we at? 13? That was my 13. So I've got Sun and Jin there. Okay. Um, My number 12. Talk about a huge fall down the, the list in a, case, in a Casey Kasem fashion. Coming in at a hot number 12 is Desmond Hume. Oh. Oh, shit, I got this one way higher. Okay. Because, uh, and again, if we'd watch different episodes, but like he's just, he's just not in it as much. That's true. You know? So I put Rose and Bernard at number 12. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I ranked them above Sun and Jin because uh, Bernard didn't miss a shot. Just saying, Jin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I find that you don't hate Bernard for spilling his guts. No, Whereas, they're like, like they're, normally you would. They're like a great couple. Like you're never mad at them. I could I could see characters like that on some shows being annoying mm-hmm. and 
just got kind of like too kind of basic or, you know, kind of like, I don't know, happy or whatever, but like, they're always good on the show. I feel like they're, they're just kind of very heartwarming all the times you see them. I really love when they show up in season six. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, what was that? Was that 12? That was 12. Yeah. So 11, I've got Mr. Hugo Hurley Reyes. Oh, me too. Um, Number 11 with the burlet. Yeah. It's, it's Hugh. It's Hurley. I mean, yeah. he's, He's fun at the end, even though it's like it's heartbreaking the way people like don't count him in or saves the day. Yeah, make fun of his size. Or I just love that he's like trying to really take charge of the mystery in Expose. <laughs> I just love that there is a mystery. Gotta love that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they had almost played it up more as a mystery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh number ten. I wonder if you have this guy on your list or not. Christian Shepherd. Oh no, I should, but I don't. Oh, I wonder, wonder who you I have that I don't then. Okay, this is going to be interesting. I, 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 this was the last thing I did, and I will admit I kind of peanut butter a little bit. It's, it's impossible. Like I mean, when you're ranking like 22 episodes of a show, yeah. yeah. So my number 10 is Mr. Richard Alpair. Oh, shit. So he's who I don't have, but Richard Alpair is fucking awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when he's not on screen, I'm like, where's Richard Alpair? <laughs> this show's so good about creating characters like that. And giving you almost nothing to them, but every little morsel you get, you're just like, yes. Well, and, and another character like Desmond, like Rousseau, like Locke, uh-huh. name checked from a philosopher. Yeah. Uh, let's see, number nine. I feel like he should be higher, probably. I just wasn't sure where to put him, but I got Saeed. Mm. Oh. I mean, Saeed, he's always awesome. He's he's number one in my book all the time. Yeah. Um, my number nine. Again, it's not it's not because of these episodes, but it's a legacy placing. Number nine is Kate. Oh shit. I've got her at number eight. Yeah, she I feel like Juliet kind of stole some of her thunder here and she didn't have as much to do. And yet it's not like stole enough thunder, you know, to be powerful or whatever. Uh number eight, I've got James Tom Sawyer Ford. Oh, wow. I've got him on my list in a different location. Okay. I feel like this was really the season where they're like, hey, everybody loves Sawyer, right? Yeah. Well, and and they name checked it with the whole Nikki and Paolo episode and with the, you know, Hurley's like, time for you to be a leader, dude. (laughs) It's like we were like, okay, we've softened out Sawyer as much as we can. In fact, I'll tell you this, though. Here's the test. Here's how you know that Sawyer is like a huge fan favorite that can do no wrong. He slaps a woman later and nobody blinks an eye. When does that happen? He slaps Charlotte in the season five premiere. Does he? I don't She's remember that at all. To him. He slaps her across the face Jesus. and he says, listen up, redhead or whatever, whatever nickname he has for the redhead. Or, or listen up, Ginge, or you'll get another. Wow, are you going to have to watch that episode? I don't remember that at all. It's the start of the the record, I believe. All right. It's the it's the uh, uh, the the person waking up and putting on the record is Doctor Marvin Candle. In the that's beginning of the season, end, season of five. That's how it ends, or that's how it starts. It's season five or season four? Oh, no, season five. Yeah, that's okay. when that's when Sawyer slaps a woman. Yeah. Okay. I'm just looking at season four. I almost feel like we could skip the beginning of the end and go right to confirmed dead. I've got I've got some suggestions. Okay. So let's finish our rankings. All right. Uh where are we at? Number seven. 
Yeah, my eight was was Sawyer. Yeah. And my Great eight was Kate. Okay. My number seven, Mr. John Locke. Same. It's hard to rank these these characters coming up here because they all have their moments. But uh, Locke, ultimately, you got to keep track of your gun, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am always fascinated by a show that does the complicated thing where, like, you have the good guy, you have the bad guy, and then they're like, here's a third person. Well, I think we were talking um, earlier, like whether or not Jack wants, uh, or not Jack, uh, Locke wants Jack to believe him. I think mm-hmm. Locke just wants Jack, like he doesn't want to be alone in his, well, you know, questing. Let me let me enter the final exhibit of my case. Uh-huh. What is the contents of John Locke's suicide note? I don't remember. Well. Okay. When you look it up, you will, you will, that'll be, that'll be my final okay. statement in my case. Okay. Yeah. So, but Locke is. Remember I mean, Matthew I, I, Abaddon? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I did more of that guy. I know. It's Lance Reddick. He's, he's creepy. He's fascinating. Um, but yeah, Locke is, he's, I don't know. He's kind of the soul of the island or in some fashion. I don't know. Like Locke is always on to something. It felt like to me. That we're not going to quite get. And yeah. It ultimately would be something very human and tragic. Yeah. All right. Who's Six? your seven? Oh, seven is long. Oh, long. yeah. We both have lock zone. Okay. Uh, I've got Juliet at number six. Oh, interesting. Blonde bombshell. Dropping in at number six. Indeed she is. Number six. I wanted to have a little fun here. Oh. So I put Nikki and Paolo. Oh, shit. I'm really I curious them- about your top five. I put them because people hate them <laughs> and that fascinates me. And they're, they have a very interesting story at the core of it. It just doesn't necessarily, I mean like they kind of show they're on a different show. Uh-huh. <laughs> so number five, this is as high as I could put them. It's Charlie. Okay. Yep. Same. I think he, he really redeems himself a lot in the last few episodes of the show. He was never a favorite of mine leading up to the end of the season, but he he pulled it out. He showed his medal. I feel like Charlie was like way at the bottom of my list last week. So yeah, I mean he ran the he ran the board of some great episodes and a great ending, and that's why he's at my number five. Um, these these last two episodes, they did a smart thing where it almost made you miss Charlie, like you don't want him to go. I always just wonder, like when you're Evangeline Lilly and you're dating the actor plays Charlie and then he gets written off the show. Like, what's that like? Yeah. It's a ticking clock. Yeah. That's what that's like. But, and I think that's, that's exactly right. Is if you're thinking like, man, this, these last episodes are so good. I wish Charlie could stay. It's like, then we're, we're getting rid of him at the right time. Well, and it's part of the reason that you like him is because of the tragedy of his life that they portray, you know? Mm-hmm. And we'll quite frankly, get an even better character called miles. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, my number four is Mr. Desmond David Hume. Interesting. Why so high? Just because he fucking rules. I don't know. I just I feel like there's this well of deep empathy and compassion behind his eyes in every scene that he's in, whether or not he's doing anything in particular. You know, it's interesting that I don't know to see Desmond like not on the sauce. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, and I think it's kind of a, a fascinating choice because they're like. Hey guys, we're gonna do all these flashbacks where like Jack is like a sloppy pill addict, 
Maybe we shouldn't have Desmond be a sloppy drunk. Um, my number four is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Saeed Jarrah. Oh, fuck yeah. Hello, Saeed. Yeah. I feel like he's just always relegated to like second or third or fourth mm-hmm. in command, even though it's like, man, this guy, if you just put him in charge, he'd have no more issues. I mean, quite frankly, I could see an alternate version of this where it's like Sawyer gets killed at the end of season one yeah. and Saeed steps up. Uh-huh. Yeah, Saeed's rad. Uh, number three, speaking of Sawyer, that's where I have him. I've got Sawyer at three. Mr. James Ford. Yeah. Why so high? Uh, good question. I don't know. Why so high? I mean, it, it's probably partly influenced by the fact that I watched Left Behind and he kind of like steps up in that episode. Mm. Um, you know, he's become more of a leader. Went back to help save the day, even though he didn't really do anything. <laughs> he killed a guy in cold blood. Yeah. I mean, that I didn't believe him. That's a pretty fucking great line. Um, my number three is uh, the queen of my heart, Juliet Burke. Of course. Um, I want to put her even higher, but I, you, you know, said, if you'd put her at number one, I wouldn't blame you. No, I know I, you. I, I know how yeah. you feel about Juliet. Yeah, I mean, from the moment she appears on screen, those first thirty seconds of this season, I I was in love, and she's so enigmatic and just like graceful and mysterious, and I don't know, just perfect. And it and the show. I just felt like after that, they're like, we don't know really what to do with you. <laughs> well, I, I think they find a really good solution for both Sawyer and Juliet in season yeah. five. Yeah. Well, and then just that's a big moment in the season six premiere and, and last episode. Yeah. Um, well, I can't wait till we get there. Obviously, we're going to do the last episode whenever we get season six. But um, like what what awakening hit you the hardest there? Oh. My number two, I can guess this is your number two as well. I could be wrong. Mm. Benjamin Linus. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He really towers over this season. He comes on so strong. I think they they cast him. Who knows how long they thought they were casting him for as Henry Gale. Mm. But they were just like, holy shit, this guy owns. Like, we need this guy to be a major character. Yep. Yep. And... It's pre- it's it's apparent in these these scenes in this last episode that it's not he has a clear like he's not the problem is he, he's not showing that he's just not saying it he has like a clear reason like he, you get the sense that he kind of believes like don't do this Jack it's a mistake like, yeah. you're gonna fuck things up well that's tough to do when you're a character that's written as somebody who just lies constantly you know yeah but also Michael Emerson is just so good with little moments. Um, in a way that's that you could almost miss almost every time. And he's got his little he's got his little Ben Linus like the little bow like he's got his usual, yeah. usual tricks. I don't know, we have to say number one. We have to say number one, of course. Number one with the bullet, the most insane man on the island. It's Jack Shepard. We have to go back. I mean, have you ever seen a more insane character on TV? <laughs> God, I love Jack. I mean, it's he's so messed up, and yet I find him so compelling. I don't. Yeah. He's just a complete disaster. He's a disaster of a human being. You would not ever want to be stuck in an elevator with this guy. It'd be a, just imagine what a nightmare that would be. Do. 
Or you absolutely do. Yeah. I just like the boiling down the essentialness of his character is he's about to kill himself, but then somebody gets in a car accident behind him, so he has to go help. You know? <laughs> he's just like oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like really go back and study his like physical acting when he's like high on pills. It's not it's not the usual like inebriated acting. It's so fascinating. And the way he could do that thing where he keeps like rubbing his temple. Yeah. yeah. He does a lot of like the single, say like one hand kind of like pressing in on one side. Yeah. 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 Jack's completely insane. I don't know. We'll see if maybe he can be dethroned for season four. I don't know. I have to, I have to wait and watch, but what a tour de force of insanity. And, mm-hmm. and just, he is he is the most broken and the most lost of all of them, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, unanswerable questions. I don't know. What was the other's goal, I guess? Something to do with pregnant women? Pregnant women and protecting the island. I think it it's complicated by Ben, who has seemingly taken over the others, but has his own agenda that may or may not line up with the other's goals entirely. Well, maintaining power. Yeah. Well, the question is, yeah, I mean, but you're saying, are there organizational goals? I mean, I think they're just, I think they're just kind of like an order that exists on the island to protect the island. Yeah. Like theoretically. And then it's like, whatever the leader is, they just, their administration just sets the agenda. And they just happen to get a leader in Ben who's a sociopathic, you know, megalomaniac. Well, and I feel really gross because I, one of the things I always wanted about Julia, and I know it's a mistake now, is this thing that, you know, people complain on the internet about like Ray, where I was always like, where's the episode where they're giving her karate training and teaching her Latin and all this other shit? Like, what is others boot camp 101? Well, I think you want that not to be like, how does Julia become a good fighter? That's bullshit. But more to just be like, how does one become an other is kind of like yeah. what you're wondering about. Like, is there some sort of orientation that they go through? Well, I mean, presumably at some point there's some, for lack of a better term, like almost like spiritual aspect that you have to ascribe to. Yeah. Like, well, and like, you know, uh, they're, they're making lists. Like what, what did they want from the people on the list? What were they looking for? Were they yeah. looking for a theoretical, like, good people that would be part of their cause? Or are they looking for a certain character flaw that could be exploited or manipulated? Well, it's not just that, like, Goodwin, who's got, who's, who does something medical. It's not just that he can go be, like, a wetworks operator and infiltrate this group and all this shit. But what makes him so willing to do that on a moment's notice? Yeah, that true believer, you know, mentality. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the others, I know you like, don't like cult stuff, but it's like, they almost get at something cult ish, but it's still very intriguing or the possibility is there and it's never fully spelled out. I mean, I, we don't even really know what the fuck is going on even in the temple. I feel like, yeah, really can't wait to get there. All right. Well, let's talk about season four. So here's my suggestions. Okay. This is not perfect. And there's a lot of them here. Okay. Confirmed dead. Okay. The Economist. Uh-huh. The Constant. Uh-huh. Shape of Things to Come. Uh-huh. The last three. Oh, God, that's a lot. Yep. Uh, and that's leaving off some important ones. 
So confirmed dead, the economist, the constant, the shape of things come in the last three. I mean, I think if we could just kind of game plan to kind of blow through some of those last three and like recap wise, just so it doesn't drag on too long. I think yeah, that can yeah. work. Okay. I mean, what are we missing there? We're missing um, Ji Young. Okay, yeah, but we can miss that. You know, I feel like we we gave Sun and Jin in translation, like they had their moment. We're missing yeah. meet Kevin Johnson. Yeah, you go now, Michael. Um, I f- I don't remember what the flashbacks or situation is, but Cabin Fever has some interesting stuff. That's like where they and, go uh, back to the cabin, right? Yeah, it's when he gets his orders from Jacob. Yeah. I don't remember what the flashbacks are. And something nice back home, I want to say, is the beginning of the end of Jack. I don't remember that episode at all. I, I want to say that's the one where you see Jack and Kate are actually like living together. Yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. I remember that now. That's, that We can skip that. That's fine. I don't need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we see them like in the shower or something, I think. Or either that or it's like he's woken up early and like made her breakfast or, uh-huh. or something. I just like that the only time we ever see them like, you know, get down is it's like this like insane like kind of like pity hate fucking that they have right before they get on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, that's all you get. Yeah. Okay, so beginning of the end, confirmed dead. I'm sorry, not the beginning of the end. Uh, just confirmed yeah. dead. The Economist, the constant. Of course, we got to do the constant. Um, shape of things to come, and there's no place like home. Parts one, two, and three, which is, I feel like maybe they could have made that two parts. I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see in the rewatch. I seem to remember it being a lot of running around. Yeah. A lot of, you have to go here, we have to go there. I think that works. Uh, I I mean the only thing I would say to anyone listening to this, my God, I can't believe you're still listening to this, would be to watch the I think it's the very beginning of the beginning of the end. With Hurley's okay. uh chasing. Oh yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. I want to say at one point you like like while watching it on TV, like OJ style, like we cut to Jack in his like kitchen and he's just like just making a little screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> This for breakfast, you know, some OJ. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I feel like the, that feels good for season four. I don't know how we're going to do season five because I feel like there's a lot in the season five. I see. I always wonder if at some point the plan was for seven and then they kind of crammed two seasons into season five. It is kind of but two they, seasons. Yeah. Like, you know, building up to and then getting on the, the, uh, you know, flashback timeline, time or, travel, or just, or just would uh, some of that stuff have just been like the back half of season four? Uh-huh, yeah, and then I feel like season six is actually kind of stretched out more than it needs to be. True, true, true. All right, so next week, it's gonna get crazy. Yeah, old people like Lost because we're gonna talk about it for a while here. And yeah. uh, you know what else are you gonna do in a lockdown? <laughs> lockdown. All right. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.